had no clue about the Activision thing. Like, no. sure, I could come out here and be like, yeah, guys, I knew. He, 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 give me some insider credit. I've always claimed I'm not an insider. I just hear some things from time to time from people who know. But all me and Jazz had heard, and if you go back and listen to the podcast right before the acquisition went down, we were talking about acquisitions, and we said, hey, guys, maybe the next acquisition might not be sexy because it might be mobile-related. Because me and Jez were hearing that Xbox was going to make a splash in the mobile space. And I know none of – I wouldn't care. Jez wouldn't care. Our chat wouldn't care. So we were sort of kind of trying to prepare our chat for the idea of Microsoft's next acquisition to be mobile-related and everybody to kind of be disappointed. And, well, alongside that mobile acquisition also came Activision Blizzard. So, I mean – uh, but I know nothing about it, absolutely nothing. I was blindsided. This just goes to show you these big deals like this, they, they stick, like nobody knew about it for a reason because it's basically like Hidden. it would be illegal for them to talk about it to anybody else because that would be insider trading. Like if you knew that Microsoft uh, was yeah. on the verge to buy Activision, you could buy Activision stock essentially uh, to make money or sell stock in, in whatever case, right? Uh, and that's that's highly illegal. So that sort of stuff just it doesn't happen. It might happen with smaller things. Like I remember the playground acquisition leaked because it was on like a government website or whatever. Um, but for the most part, acquisitions they don't really leak in advance. Like you hear stories about Microsoft talking to companies, but. Yeah. Um, normally that stuff doesn't leak out too far in advance, right, Jez? Yeah, it doesn't. Um, I, uh, I, th- I heard about Bethesda, I think, because it was a little bit less secretive because they're not a publicly traded company. So it's not like I would have been able to go and buy a bunch of Bethesda stock because they're, they're privately traded, sorry. Um, but Activision is different because they're a publicly traded company. You can get, like, in a lot of trouble if you uh, try to manipulate the share price and all that. Gubbins, so yeah, I had no idea. All I heard is that they were going to make a mobile play, which you could argue this is a mobile play, <laughs> but yeah. it's not why we're interested in it, right? Oh man, what a week! What yeah, a week. my good buddy Fonzarelli Gaming says, Shout out to you two, shout out to you, Fonz. Thanks for being here, buddy. Thanks for the support. Yeah, and, uh, Fonz. you know, Fonz yeah, has Fonz. an amazing show he puts on Sundays after ILP. Games Talk Live, which I've been on a couple times. You need to be on Games Talk Live with Fonz, Jez. Good show. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. I, do, I have talked to Fonz about it, and I do want to get on. I do want to get on more podcasts and stuff. Um, it's Plus, just, man, it's Fonz, if Fonz is in and out, bro. Like, we love Defining Duke and Maddie and Cog, but that was like four hours long, right? And yeah. it kind of gets long in the tooth. Fonz is like an hour, and you're in and you're done. It's just an hour long, you know. So. Oh, that's 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 ideal. That's <laughs> very. I think ideal. more podcasts are like that. Why isn't our podcast like that, Ron? We could do like an hour, people, hour people, and done. People love if we did an hour show, people would ride in the streets. <laughs> people would definitely mm-hmm. ride in the streets. Uh, Wolf Assassin says, "How much money in super chats do we have to give you guys to live stream Elden Ring on the Xbox Two podcast on launch date since that day is a Friday." I will definitely be live streaming it. I'd probably live stream it before we actually go live. So if you follow me on YouTube, maybe Ray and Rand will stream it there. Unless you want to stream it on this channel, Rand, I don't mind. I mean, we'll probably. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to play it. To be honest with you, I still, I still haven't decided. I still haven't decided. Dude, game of the year. You said yourself. I mean, game of the year. I can project what I think will be voted for game of the year. Not that it would be my (laughs) game of the year. You know. 
So, yeah, uh, RDX Sunnifet says, Mini Fridge never came to Canada like they said. I guess that's unfortunate. Maybe it'll come sometime this year. Travis. Yeah, I, I imagine it will come. It's just a matter of, like, uh, distribution. Putting products out there is complicated, so I do think they'll get into Canada eventually. You just have to hang tight a bit. Uh, Travis says, what do you guys think of an Elite Series 3 controller with built-in Wi-Fi like Stadia or Luna controllers for use with Xbox Cloud Play? Now that's interesting because I think that they I think they're definitely gonna we've talked sort of about an Elite Series three, right? And we're of a different opinion here. I, I think a good thing to add for Elite Series three would be haptic feedback. Right? Because like what are you gonna add to the Elite Series two to make people wanna spend hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars again? But you're of the opinion like, no, you can't really do haptic feedback because what games are gonna support it, especially if regular controllers don't have it, which makes sense, right? Yeah. But what about this? What about an Elite Series 3 controller that has built-in Wi-Fi that you can use for cloud play? Is that something that they could add on? Would that be enough of a, of an addition to get people to spend money? It's, it seems like a small play, but it definitely seems like I, I could see that like being something at mm. some point uh, because cloud is only going to get bigger and bigger, right? Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the issues with the cloud right now is that it, you kind of, a lot of the accessories are Bluetooth. And when you're using Bluetooth, you're adding like a crap ton of latency needlessly. Because Bluetooth is this horrible, horrible, but necessary protocol that is laggy, but it's really, really sort of cross-platform compliant and it's low energy and whatever. But it, it sucks for gaming because it adds like all this lag and stuff like that. So... One of the advantages, advantages Luna and Stadia have is that their controllers have Wi-Fi in them. So I do think there's a future where we do get a Wi-Fi-based Xbox accessory, but I think they're just going to go full-blown make a handheld round. I really do. And I think, like, whatever this handheld is, maybe you'll be able to use that as the controller when you're playing on the TV. I think Microsoft's definitely going to explore some of this stuff, but it might not be exactly the same way that Stadia and Luna does it. We'll just have to wait and see. But I do think we are going to get a handheld from Xbox eventually in some form. Ooh, a handheld? Like an actual proper handheld? Yeah, I do. Well, like cloud-based. Cloud-based handheld. Do you know this? Or do you just I don't know this. It? So there's I know they've been prototyping it, but they prototype a lot of things. So, like, I don't know if it's a product yet. They prototype a lot of things, but I know they've been prototyping handhelds. Will it actually become a product? I don't know that yet, but I believe it will. You know, normally I can tell what sort of things will get made into articles from this podcast. And I think (laughs) last podcast you mentioned the stuff about um, Apple poaching engineers from Xbox to make a console. Yes. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, someone's going to listen to this. Someone's going to write an article. And sure enough, someone did. But it actually (laughs) spread a lot farther than I thought because... Uh, a big YouTuber yeah. covered it and gave us credit, right? He even gave me credit. Um, wow, he even gave you credit. Well, because I'm, I'm friends with him. I do, I, I've done this podcast before. All right. Oh, but you know who covered it and didn't give us any credit at all? Not even you? Not even Jez Corden's Xbox 2 podcast? Who's that? GameSpot. Wow. Gave no credit whatsoever. At all. Well, actually, they did. It's If you look at the very bottom, oh. it says via Xbox 2, and you can barely see it, but there was no link. Wow. And there was no context. 
So uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty lame of that. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, yeah. Oh well. Um, do, eh? Yeah. Brett says, "Who's buying Sega?" Justin ran this rumor that just came out that Sega is not looking for a buyer since they just sold the arcade business. That's actually a topic because I kind of had this in here just to kind of speculate, and you brought it up, so let's speculate now, Jez. Did you see the news okay. that Sega basically ditched their arcade business finally, making I did see that. potentially making themselves more enticing to an acquisition? Because that was the thing. Like, if Xbox or PlayStation were interested in Sega, they have this arcade business that neither of them would be interested in, right? Yes. But now that there's no arcade business. So, you know, Xbox just bought Activision Blizzard. I'm of the opinion that they're going to be – that Xbox and Microsoft are going to go into turtle mode. Essentially, they're not going to talk to anybody – um, they're not going to make any acquisitions because they're not, they don't want to rock the boat. And I think no. maybe potentially it would look bad, it, it, you know, because you already have people talking about antitrust and monopoly with all this stuff, right? So it would look bad if suddenly five months later Xbox buys Sega, right? Because then people will be like, well, wait, we can't allow this. But then, of yeah. course, there's there's PlayStation and, you know, PlayStation, Sony. Like, there is that sort of it – is, it is supposed to be harder for an American company to buy a Japanese company, but PlayStation is a Japanese company. So, certainly possible. We've talked about maybe Sony's response to Activision Blizzard. Is Sega a target now? Like, what do you think's going on in, with all this, Jez? I honestly think all the big publishers are targets right now, whether it's EA, Take-Two, whatever. I think they're all targets. And I think Sony's looking at this. I think Tencent's looking at this. I think maybe even Amazon's looking at this. I don't think Google's looking at this. I think Google's... I think Google has seen some of this, the money that need, that's needed to do this. And I think Google's just thought, you know what? Screw this. We're, we're, not getting, <laughs> we're not getting involved in this shit. So I think Google's out. I think you can count Google out. Um, I think the Bethesda, the Bethesda acquisition alone saw off Google. So, like, when you factor in Activision as well, it's like, nah, nah. When, when Microsoft bought uh, Bethesda, Google literally just noped out of it. They were just like, nope, we're done, we're gone, that's it, we're done. So, um, but I think there's still a potential that Amazon could get involved, more involved, because there's a big cloud play here. Um, there's a big cloud play, and Amazon is like, they're afraid of Microsoft's cloud, really afraid. Uh, Microsoft's cloud's very gradually catching up to Amazon Web Services all the time. And I think there will be, there will be a, I think they are projected to overtake Amazon Web Services eventually. So, um, and also, because, because of the whole cloud thing, there's also like engines involved. Microsoft now owns a bunch of engines. They own id Software's engine, they'll own Blizzard's engine. Blizzard's making a new engine as well. So, I do think, like, because Amazon has its own engine, what's it called, uh, Lumberyard, I want to I say. They use Lumberyard to make New World and some other games, but no, barely anyone else uses Lumberyard because it's not that good. But, uh, <laughs> so, um, so, my, so Amazon would be like, man, Microsoft's really trying to build up their, their cloud services, and Microsoft's, like, won a, a load of big partners recently for cloud stuff. 
like obviously they got Minecraft on Azure, but they've also got like uh, all of Ubisoft games on Azure now, I think, and a bunch of other games. So um, I think Amazon could make a play for one of these big publishers, but it's like Phil said. Phil said in an interview, right, Rand? He said that a lot of these tech companies they just don't get gaming, and they'll buy they'll buy some of these companies like Sega and they'll ruin them. They'll ruin them because they don't get gaming, and they'll be like they'll be telling they'll be telling their companies like uh uh make games please um. Uh, yeah, and like we can see Amazon's incompetence with New World, which is a total fail game. Uh, I apologize if there's anyone who's a New World fan, but you can't deny that that game was overhyped to hell. It was pushed artificially via Twitch streamers and then basically disappeared off the face of the earth. No one cares about New World anymore. It's basically a dead game. And that's, that's a testament to Amazon's lack of knowledge of the industry. They threw a bunch of money, they threw a bunch of money at this game, like 300 million. And it was completely the wrong kind of game for them to make, to try and get into the, to break into the industry. So I think the real threat there is Amazon, Amazon's incompetence or Tencent buying up all these companies and then making their own platform, right? Uh, I've upset Fonzarelli. Sorry, man. Mm. Sorry, man. I hope I the games as well. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want any game to fail, like, even if Amazon owns them. But, like, um, you know, it is what it is. I think it was a mistake for Amazon to try and make something so ambitious as their first game, because now it's sort of cast a sort of shadow over the rest of the stuff they're going to try, try and do, but I don't know. Um, but I, I agree with you that we're going to see Xbox going to Turtle Mode. They're not going to buy anything. Turtle Mode is a really good way of saying it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to try and buy anything else. They're going, to be, they're going to be focused entirely. All of their efforts are going to be focused entirely on getting this deal done, and uh, until then, I don't think we even need to really talk about acquisitions because this this is the only acquisition that matters now, and this is the only one that they'll be talking about for the foreseeable future. I think. So, so yeah, you agree with me? There's no, there's going to be no possibility that we wake up one day in the future and they have acquired Sega while they're still in the process of acquiring Activision Blizzard, right? I think I think there's always a small possibility of them picking up smaller studios. Microsoft acquires things non-stop. You know, they, they purchase Nuance for $20 billion. They purchase GitHub. They purchase LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Microsoft's growing a huge platform. So, like, it's, it's not like they're going to stop acquisitions completely while this goes through. It is politically sensitive right now because the Democratic government want to regulate big tech and they're, they're nervous about some of these companies getting too big. But I think that ship is very firmly sailed. I don't think you... Microsoft's already very big, you know. We're, we're, we're in a world now where, like, companies are playing with trillions of dollars, not billions. So I think Apple, Apple's, like, Apple's like going to be the, fir- the first $3 trillion company or something projected to be. I don't know. You've got Elon Musk out here saying, like, his robots are going to be bigger than his cars at some point. Like, how do you stop these companies? You, you can't in this economic system. You just can't do it. So we might as well just join for the ride. Get along for the ride, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So who else? Who else they buy? You know, maybe they'll start buying countries next. I I wouldn't mind Microsoft living in the the United Kingdom of Microsoft. Would Would you rent? Would you want to Do you want to live in the United Kingdom of Microsoft? The United Kingdom of Microsoft. Yeah. Who Who's the leader? Yeah. I don't know. Satya Nadella would be the pre- the president of United Kingdom. Hmm. Or the prime minister, and Phil would be like I don't know. The, the Chancellor of the Exchequer or something, because he's, you know, a big spender, you know, Phil Spender. 
Phil Spender. As, indeed. Phil Spender, as, as we call him now. So. Yeah, oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I expect, I mean, Sony's investor meeting is next month. I think their investors are going to pressure Sony into doing something because they might be a little bit worried about what's going on with Call of Duty because that is such a big franchise and it makes PlayStation a lot of money. And, I mean, you can talk about, well, maybe Phil can somehow finagle Game Pass on PlayStation in the next couple years, but their investors are going to be looking at their sliding stock price, which is still sliding down. I don't know if you've seen, Jez. The no, Sony stock price is still kind of yeah. Take a look at it while while we're we're talking right now, um, if you can. It's still kind of going down. So they yeah. might be like, you know what? You talk a good game with this organic organic growth. Like we were behind you with Housemark and Blue Point and Fire Sprite and all these other developers, but it's time to make a splash now, because if Microsoft is making these moves, who knows what happens next year when Activision Blizzard closes? Do they Microsoft then go pursue another publisher? And as PlayStation, we got to protect our business. So if Sega is available now, do Sony make the move on it? You know, it's certainly possible. Although I think Square Enix is a little bit more likely. Um, but uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to definitely a lot of things are going to happen for this. That's why, like I think we said in the podcast when I said my videos, the gaming industry is going to be change forever by this. Forever. Yeah. So, uh, Brett says, Jez, it's time for EA and Bandai Namco. We need that Titanfile-style Gundam game. That, that's who Brett wants. EA and Bandai Namco. I uh, think I want Bandai Namco as well now. I've, cha- I've changed from Capcom to Bandai Namco. Really? Yeah. <laughs> R- RDX Son of Pet says, haptic feedback is dumb. I'd never use it. Yeah, but there's a lot of features in a lot of the controllers that they sell that most people never use. It's just, it's just about what like, what is something big enough that they can put in a controller to sell you an elite again for 150 bucks, right? It, they they have to have something new. It, what are they going to say for this one? We we promise, we pinky swear it's not going to break apart in a year, you know? Because <laughs> the build quality on those elites can be a little uh, hit or miss sometimes, right? Uh, That's true. Solsky says, I would love a native handheld from Xbox, or should I just stick with my Steam Deck pre-order? Um, I would probably stick with your Steam Deck pre-order, because who knows if a native Xbox handheld ever comes out, right? We have no clue. Jez has heard about prototypes. I'm sure Xbox has been prototyping stuff, but, I mean, you never know. They might feel like it's not worth it or something, you know, like things happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Steam Deck looks really nice, especially if you're in, if you're into, um, like PC gaming, if you buy a lot of games on Steam, that would, uh, I mean, that would be very good, I think. If you get the Steam Deck and have all your games on the go, I think, I think that would be smart. Yeah. I don't have anything on Steam, so there's no reason for me to get a Steam Deck, and I'm not a mobile gamer anyways. You don't have anything on Steam at all? I think I own Among Us on Steam. That's it. That's free to play. No, I think on I think on PC it was like five bucks or something. <laughs> That's like I've got it. like I've got hundreds of games on Steam. I'm one of these guys who buy who sees a game on sale for five dollars and I'm like oh I'll buy that and then never play it. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I suppose you don't like strategy games, right? No, like, I don't. If you're a strategy game fan, you, you have to buy them on Steam. Like I tried playing Stellaris with a controller. 
oh my god, it's it's not fun. It's not a good experience. Punkadish, who's been a member for 11 months, says he can't listen live today, but have a good one, fellas. I hope you have a great day, Punk, and uh, we're sorry uh, you can't listen live today, but there's always next week. So have a good rest of the day, buddy. Um, George says, why not Series S in handheld form? I'll buy it, to be honest. Mm. Series S in handheld form. Hmm. Series S in handheld form. Yeah, I, I often wonder about this. Like, how small could the Series S get? Realistically, I mean, the the fact that it's cheap is like they've got like a sort of a cheaper heating system in it, like for cooling. So like if if it was a bit more expensive, could they get something more heavy duty in and make it smaller? Could like the series could the series S? Do you remember how small the PS2 got? Yes, I do remember how small the PS2 got. Uh huh. The PS2 got like it got tiny. Like you could put it, you could almost put it in your pocket. It would probably knock your phones up a bit. The last, the last version of the PS2. So I do wonder about that. Could could they eventually get the Series S like power into a handheld? I think that's interesting to think about. But the problem with that is like N- Nvidia seems to have like the monopoly on small, energy efficient graphics processing. Like AMD's AMD's like laptop level graphics processors are not as good as NVIDIA's, so maybe maybe the bottleneck is uh, AMD there, but I don't know, it's interesting to think about, right? Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting, and it, it kind of would be crazy to, for the Series S to get any smaller than it currently is right now, because this is, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a small boy, right? It's a small boy. As we think about um, mid-gen refreshes, because I do think there will be one, it's like, you can imagine the Series X getting smaller, but, mm. but is the Series S going to get any smaller? It's already pretty small. So it's pretty damn small. Uh, shout out to Andy Hart for becoming the newest member of the channel. Thank you. Enjoy all the emotes. Um, and Wolf Assassin, who's been a member for eight months, says, Xbox Global Publishing has so many unannounced games, there's no way they have any more in the pipeline. Right, guys? Cough. Capcom does Scalebound. Cough. <laughs> Scalebound. Interesting. That game always okay. continues to come up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, Scalebound's never coming back. People want it to come back, though. Yeah, I think, like, a lot of people saw the Monster Hunter thing, and they were, uh, the certain Affinity game, which we're going to talk about in a bit. They saw that, and they thought, ooh, that, that might be Scalbound. It's not. It's not Scalbound. I promise you, it's not Scalbound. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so what is it with Scalebound that, that people have this attachment to it where it's like, can it come back? Because uh, that Phantom Dust game was canceled, right? Uh, Fable Legends was canceled. Scalebound was canceled, but you don't see people, I mean, outside of maybe like Maz Dampier talking about the Phantom Dust game that was canceled, right? <laughs> and some people talking about Fable Legends. You don't really see a lot of people talking about those two, but there's this kind of, I don't know, there's this, there's this like following. Following about like Scalebound where people are like, oh man, I really wish this game came out, I really wish they'd, they'd bring it back. Like, what makes Scalebound so different than from the other two? I think Scalebound just, it kind of looked cool, didn't it? Yeah, Pla- yeah Platinum's, yeah, like, known cool. for, um, Platinum's known for really great combat. So I think, like, because they released Nier Automata, uh, and it was really, it was really popular, and the combat was really good, and it, it became... Like it's not it's not the biggest game in the world, but it has like it's it's a, it's a bit of a masterpiece. If I'm honest, like it's a landmark game. Near Automata, Automata, however you want to pronounce it. 
How do you pronounce it around? Otama or Otomata? I don't know, because I usually say words wrong, and people make fun of me in the chat. I, I, I've always called it <laughs> near Automata or whatever. Automata. I don't know. Near I, Automata, guys. Near, near to, you, you know, so I, I don't know. My buddy Gopher would know. Uh, near Automata is how I would say it. It's a great, great game. I love near Automata. See, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it wrong. I'll, I pronounce it one way one time and one way another time. <laughs> Yeah, automata. 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 I don't know. Who knows? Autom- automata. <laughs> automatic guys. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I think because of that, they were like, man, it's uh, it could have been a really cool game, and you know, there isn't a lot of Japanese games on Xbox that are sort of exclusive. Maybe it calls back to that whole. Well, actually, you could have made that argument about, about Phantom Dust, but I think like as well the fact that Platinum Games was tied to the project. And it was sort of like Monster Hunter-ish and maybe a bit Pokemon-ish even. You could customize your dragon. How to drain your dragon in game form mm-hmm. by Platinum. I think that's a pretty cool premise. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's never coming back, I don't think. But yeah. who knows, man? Crazy things have happened. Microsoft will blizzard. I know, right? I know. Uh, Jeremy says, uh, someone buys EA. Do the sports games get forced to multi- multiple platforms by the leagues like MLB The Show? Presumably, I would imagine if Microsoft or EA were to buy, or Microsoft or Sony or Google or whatever would buy EA, I would imagine Madden is contractually obligated to be multi-platform, right? Yeah. And same thing sports with FIFA. Supposed to be, yeah. Sports are supposed to be for everyone, and these sports games, they're, they're marketing really for the sports. They're not, they're not meant to be good games. I mean, look at FIFA. FIFA has been the same game every year, year in, year out, for a million years. People buy every year because it's tied to the sport they love, not because it's a great game every year. I mean, it's, it's a decent game, but it's not like it needs to come out every year. So that's marketing. And, um, and uh, yeah, I don't think I think those would stay multi-platform, just like I think Call of Duty would stay multi-platform. Mm, you're still because wrong about this. It's an institution, man, and Phil's a nice guy. Yes, yes, the Phil is a nice guy. We were on um, Defining Duke and talking about the Call of Duty stuff, which, as you all know, there is a split in the Xbox, too. You know, we were we were together about Bethesda from the very beginning. You know, it was just like, we think they're going to be exclusive. I got your back, Jazz. Jazz has my back, right? <laughs> our, our, our thought process was basically the same, you know? But mm-hmm. uh, it's not the same for Activision Blizzard, guys. And Jez is just, he thinks Phil's such a nice guy that he's going to Minecraft Call of Duty and just rake in in the money. He he wants to, you know, like basically have uh, Microsoft be the good guy, right? Like the, um, the, the, they're doing this for the culture, right? They're not, they're not doing this because of their desire to dominate gaming. They're doing it for the culture to help Activision Blizzard become amazing (laughs) again and, we're just going to leave Call of Duty everywhere because that's what's good for gaming. That's what Jez thinks, right? Yes. And you, you got dragged in chat. Chat was not, they were not They were uh, definitely not agreeing with that opinion. They want Call of Duty to remain exclusive, right? I'm of the opinion, fine. you know, I'm of the opinion that Warzone is going to remain on PlayStation. They'll rake in a lot of microtransactions and cosmetic DLC and all that stuff. And then premium Call of Duties will be Xbox only, day one and Game Pass. 
And, but you know, okay. you know what though? Jez did admit he's kind of coming around to my way of thinking, though. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm st- I'm sticking to that though. I still I I can I can see it going either way. Like I'm, I don't think I'm 100 percent right, but I just I just feel it in my guts that I feel it in my shaved manscaped shaved balls. Codex I call it beauty. Codex be good. But that that will stay multi platform. I feel it. I feel it, man. But I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I've been wrong before, who right? wants just to be right or wrong about this? You know, I'm gonna make a poll. Do you want? Let's see. Do you want Jez to be wrong? Right? <laughs> Question mark exclamation point. Hell yeah, will be an answer. Because, you know, we want Jez to be wrong. And uh, <laughs> no is an answer. So see, let's see let's see what the community wants here, Jez. Let's see, let's see what they think. Do they want, did they want you to be wrong? Uh, oh, man. So make sure, you, make sure you go vote. Let's, let's see. Do you guys want Jez to be wrong? Let's uh, see if the votes come in. Uh, I don't know how to say this. Uh, Sacric or... I don't even know, S-A-Q-R-K-H. I don't even know how to say that. Thank you for Super Chat. He says, buying Activision would also give Microsoft cloud expertise that others can't get. Gives Microsoft leverage with Sega, Square, et cetera, if they want in on the cloud. Interesting. Cloud's a, a very important part of Xbox's future. Brett says, Amazon gaming is doo-doo. Yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of people would agree <laughs> with you. Andy says, good evening, Rand and Jazz in chat. Rand, did you ever play Max Payne 3? Personally, could be Rockstar's greatest game ever. Brilliant story. Yes, I love Max Payne 3. It's one of my favorite games from the 360 generation. And I, it sucks that we never got a Max Payne 4. That game is absolutely incredible. Love Max Payne 3. Uh, Austin, Austin says, inflation right now means Microsoft cash reserves are literally losing value every day. Assets are king. This all cash... Uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition is really smart. Yeah, that's the other thing people need to realize is that um, with inflation, Microsoft has how much money they have in the bank? 130 billion, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, with inflation, that m- money basically is going to devalue, and that's why you didn't really see a lot of investor concern. That's why in Microsoft's financial uh, quarterly report in their talks, uh, nobody even asked a question about it. Because Microsoft views it as, okay, the money's sitting there doing nothing, so we're going to take this money and we're going to turn it into assets. And the assets were Activision, Blizzard, and King. So, I mean, it's incredibly smart when you think about it. They get a deal on Activision, Blizzard because of all the stock stuff that happened, right? You get Call of Duty, most popular game. You get Blizzard for their PC push, and you get King for the mobile presence. So you turned... What essentially would be seventy billion dollars, burning literally burning a hole in your pocket, literally burning a hole in your pocket, and you turn it into assets for the future. And sure, people were like, "Well, how are they going to make this money back?" That's a lot of money. Like they didn't buy this, so you know, for for one to two years from now, they bought this for the ten to twenty year out plan, right? Because it's going to take a while to turn Blizzard around to get them back up to what they used to be 10 years ago, right, Jez? When they yeah. were the dominant force of PC gaming. Just like it took Phil a long time to turn around Xbox. Let's not, like, 
let's let's not like the whole turnaround for Xbox wasn't overnight, right? I mean, it was like a steady thing when Phil took over in 2014. He didn't really get the power until Xbox division was moved out from under Terry Meyerson. He was promoted to executive leadership team. And even then, it still took time to acquire the studios that they needed, and those teams needed time to kind of finish off their contracts and start working on new games for Xbox. All this stuff takes time. So the Blizzard stuff's going to take time to turn them around. Like, it's just better for them, or better for the investors, to turn $70 billion, which would have been losing value into assets that you can leverage to help make you even more money you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And when you look at their financial report, they made $15 billion last quarter. So by the time this deal goes through in 12 to 18 months, they'll have made the money essentially for it, and they'll have the same amount of money in their bank that they did when they did the deal. So (laughs) Microsoft just makes crazy money, right? Yeah. They make that bank, that Skrilla, as you say, in Blighty which is also another word for Britain that not many people use. But, um, man, it's, uh, it's just crazy times out there. There's so, many, there's so many facets to this. The fact that we're still talking about it two podcasts later is it's kind of a testament to how much of a big deal this is. So. Yeah. Uh, Marcus says, do you think Xbox was in talks to acquire another company pre-Activision Blizzard? What are the chances they get an IO or Crystal Dynamics by year's end? Was well, like me and Jazz always say, they're always in talks with other companies. Always. Right? Um, yeah. Crystal Dynamics, I think, I've said, like, I think that ends with them acquiring them, but I think Perfect Dark has to be finished. Uh, I own Interactive. Like, you mentioned, Jez, that there's a lot of games that Xbox is working with, or studios that Xbox are working with uh, making uh, games for global publishing that essentially could be Tryouts for acquisition. Ion Interactive, yeah, Avalanche, so. Crystal Dynamics, uh, Stoic, uh, Oxide, Stoic. you know, now certain Affinity, right? So, yes. Although, you know, okay, let's, I'm going to ask you this, because this kind of goes off his thing. We both agree that Xbox won't buy a publisher between now and when the deal closes, but would it be that big of a deal if they did acquire, say, Crystal Dynamics? Because, like, a single developer, I don't think raises much issue, does it? But Or do you yeah. still agree that they're going to be in turtle mode? I think they would probably buy Crystal Dynamics or IO in a defensive posture, like if Tencent was sniffing around, um, possibly. But Activision Blizzard is the, the sort of be-all and end-all. So, like, if, if, there was, if there's even a hint that that, could, that deal could be impacted by them messing around buying other studios, then they're not going to do it. Um, but Microsoft knows better than anyone here. Um, they A lot of this is political. A lot of this is political clout and stuff like that. You know, there's a, re- there's a reason America is basically run on political donations. It's because of stuff like this, you know. Um, and Microsoft knows how to play that game. They know it very, very well. Maybe better than any tech company. Microsoft knows how to do the Washington PR blitz. The, they know they've got lawyers who specialize in Washington and the Congress and all that stuff. So um, they definitely know better than anyone here. So that's true. Have to wait and see, baby. Edward King says, isn't Sega the most logical to buy? 
Microsoft have almost every genre covered now. Yakuza, Persona, and Sonic will help them push into Asian markets. I mean, that's the argument people make. You look at Activision, you see what they give you. Bethesda, you see what they give you. You look at Sega, and it's like Japanese for the push into that market. Um, they also have a lot of PC-focused developers like Reddit, or like Reddit, uh, Relic, Reddit, <laughs> like, like Relic, and um, who's the other PC developer they got? Uh, uh, Creative yeah, Assembly, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which, Jez, I, I was thinking, you know, if Sony did buy Sega, well, there goes Relic and Creative Assembly to do any sort of RTSs in the future, right? Yeah. So, you know, but yeah. Relic's- Relic's a risky thing because, like, Edge of Edge of Edge Four needs updates. It needs updates and it needs content to keep people interested. And um, Microsoft has to rely on Relic, and Relic are working on other games too. They've they've got like the total the whole Total War game, which I think they're they're supporting or developing outright. I can't remember which, but I know they're involved in it. So. Um, you know, Microsoft doesn't have full control of that studio and can't just be like, well, just focus on Age for now because they've got other commitments to be doing, which, you know, affects the de- the dev time on Age of Empires 4. So it's complicated, man. I, I don't envy what the, the amount of pressure that Phil and the team must be under right now. You know, it's, mm-hmm. they're, they're, try- they're doing something unprecedented. No gaming company has ever been this large, you know, really. It's a huge, a huge... It's got, they're going to be a huge company, like massive, with like so many different teams, so many creators and devs and procedures overlapping and all this complexity. Like it's, it's unreal the amount of complexity going, going into this. So I just want to, you know, shout out the people that are dealing with all this because I, I know for, a, I know for a fact I couldn't do it. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You can I barely deal it. with Dark Souls. Wow. That's mean. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm a Dark Souls pro, man. Mm. When are you going to start Dark Souls 2, or are you going to wait for Elden Ring to come out first? Well, I've nearly finished Dark Souls 1. I've, I've got uh, the last boss of the DLC to do, and then the last, last boss to do. I've got an optional boss here and there I might do as well, maybe. I don't know. So I kind of don't want it to end. I've had such a blast with Dark Souls Remastered. Um, I think it might be my top three games of all time now might have knocked that Mass Effect out of the top three. That blasphemy um, right there, wasn't it? I, I, I knew you were going to say that. But I, I just love it, man. I love it. It's it's so perfect for me. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. But um, I don't know. We'll have to see because I've got to play Dying Light. I still have a 500-hour long game. <laughs> no, it's not 500 hours, but it's a big game, and I haven't really got that far through the story yet. Um, I think I'm about halfway through the story or something like that at this point. So I've got to play that some more. Um, but I do intend to play all the Dark Souls and Sekiro. And, uh, yeah, mm. that is the plan. That is the plan. Uh, RDX says uh, Sony owes too much money to buy anyone. Uh, they could easily they could easily take on debt to get a loan to, to buy somebody if they – I guess it depends on who, though, but – yeah, I mean, Sony does have a lot of debt. I think they have two trillion in debt, Jez, I believe is the number. Two trillion yen. Yeah, so whatever like, it is. Um, I, I, I can't off the top of my head. I don't know how much of the yen converts into billions. It's a few billion. Yeah, it's a few billion. They have some debt, but oh, they can easily raise money. capital. It's not an issue. I don't think that's an issue. Tommy says, I feel no. like the acquisition means good news for Guitar Hero. Any news on that or Rock Band? I know I'm probably the only one who cares about this. I mean, no new news outside of what Phil and 
Bobby Robert, as Jesuit says. Like he's not like he shouldn't be called Bobby, he should be called Robert. Um Yeah. We don't call him Bobby, we call him Robert. His name's Robert, Robert Koenig. Yes. Robert um, Koenig. But yeah, Phil mentioned Guitar Hero in the interview. Uh Robert mentioned Guitar Hero. <laughs> it's funny because he was like, Yeah, these two games, uh Guitar Hero and Skylanders you know, they were destroyed by other competitors. It's like, bro, you helped kill both. Like, what are you talking about? Sure, you know, like, Guitar Hero was killed by all these plastic peripherals, and you releasing Guitar Hero this, and Guitar Hero ACDC, and Guitar Hero Metallica, and yeah, Rock Band was, Rock Band Beatles, and Rock Band Lego, like, it just killed the whole music genre. And then Skylanders, you had Skylanders throwing out all these different ones, and there was like Disney Infinity, remember, like all the toys to life stuff, like yeah, 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 yeah. you have some culpability for that. So we only know a lot. Like even even before I was really following the industry, I remember thinking, my God, there's a lot of Guitar Hero games. He yeah. totally saturated the market, and he's doing the same to Call of Duty now. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, so. 12 minutes on this uh, voting, Jez. We got 566 votes. Do you want Jez to be wrong? 73% say hell yeah. And 27% say no. Ah, man. So 75% of the people want you to be wrong, Jez. That's me. Yeah, so thank you for everybody for voting in that. We we want Jez to be wrong. Maybe the one time we want (laughs) Jez to be wrong. Um. Thanaros says, Scalebound was the game that changed Xbox then to Xbox now. Yeah, that's a very good way of looking at it. Uh, Andy Hart says, really enjoying my Series X playthrough of Max Payne 3. Love it awesome. Gritty story. Thoughts please, Rand and Jez. I mean, we both love Max Payne 3. I haven't played it since the 360, uh, but I, yeah, I, I think I did. Remember it, but I did. I remember loving it. I did three playthroughs of it originally. I think I did it the first time, then I played it on the hardest, and then I did, like, speedrun mode or whatever it was. Uh, that mm. game's incredible. I would love to see Rockstar do a Max Payne 4. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the tone shift. Like, like the, they, they traded, like, the, the comic panels for, like, what was it, like a sort of TV show kind of thing. I didn't like that aspect of it. But the gameplay and the story was actually really tight. Yeah. Tito says, Jez, Phil is a what type of guy? He's a nice guy. Phil, he's a nice guy. Mm, mm, Phil's a nice guy. So nice, he's going to let PlayStation players continue to play Call of Duty Warzone, but not the new Call of Duty games. Such a nice guy. Achievement says, I just got my copy of Pokemon Legends Arceus. Y'all have a good day, and I'll catch you tomorrow on Xbox Era. So, yeah, there's a new Pokemon game out, right, Jez? Yes, there is, and uh, reviews of it are pretty glowing, although it's Nintendo, so of course they're glowing. But um, apart from the awful graphics, uh, the combat and the new features I've added seem pretty cool. Um, you going to buy it, Ryan? We no, I already did my, my playthrough of a Pokemon game, and I did not like it. I'm definitely not playing this one. <laughs> you, this is all you, man. Are you going to play it? I haven't got my Switch. My Switch oh. is in the UK. You're not missing um, much with the, with the Switch, bro. Come on. <laughs> Well, I, I want to finish Metroid Dread. I was pretty near the end of it. I just killed, like, one of the second-to-last bosses or something. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll get it eventually. i got too much to pl- I want to play at the moment, you know. You do have too I'm much fun. to play. Elden Ring, I mean, I'm playing Dying Light 2. You're playing Dying Light 2. Can't talk about it yet. We'll talk about it next week on the yeah. podcast. 
Um, so AR not Skywalker says, will Obsidian release the game in 2022? Any updates? What do you think, Jez? Because Avowed, I think, is 2023. Outer Worlds 2 is, I think, 2024. Pentiment. Hmm, could Pentiment be this year, the Josh Sawyer game? Uh, I think it is. I think it is planned. I think it is planned for Pentiment to be this year. Um, I, you know what? I need to do. I need to do a roadmap of all the games that I think are on the way, um, and when they're coming. Because I do have a lot of launch dates at the moment. I got a lot. I got a lot of good information on launch dates. And um, while 2022 is looking a bit dry, 2023 and 24 are looking insane. So um, yeah, I do need to. I, I do need to update that. But off the top of my head, I think Pentiment is this year. Well, and uh, I would imagine Grounded 1.0 is this year as well, right? I don't think it is. You don't, don't think, think Grounded 1.0 is this year either, huh? Off the top of my head, I think that's next year. I do think they've got a big update planned for this year, like a really, really big update. But I think 1.0 is actually scheduled for next year. But I could be wrong about that off the top of my head again. Um, but yeah, bear with me on that. I'll have a look into that. You look. Uh, Intern of War says, do you think Microsoft should throw around more money for Japanese and Korean devs to make games for them, again, before trying to get studios or studio? Um, I mean, Microsoft talks a big game about getting Japanese support, and that's maybe... And I know Jez's article about, hey, he wrote an article a couple, maybe a week ago about the problems or the issues a lot of people have with that they want, Xbox fans want fixed about Xbox in general. And one of them was Xbox Game DVR. But another one was like, they want more Japanese games, right? Yeah, Japanese games was a, was a really big one that people wanted to see solved. So, um, I suppose that's, that's gotta be on Microsoft's mind. And maybe they'll just like, full-blown go with a, a publisher acquisition, but I, that, that's probably going to come after Activision at this point. Yeah. That's the way. It, um, if you guys are enjoying the show, if you do us a big favor, make sure you hit that like button, uh, subscribe like to the channel if you're new, and uh, please share this out on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or whatever, because uh, YouTube Take sometimes does, a, does a, a bad job of letting people know we're live, so thank you. Um, MySpace. MySpace, yes. Uh, Charging Buck says, why can't cloud saves be used in the same way Play Anywhere works? I love being able to switch between console and PC. Keep up the good work, fellas. Um, I, aren't cloud saves used in the same way Play Anywhere works? Yes? I, I mean, I've uh, never... Uh, it depends on the game. So this is, this is, I, I know what he's talking about. It's because, like, some games use UWP, right, okay. for yeah. PC. Okay. And when they use UWP, then you can do cloud saves. But if the PC version is Win32, then you can't do cloud saves because it's uh, Win32 <laughs> and it's a different platform. So they don't they don't translate very well. Um, is there is there a future where Microsoft can sort of solve that issue uh, between a UWP Xbox APIs and Win32? I honestly don't know. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Maybe that's something I'm looking into because I do know that Steam. Steam has some kind of system where the Proton version of a game still works with the Win32 Windows version or something, like the Linux version of a game. Off the top of my head, I'm not 100% sure about that either, but maybe they'll look into that. But it is it is to do with conflicting platforms, and, um, you know, one of the big annoyances for me is how inconsistent cloud saves and playing where are between Xbox and PC. Some games work and some games don't. So. Mm. Okay. 
Uh, Keyshawn Thompson, who's been a member for two months, says, what do you guys expect will be shown from the first-party studios at E3 for Xbox? Hmm. Man, we're talking six months out from now. Um, I'm not even in that mindset right now of thinking what we're going to see at not E3, right? That's what we're going to call it, not E3? Not E3, yeah. I mean, um, just off I, the top of my head, I mean, Avowed, I think we'll be there for sure. Starfield. Starfield will be there for sure. Redfall will be there for sure. Um, okay. Forza Motorsport will be there. Presumably Forza Horizon 5 DLC, because they have two expansions. One of one of them will be shown off. Halo Infinite DLC, potentially, right? Yeah. Um, trying to think. I mean, they got so many studios. I'm just kind of like, okay, nothing from Activision Blizzard, because they don't own them yet. Um... I think we see Compulsion's game this year for the first time. Yeah, I think so too. I I'm trying to think what other studios. I think we see Contraband again. Mm. I don't know. Um, I would have to look at the, the studios uh, to kind of get a sense. I don't think we see Fable. Do we see Hellblade again, even though we just saw it? At the Game Awards, do we see Perfect Dark? Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of have to go through the list, but they, they have a lot of things they can show, not only from First Party, but from Bethesda and from Xbox Global Publishing, as we're going to talk about, because Jazz knows of more stuff. Yeah. So <clears throat> I got a bunch of new code names. As well. Yeah, a bunch of new. Not, not just not just the Monster Hunter one, but other code names, ladies and gentlemen. You want to pay attention mm-hmm. to this later, and uh, anybody listening to this, you might want to write some articles or not. I don't know. I don't know what Jess is going to say. So, um, <laughs> Gaming Forte, my brother, says, Stop it, Rand. Jess can't be wrong. He works for Windows Central. Plus, <laughs> I'm still waiting on the purchase confirmation of the Beagle I truly desire from you. See, he's using that word desire, Jez. Desire. Desire. That's an important word nowadays. It is. Uh, Hero says, Hey, guys, channel... Hey, guys, change change name from Blue. Curious as to how I could become a content creator such as yourselves. I would love to one day join you, uh, and I'll end one day. Um, how do you become if a content got, creator like us? If you've got Twitter, drop me a DM, and I'll give you some tips, because it's, it's too long-winded to talk on a podcast about that. So drop me a DM on Twitter, at Jez Corden, and um, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll get some information. Yeah, it's, it's never been easier, really, to start uh, Xbox, even though we kind of talk about their DVR. Xbox have a DVR, PlayStation is a DVR. All you got to really do is maybe buy a cheap USB thumbstick, uh, put capture gameplay on the thumbstick, bring it over to your PC, uh, use a free editing software. I use Adobe Premiere Pro, which is paid for, uh, but I was using before like Windows Central Movie Ma- or Windows Movie Maker, which was <laughs> Windows yeah Windows Central. But there are other free uh, editing softwares out there that you can use. But all you really need is just yeah. some gameplay and just speak and start a YouTube channel and put it out, put yourself out there, maybe start a podcast if you want. It's never really been easier to kind of start uh, yeah. to be a content creator. Obviously, you got to get a microphone, which you want to get a decent-sounding microphone because people won't want to listen to you if your microphone sounds bad. But, yeah, hit up Jez. Hit up me. I'll, I usually check my message requests like every like once every week. Um, but if you have any uh, you know 
questions about it, but it's pretty easy now. Shout out to Sean Labrie in the chat. He made that amazing uh, thumbnail for Xbox era for Xbox Four. So, you know, you know, Jez, what happens tomorrow if we wake up and we're just like, you know what? I don't feel like doing Xbox Four, and we just cancel on making <laughs> them. Would they be upset? Uh, I think that would be. A, yeah, I think they would be upset. Uh, Peter says, any word on Shenmue 3 coming to Xbox? Uh, no word, at least that I've heard of, and does anybody even really want it on Xbox? Isn't it? I can't imagine it coming. No, never played it. Not not my thing. No, fair enough. Uh, Space Dovakin says, Xbox has a lot of manpower and IPs now. They only need to start pumping out good games, but I would love if they go after WB, Sega, Square Enix. I mean, you know, mindset, or me, like, I would love WB. Uh, Sega would be kind of like, eh. You know, but I, but Lord Cognito would be going jump, like jumping up and down if that would happen. <laughs> Square, I think you can you can get the best parts of Square without buying Square, and that means you could get Crystal Dynamics from them and Idols Montreal, and I think that's just as good as getting Square. I know some people really want the Final Fantasy stuff, but um, I'd be more interested in their Western developers. Uh, James says Microsoft is banking everything on Game Pass. Uh, that just disappeared. Uh, the value for them comes from the subcount. Studios will approach Game Pass if most gamers are there. 100%. 100%. Uh, Andy says, Jazz, will, will we see World of Warcraft on console? Heard it's very much mouse and keyboard orientated. Yeah, there's been a split. I've noticed a lot of people saying there's no way World of Warcraft can come to Xbox. It's too complicated. But you feel that they will make the push, right? That they will. Yeah. I think we'll see. I think we'll see World of Warcraft on console. I don't. I mean, it, it is true. It is. A, it is a different beast, and it would. It will require a lot of changes to make it work and make it flow. And also, like one of the big issues with it, honestly, is um. One of the big issues with it is uh, add-ons. The game's designed around add-ons, like from the ground up. So, like. Because of that, the fact that it's designed around add-ons and Xbox doesn't support add-ons means that Microsoft would have to develop like all new systems to get it to run um, coherently. So, uh, but I do think it'll happen, you know, because World of Warcraft's a dying game. You know, I'm actually going to write about this next week. I logged into World of Warcraft yesterday to see to look at the state of it. Uh, it, it, it it's almost sad. It's eerie. Like the last time I played it, my guild was thriving. They were raiding. They were doing end game, hard end game content that's like really difficult and all that kind of stuff. And I just logged in, Rand. My guild's dead. Like there's just no yeah, one online. Mm. Yeah, it's dead. There's like there was like one person online, and I was like, uh, "Hey guys, is this guild still active?" And I'm like, eh, "Not really." So everyone's just disappeared. And um, I, I've walked around the, the cities. They're empty. No one's chatting in the chat channels. Just kind of eer- almost eerie, like a ghost town, like Silent Hill or something. So um, they'd find a new they'd find a new audience on Xbox that had never been able to play the game before. Which the game, you know, if it's if it's brand new to you, you might enjoy it. But for veterans, they need to do something about the quality because the quality's just gone down and down and down and down and down in recent years. So hopefully, under Microsoft, the game's fortunes will change. But we'll have to wait. Uh, we've got a serious DM here, Jez. Uh, from Grizzly Bear King says, Respectfully, why are you guys salivating over Constellation? Inevitable or, or not, do we really want a world where Sega, Capcom, Square, Take-Two, EA comes from first party? And I see this a lot. And I, 
get the sentiment a lot of people are afraid of consolation, right? But for me, I kind of view Microsoft's acquisitions as very positive. Um, You know, their first round of acquisitions were, you know, I looked at it like Ninja Theory is a great developer who's kind of been stuck in this indie route of, oh, we can make these games, we got to sort of be mercenaries, and we don't really have a lot of budget, but aligning ourselves with Microsoft frees us from having to worry about the budgets of these games to that extent. We can make what we truly want. Same thing, like, you know, you look at, like, Double Fine, you look at Obsidian, games that, you know, studios that were having financial problems. Obsidian was was doing Kickstarter stuff. Now they can make bigger and better games than they ever had before. Same thing with, like, Double Fine, right? And I look at Bethesda, and I look at I look at a company like Bethesda, and I think the acquisition is going to be great for them because, not only great for them, but great for gamers, specifically because the gaming industry changed under Bethesda, and Bethesda's not equipped to change with it, right? It, it, everything went from being single-player focused to suddenly multiplayer-orientated live services. And you saw Bethesda pivot with Wolfenstein, New Blood, with Fallout 76. So you, you remember the E3 one year, they're like, Save Player One was their whole marketing campaign. And then, like, all their games the following year were mobile games and games with some sort of co-op or... Uh, online thing that people really didn't like. And I view the Bethesda purchase as essentially allowing Bethesda to go back to make the games that they're known for and they're really good at. Instead of following the trend of chasing after live services or games as a service and DLC, the microtransactions and stuff, like I thought it would be good for them to basically remain making games to the sort of games they they really love making. And the same thing with Activision Blizzard. Clearly, it's been a a whole company in decline. Blizzard, Activision, Activision's killed literally anything that isn't Call of Duty. So I look at it as positive, because I think we're going to see a renewed Blizzard making incredible content again. I think we're going to have a lot of these studios that are support on Call of Duty being removed from that and be able to make new experiences once again. So I look at as I look at all these things as a positive thing. Of course, I could be wrong. I don't know the future. Maybe it's a horrible thing. But I look at these acquisitions as something really good is going to come out of it. So when I talk about Warner Brothers, me and Jez have talked at length. Like the reason I want Warner Brothers to stay, they're incredible developers. But there's something wrong, wrong at Warner Brothers. There's something clearly wrong. Rocksteady's last game was 2015. It's 2022. Who knows if Suicide Squad comes out? That's eight years in between games. Mm. Warner Brothers Montreal, their last game's 2013. The Gotham Knights supposed to be this year. That's nine years. Uh, Monolith, their last game was 2017. Wonder Woman is probably 2023. That's six years. Uh, we saw the stuff with Traveler's Tale and, 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 and the Skywalker Saga. That was delayed two years, and they have a whole bunch of crunch. Um, the only one that seems to be doing well and releasing on a steady cadence is, is um, NetherRealm. So I almost look at it like if you were to get Warner Brothers, you could essentially help these studios out to actually release games uh, in a faster pace or a better pace. Because clearly something must be wrong if it takes Rocksteady eight years to make a game yeah. or any of this stuff. There, there's something wrong there with some of these studios that uh, these studios aren't just run properly and 
I look at it as like, well, maybe Microsoft can fix it. Um, I also look at it like I think this is inevitable, just like in all these other industries where eventually everything's owned by a couple giant corporations, which I, I get sucks. But in this instance, I look at all these acquisitions and stuff as a positive because I think we're going to benefit from it, and I think the studios benefit it, and I think from developers benefit it. I mean, that's just me. What do you think, Jez? I'm like Stipple Mike than you. I think it's a fake concern. Fake concern? I don't, okay. I don't think consolidation is an issue. There's no evidence that consolidation is an issue. What people look at with consolidation, they look at, they look at, they try to compare it to other in- industries. Like in the UK, we have this really annoying issue in the UK of um, the rail franchises being consolidated. Because the rail franchises, ra- rail franchises have no competition, they, the prices for trains in, in the UK are ridiculous and they're way higher than Europe. I don't think you can compare some of the consolidation in other industries to what's going on here. Because we are nowhere near consolidation being an issue in the gaming industry. We are decades away from it. We are decades away from consolidation being an issue in the gaming industry. Not only that, is that the gaming industry is an open platform. We have seen games come out of nowhere and blow up with very, very small budgets. Minecraft, Among Us, Fall Guys. We see it time and time again. You don't need billions of dollars to make a game into a mega hit. You don't need it. Right? It's, it's, we, we live in an age of direct to consumer. We live in an age of open storefronts. And this whole consolidation argument is false. I think it's fear mongering. I think it's fake. And I think a lot of the people pushing this have an agenda. And I don't believe that consolidation is anywhere near an issue yet. It's decades away. So I don't even care about it. So mm-hmm. when, so when I, when, when people say like, we are, we're celebrating consolidation. We're not celebrating consolidation. What we're celebrating is, is Microsoft competing. We're celebrating them competing against other companies, Tencent and Sony. You know, we're celebrating competition. We're not celebrating consolidation. Every single media outlet called on Microsoft to get more games. And that's what they're doing. And now everyone's crying about consolidation. Nobody cried about consolidation when Tencent was buying literally everyone. It's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's fake. I don't believe it. Mm. I don't believe it. So that's my take on it. Respectfully. Mm. I mean, there could be a little truth to that. Could be. I wonder, I wonder if Sony, if Sony was buying, bought Activision Blizzard, if we'd see the same level of concern, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just don't care, man. I think the world's got bigger problems than worrying about which rich asshole's name is on the box of a game. What the issue should be is, is it going to be better for devs? Is it going to be better for consumers? Who cares what rich assholes, which rich asshole publisher company's name is on the box? Does it lead to worse creativity? Does it lead to, you know, worse conditions for devs? Does it lead to higher prices for games? I don't think it leads to any of those things. So until any someone can prove to me that it's a bad thing, I just think it's fake concern, personally. Mm. It, re- it actually bugs me, because we're so far away from consolidation that it just doesn't make any sense to me. There's, there's only positives here. There's only positives. So. Right. That's my take on it. Uh, Castmite says 2 trillion Japanese equals 17 billion USD equals 15 billion euro equals 22 billion Canadian. So that's um, 
that would be uh, Sony's. Uh, I think he would be referring to Sony's debt. Uh, Brett says, "I want Fable gameplay for Xbox Showcase 2022. Maybe will. Like I'm just, I don't. I mean, I just sort of think the Fable 2024. I don't think they show it this year, but maybe they do. Maybe maybe we see something from Fable." Uh, Jake says, if Game Pass goes to PlayStation, would there be any point in buying an Xbox anymore? I mean, you get all of Xbox games and PlayStation exclusives on one system, thanks. How would you respond to that? Because well, I've seen that come up a lot, Jez, that imagine if Nice Guy Phil was able to somehow make a deal to get Game Pass on PlayStation. Would people think that Xbox would die because there'd be no reason to buy the console because you can get a PlayStation and get the Xbox exclusive and the PlayStation exclusive. So what would you say to that? I would say that, I mean, I don't get the argument because if your friends have an Xbox, like, you play where your friends are, basically, and it'll be the same situation. I play an Xbox. I don't play many co-op games, so I don't, I don't think... I don't think too much about, like, where are my friends going to play? Because I, I honestly don't play that often with friends these days. Just too busy. What I think is, like, where am I getting the value? And, yeah, I get Xbox Game Pass. And if Xbox Game Pass was on PlayStation 5, then that does change the argument a bit. But, having said that, I also, like, the Xbox Series X is, on paper, still more powerful, right? Mm-hmm. And I just prefer the interface. And there's, there's, like, other ways that differentiation can happen. Like, I don't think we'll see Game Pass on PlayStation anyway. I think Phil probably wants it. But for their, in their view, they're thinking, like, we can always put out the best hardware. I think they, they kind of feel confidently about that now. They've got hardware on lock. There's, there's no more concerns about, you know, back in the day when Xbox was way behind on hardware. And I think that's going to be an issue. And I think we could even see the power gap between the consoles grow. What matters is access. And I think Microsoft's going to have the best ecosystem for access. So, ultimately, I don't think the console where you play matters too much. Because they're still going to make consoles. They will still make consoles, much like Microsoft still makes Surface devices. Surface devices are a very tiny portion of the PC market. Microsoft made them because they like making them. They like them because they like making them. It's like devs. They like they make AAA games, not because they're the most profitable or the least risky. They'd be making mobile games if that was the case. They make AAA core games with crazy graphics because they like it. It's the intersection of hyper-motivated, passionate, creative people, and technology is the same way. So Microsoft will still put out consoles, even if, even if Game Pass was on PlayStation. They would still put out consoles because they like it. Even if, like, only a few people were buying them because everyone switched over to Sony or whatever, they'd still put them out. They'd still put out Surfaces, even though, like, most people buy Dell or Lenovo because Surfaces are bloody expensive. But you get something with Surface that you just don't get with another computer. Surfaces are, are, are sexy. They're just bloody sexy, you know? So I don't think it's a big deal. I think if Microsoft puts Game Pass on PlayStation and it's a one-to-one experience and people just prefer to buy PlayStation for the exclusives that PlayStation has, I don't think it's a big deal because I think Microsoft will still put out consoles. They'll try and differentiate in other ways with quality and power. And um, I don't think it's a big deal at all. But that's just me because I, I don't care about console sales. It's all about which service is bigger, and that's going to be Xbox in my view. Right. Um... 
Oscar wants to know uh, if we can pick a franchise for the Master Collection. Which one do you guys pick? For me, it's Fable. So, yeah, let's talk about this because our buddies yeah. over at Xbox Era were teasing that there's a franchise that Microsoft is going to basically turn into Master Chief Collection. Yes. And, Jez, I know you want it to be your the love of your life. Gears of War! Yay! Do you think a Gears collection makes sense? Nobody cares about Fable. <laughs> I can Gears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I can't say that out loud. I can't say that! But, no, nah, I, I think... I think Gears, I, I'd like to see Gears. I think it'd be, it'd be a good way to give the franchise some legacy, preserve those games for future, bring back some of the multiplayer servers, m- maybe merge the, all the multiplayer maps into one whole mad server farm, you know, and the gameplay experiences. Have playlists like the Master Chief Collection. I think that'd be great. And I think it's got way more potential than Fable as a Fable collection. That being said, do both. Why not just do both? I mean, this is Microsoft, right? And they've got unlimited money, so so I hear. Why not just do both? Because Fable, you get Fable also getting preserved, and you get Fable's legacy being preserved, and you also get, like, marketing for Fable Reboot. Because a lot of people aren't that familiar with Fable. Like, I've, I've completed Fable 1, and actually, actually, I don't think I have completed Fable 1. I've completed Fable 2 with the dog, because it had a dog in it. But I don't think I ever completed Fable 1, and I never played Fable 3. So, for me, Fable's a bit of a, a mystery. You know, it's, it's got a mystique about it. So, I would love to go back and play, like, a remastered collection of stuff just to get acclimated with the franchise. And I think that would be the same for a lot of people once, like, we start seeing gameplay of Fable Reboot. Um, but I do think Gears has more potential. Just because of the multiplayer, just because there's eSports potential, I think it's more marketable. And... I think Gears fans are long-suffering, and they deserve... They deserve long-suffering? What, you, long what suffering. do you mean long-suffering? There hasn't been a Fable game since... 20... Uh, 2010? What do you mean? There's yeah. Been, yeah. But that, that, they ha- they've, they've been given time to get over the suffering. Oh. Gears, for Gears of War fans, it's, it's still sore, man. It's, the wounds are still open for Gears fans. So I think, like... I think, yeah. Gears fans deserve... Some respite, especially like on the multiplayer. Do you think it has to be multiplayer? Do you think like for something like a Master Chief Collection, for it for them to do it, it has to have a big multiplayer component? Yes, it needs to have a full blown multiplayer like Master Chief Collection with with all the all the maps and all the servers all together in one big jamboree of fun. I think that would be the most ideal solution for me personally. But um. I mean, Rand, if we're thinking about not your personal preference and what you think would be best, what would you pick, Fable or Gears? Well, I just put a question in chat. So for the over 1,600 people that are watching the show, if you want to vote on it, be our guest. Thank you for for watching the show. And if you're enjoying it, make sure you hit the like button. It's a lot of people. We appreciate you. I said, what franchise do you want to see get a uh, Master Chief-like collection? And I added three franchises, Jez. I said, Gears, Fable, Fallout. Right? Fallout. Mm-hmm. What? Talking about like Fallout what, 3, New Vegas, and Fallout. Yeah, like do a Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4. Maybe do they own Fallout 1 and Fallout 2 at this point? Yes, they do. I mean, why not do a Fallout collection? Especially if it's going to be no, dude. 10 years uh, until they do a Fallout 5, you know? Dude, they've already done this. Have they? 
they've already done a Fallout collection, and it came in a little nuke. It was really cool, but it was PC only. Um, they, they bundled all five Fallout games into, like, like a nuclear bomb. The package was a nuclear bomb, mm. and it was for PC, and it was awesome. And I was sitting there thinking, man, I would love this on Xbox. But at the time, Microsoft didn't own Bethesda, so... Um, so they've, they've kind of already done it. They've kind of already done it. But um, if they did it again with remastered textures and well, all that... Would imagine stuff. redoing the Fallout games with the new creation engine, huh? You do Fallout 3, Fallout 4... Like remaster. Fallout New Vegas with Remake. Creation Engine 2, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, like... That'd be a huge amount of work. Uh, that, that is not... I understand. Like, be... That's remake territory now. <laughs> that's that's like that... huge... KR says a Barbie collection for Rand. Yes, a Barbie <laughs> collection. Um, I would say Gears probably makes the most sense, especially if Gears 6 is further away, right? We do think it's further away. Coalition said they weren't going to basically announce anything for a while. They're, we know that they're working on two projects. Jez has that info, but we don't know what the other project outside of Gears 6 is. There's... I think Jeff said it might be, or the Grub Grub said that a new IP to get them used to Unreal. I do think if a Master Chief-like collection was coming from Gears, it wouldn't be done directly by the Coalition. I think it would be done by a, a different studio. And it makes flash. It makes it makes a lot of sense, I think, because Gears, a lot of the Gears games aren't on PC. That's one of the reasons why, I, you know, Gears 5 didn't do that well on PC, because there isn't that love of the franchise there. So I think, you know, if you can bridge the gap between now and when Gear 6 comes out and release, you know, the Phoenix Collection, as people would call it, Gears 1, Gears 2, Gears 3, remaster them in Unreal Engine 5 or remake them in Unreal Engine 5 or something so they look really good, run at 60 frames. You have the multiplayer so people can play uh, all the multiplayer stuff in one sort of thing while waiting for Gear 6. It makes a lot of sense, honestly. The yeah. only thing I throw out Fable is because Fable, I think, is 2024. Maybe they could put out a Fable Master Chief Collection next year to get people uh, hyped for it. Like, Fable, you put it in Fable 1, Fable 2, and Fable 3, have people play through it kind of as promotion for the eventual uh, release in 2024. Um, and Fallout I added just simply because the fans are going to be waiting forever. I mean, we 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 were kind of making fun of Maddie and be like, bro, the next time you're going to be playing a Fallout game, you're going to be like 40. <laughs> you know, like, wow, that is a long time. I mean, think like about it. They, they got to do Starfield this year if it doesn't get delayed. Crossing our fingers, knock on wood. Cross our fingers, knock on wood. Cross our fingers, knock on wood that it doesn't get delayed. <laughs> um, and then I think they just said pre-production has just started on Elder Scrolls Six. So you're talking probably four years at least. So you're looking at 2026 for Elder Scrolls. Oh, and then Todd probably retires at that point in time, right? No, 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 no. Todd does not retire. I'm just saying Todd probably retires. And you know what? I bet Todd and Phil retire at the same time. So four no, years from now. No, dude. Phil, hell? So four years, years from now. I'm just saying four years from now you get Todd Howard walking off into the sunset with Elder Scrolls Six. Phil walking off in the sunset as well with his friend. Sarah Bond taking over as CEO, Microsoft Gaming. Uh, you know, and then another four or five years for Fallout 5. So why not do a Fallout collection for the fans to kind of keep them, you know, keep Fallout, you know, to give them something. But no, I, I, I do think if there is, 
if Special Nick is being truthful and he's correct, I do think it's probably Gears related. I um, I'm upset. Why? Because you're out here putting evil into the world, saying Phil and Todd are going to retire. I'm just, what, why would you do that? Why would you do that? I want such a giant block of wood right now. I'm just find some wood. Find some wood. Someone says, bro, Rand, it says, why are you making fanfic right now? I'm just, you know. <laughs> fanfic. <laughs> oh, God, I hope they don't retire. Yeah. I don't want them to retire, ever. They need to play, they need to, they need to, they need to work on this shit forever. Like, they're not allowed to ever retire. Yeah. You hear that, Todd? <laughs> hear that, Phil? You're not allowed to ever retire. At least not until I retire. Chinook Eye says, has Xbox gotten too big for E3? That's an interesting point. Like, it's funny because they've got they've got BlizzCon. Did we talk? We might have talked about this last week. They got BlizzCon. They got Minecraft. Actually, I think they've um they've changed it, haven't they? To Minecraft Festival. I think it used to be called Minecraft Minecraft Live, and I think now it's it was going to be Minecraft Festival, but then the pandemic happened, and now it's been cancelled for two years. But they do they do Minecrafty stuff every now and then, and um. And they've also got QuakeCon. They got the Bethesda shows, which they do. Mm-hmm. So they they do that. They do a lot. They do a lot of shows. Um, I think there is justification to bring back XO as a sort of dedicated sort of fan celebration in a in an E three less world. Because let's face it, E three is dead. E three is never E3's coming back. E three is never coming back. Yeah. Um. So I think like. Like with market consolidation and the industry changing and the pandemic, I think it's a final nail in E3's coffin. And um, you're going to see a lot of. I think Jeff Jeff said Jeff Grubb said this on his uh, on his uh, Games Beat Decides podcast earlier, which I was watching. Um, he said that he does a good, he, you know Jeff does a good. He's a good podcast host. He's really good at it. Is he? You don't, you don't think yeah. so? I, I've never I've never been on a podcast. Yeah, but host. I mean, you just said you were watching it though. Yeah, but there's only two people. Does well, it count as hosting? I mean, I guess, people? sure. I mean, Jeff is super smart. I always wish, like, sometimes we have more people on here, because I would love to get Jeff on here to just talk, pick his brain about stuff. He's really smart when it comes to a lot of things, you know? Well, didn't we used to say we were going to start doing an extra show with a guest, like Xbox 2 Plus or something. Yeah, you know I mean, right? maybe maybe we can do that later this year or whatever. I mean, or I don't know. Just, thing or something. Yeah, I don't, maybe. I don't know. I just, oh, I just really, I just really like Grub Grub. He's a cool guy. But even though I said that on Twitter, he told me to get back in my hole. So that wasn't very <laughs> nice of him. Oh well. Oh well. He's he's a he's a nice guy. He's kind of like Phil. He's just a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Just a nice guy. But uh, but yeah, got 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 slightly sidetracked there. What were we talking about? <laughs> Has Xbox gotten too big for E3? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I they're gonna have to reevaluate some of this stuff. Maybe they are too big for E3, but. Yeah, I don't think it really matters. I just I just wonder how Xbox is going to play this because they're at the point now where you have all these games from first party plus everything from Bethesda plus the future of Activision plus global publishing where I think they're too big for just one show a year. Right? Yeah. Oh, actually, that's what Jeff said. Jeff said um, on his podcast, Games Beat Decides, he said that, uh, what you're going to see is you're going to see like a lot of these publishers partner up with other platforms to try and get some of that Jeff Keighley money. Oh yeah. So like, sense. so like you might see like, I mean even Future does it. Um, Future 
uh, we have like the future game show with it, which which is in the future family who own Windows Central. Although they are, they often act like we don't exist, but <laughs> we are part of future apparently. Although future really comprises of like tech radar games, radar and PC gamer, but we don't they don't care about us. So um, there's that, and they they have their own show, and they get they get publishers on their show. And they've been doing that for a few years now, but because of the death of E3, it started, it started getting bigger. Because like more publishers are like, well, we need some kind of show to join. A lot of them have just been joining like other shows and you probably see a lot of fragmentation. You might see like, I don't know, Bethesda presented by the future show or something at a random time throughout the year. As companies like try and like, you know, sell, sell access to their previews to other companies. In uh, get get some money out of it, kind of like how um, you know Keely Keely's doing all that stuff now. Because if you've got a show, if you've got a show and you've got eyeballs on it, you can get some of that fat marketing money. You can get Coca Cola or Pepsi, be like, yeah, you can drop an ad in the middle of our show. Like the get the Game Awards is basically really the advertising show. It's not about the awards. It's about Jeff Keely getting advertising money. Like, I've never seen so many ads in a show in my life. Yeah, maybe that's there's so many. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's I don't know if that's an American thing because I know the Super Bowl is like that too, right? The Super mm-hmm. Bowl with loads of ads. Um, it's like it's like it's like it's like you can't. It's like not having an ad blocker in real life. Like at least like when you're on a website, you can use an ad blocker. Like when, when you're on Windows Central and you want to get rid of all our million ads, at least you can use an ad blocker. You can't use an ad blocker on these shows. So. um I think that's another reason why advertisers are looking increasingly for these kind of shows. But, uh, yeah, I've, um, G4 TV has got, like, one of these shows as well. Uh, they came back out of nowhere. Yeah, they, they did come back out of nowhere. So, I guess anything's, anything's possible. I, I, I watched G4 original, but I haven't watched any of the new ones yet. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Jacqueline in Super Chat, uh, thank you. He says, fun fact, Sega has four games announced. Sega has four games announced for 2022. So far, and three are day one for Game Pass. It's almost like they're part of the family already. Hmm. Yeah, we did. When uh, when that whole Sega thing went down, I speculated that the, it was going to mean more Game Pass deals. And you did. that is where we are now. A lot mm. of people said it wasn't going to mean anything. But yeah. Well, a lot um, of it seems to mean something to me. That's the thing. I don't want to say this because of what it, it potentially means, but I say never bet against Jess Gordon. But then again, I'm betting against you about the Activision Blizzard thing, Call of Duty, so... Maybe maybe I shouldn't say that, but we have over 650 votes on this poll. What franchise do you want to see a micro, um, Master Chief Collection like collection? Uh, Gears Fable Fallout Fallout 22%, Fable 36%, Gears 41%. So 41% of the people voting want to see a Gears like Master Chief Collection. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially if Gears. Six is coming. I would imagine. What if you had to pick a guess right now? When do you think Gear Six releases? If you had, if you had a guess, six? yeah. Oh my God, it's so weird because like unlike a lot of the other games from the smaller studios, I don't know anything about Gear Six really. Um, so I have no idea. Like, like I'm just saying, just pick, I just pick a year, right? Because because if we if if they were on the regular development cycle, Gear Six would be coming out this year. Right? It's been three years okay. since Gears 5. They do a three-year thing. It's clearly not going to come this year. No. So 
just pick a date. When do, I mean, they, they came out and they said, hey, we're not going to be announcing anything for a while, right? So tell me when Gear 6 is going gonna, is gonna to happen. Do you think it's, it's 2024? Do you think it's 2025? Do you think it's 2026? I think it's 2024. So you think it's 2024. So does that mean they can essentially do a, a Gears MCC collection and release it in 2023 then? Yeah. I think that could be that could be how it goes down. I I want to believe that Gear Six is going to be a much expanded game with expanded scope, expanded ambition, and all that kind of stuff. I want to believe that. Don't know. I haven't heard a damn thing about Gears. It's almost weird about how little I've heard about this game. But um, I I, mean, I hope they are actually are making it. What if they're just not making it? What if I Gears mean, Five is literally just the last one? No, no, Gears Five is the last one. They're they're doing Gears Six. I'm gonna go a year. I'm going a year after year. 2025. What is the main? 2025. Okay, that's so. It is 2025 then. Rand, Rand predictions are, are actually just inside the knowledge. Master no, that's not true. Things. That's not true at all. I have no idea. No, no, I'm just saying. No, I'm no. just saying. 2025 no. speaks to me. Double the the dev time. You know, 2019 to 2025 mm-hmm. with the game in between potentially. Uh, you can you can put out that new IP in 2023 supposedly next year. And then have the Gears Master Chief Collection in 2024, and then release Gears 5, 6 in 2025. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So 2025 it is. Randall Insider, bring in the knowledge, peeps. He's mm. bringing <laughs> We'll see. Um, Alex wants to know if we think Fable could have a trailer at E3, potentially. I, I would say no, but we'll find out. You know, get closer to E3, start hearing things, and maybe... Maybe all of a sudden you start hearing me and Jeff say, like, suspect Fable. Or maybe Fable shows up at the Game Awards. Who knows? Um, Reaver wants to know, he got an Xbox One X, and he can't get a hold of the Series X. Is it worth getting a Series S, or just wait for now till they hopefully come to stores at some point? I guess that really I depends. Get, right? What were you going to say? I get this question a lot, and I often think about it myself. Like, what, what would I do in this situation? Okay. Because it is, it is almost impossible to get a Series X. Like, I, I bought... Um, I, obviously, I got the review unit of the Xbox Series X, and I also bought one for my brother's birthday a few years ago. But I also wanted to buy another one for my for my girlfriend's place, which is where I am now, because obviously I need I need it for work. So I I had to get really lucky. Some someone on Twitter sold me their spare one, um, and they didn't scalp me, which is really really kind of them. But like I've been I've been looking for another one for a friend. Um, just to let them know when it was available, and and dude, it, it is so hard to find them. So I was thinking, like, do, do I recommend to this person, my friend, that they should just go ahead and get um, a Series S in the interim? Because I don't think that the chip shortage is going to abate anytime soon. Like they are, Joe Biden, uh, Sleepy Joe, as, as he's known in the, online, apparently, mm-hmm. um, he has announced uh, a plan to bring chip manufacturing to the United States in a big way. Intel's on board, I believe Microsoft's on board too, investing in bringing chip manufacturing to the United States. But that's going to take a while. That's going to take time. And I think like the, the, the latest information is that the chip shortage could last all the way through to 2023. So I would argue that what you could do is you could buy a Series S now and get a good year out of it and then trade it in. Trade it in towards a Series X. 
um, because once the uh, chip shortages are baited, they should be easy to get, and you'll get decent credit on the Series S because they'll still be in demand for like younger audiences. Or maybe even by then, like you might have someone you want to give it to or donate it to a friend or family member or something like that. Because, Rand, would you agree with me that the Series X, um, the Series S is an upgrade from the One X? Yes. Right. Yes, I would agree with you on that, 100%. It kind of sucks that the Series S doesn't get the One X back compact resolution. It only gets the One resolution, which means a lot of the back compact games do look like ass, unfortunately. But um, that's the only downside. Like it's faster, it's more powerful for modern games, and it's um, you know really cute and tiny. So um, I think it's worth getting the Series S, but. But yeah, people in chat saying chip shortage and stopping for at least eight yeah. years. So. I mean, I would. I mean, it's cheap enough where it's three hundred bucks, and if you if you you can resell it and get some of your money back to essentially purchase a Series X. So I guess it really also depends on what TV you have, 4K television yeah. versus 1080p. I think that comes into play. Um, but it's it's it's. I, I don't have the Series S, but my friends who do have it say it's like a really nice console. So yeah, I mean, if you can't get a Series X and you want to play some of this stuff, you know. Series S is right there for you, and it's definitely in stock a lot of places. So, um, I was using the um, I was using the Series S in Germany while I was waiting to find a Series X, and um, I honestly like, I loved it. I was thinking like, I could use this as my main console, you know, if if I didn't have to, like I wouldn't mind it because it's. Um, at first, I was a bit annoyed because I was playing Chivalry Two a lot of the time, and Chivalry Two hadn't been upgraded or enhanced. I was like, man, this kind of sucks, it's slow, and it's the Xbox One version of the game. But then, like, as soon as I started bitching about it on Twitter, they they dropped a patch, which made it, like, 60 frames and uh, 1440p or something. So, like, when when the more more games are enhanced for it, it's becoming, like, a true next-gen console, like, even even though it's the cheapest one, uh, not counting the Switch. The Switch Lite or whatever it's called, you know, the little Nintendo Switch. Actually, that, that doesn't count as a next-gen console at all. What am I talking about? That came out last-gen. Mm-hmm. It's weird that I still think of Switch as this-gen because it sells so damn well. Imagine when they um, release the Switch 2. How well is that going to sell? Dude, I'll be there on day one. For of course Switch you will. Two. And a lot of people will, too. Uh, Faisal in the Super Chat says, Sega is officially out of the arcade business. Why everything seems focused on MP when it comes to new projects or code names? Question mark. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Because uh, we're going over uh, the stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just kind of seems how it is. Like Microsoft is definitely very focused on co-op and multiplayer, even though they have single-player stuff coming from other studios and Bethesda and whatever. It's they they want to mix the stuff, but co-op definitely. We've talked about that before with like a lot of the big games they get for Game Pass are co-op focused, like Back for Blood, Extraction. Right, so like, so one in, one person subscribes and plays it, and then drags along their other two or three friends to play those games, and they subscribe or they buy it. Right, it makes a lot yeah. of sense. So that's why you see a lot of uh, a lot of multiplayer stuff, and uh, but there's definitely a lot of single player stuff coming too. Um, Snow Dragon says sheltering games from investors is going to be awesome. Uh, Sony can pull it off, but studios directly funded by investors is hurting game development. Andy Hart says, would you like to see Condemn 3 from Monolith? Yes, I love the Condemn series. Uh, Condemn 1 was so spooky. Did you ever play that, Kachaz? Condemn 1? I did. I don't think I got through it because it was so damn spooky. It's I think it was like, super damn, spooky. This, is too, this is too spooky even for me. But, um, uh, yeah, Condemn was sick. And um, 
I would like to see that come back, even if it was just like a remake. Maybe maybe that's some one of the games Sega's working on, like a remake of that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, Adam says, or no, uh, Meat Puppet says, Rand, with Phil having said they want their games everywhere, will we ever see Game Pass on Switch? I think 100% they want Game Pass on Switch. I think they want Game Pass on Switch more than they want Game Pass on PlayStation. Yeah, that would solve a lot of accessibility problems. I think I think if they could get Game Pass on Switch, they wouldn't even bother with PlayStation. I really think that. I think yeah. they'd just be like, yeah, we'll give it a Switch, and then Switch will be our handheld. Boom. Because you can make the argument that a lot of the Xbox and PlayStation demographics are very similar, whereas yeah. the Switch appeals to a completely different gamer. Uh, the age ranges and stuff, where I do think, like with Jazz, like if they were able to somehow get Game Pass on Switch, it opens it up to a lot of new people, and yeah. it was like, well, we don't even need Game Pass on PlayStation. Because say what you will, but Switch right now is bigger than PlayStation. I know that's kind of like, oh, how dare you say that? Like, Switch is number one, uh, and it will be number one for probably their foreseeable future, right? At least sell the most. Um so yeah, I think I think if they were able to get Game Pass on Switch, then maybe it's like yeah, we don't need PlayStation anymore. So we'll see. Hey, yeah, we, we, our buddy Special Nixon chat, Jez. Oh, uh, Special Nick, rocking should, out. Should we give him the bad news that we got to cancel for tomorrow? Oh uh, yeah, sorry Nick. Hey Nick, um, um, a bigger podcast <laughs> asked me and Jez to do Xbox Four, and we were like, yeah. So unfortunately it's on at like 2.30 so we're going to have to cancel on Xbox Era. Uh, hopefully you're not upset and we can reschedule for a couple couple months down the road. We can do it, you know, when there's, <laughs> when there's another acquisition. <laughs> oh, dear. Let's see, let's see what he says. He'll probably be upset. He's like, wait a minute. You guys promised. <laughs> he doesn't believe you, Ryan. Yeah, that's true. That's are, you true. Li- are you lying? Are you a liar, Ryan? Yeah. I was just trying to get Je- I was trying to get him upset. Um, <laughs> Adam says, "Could this collection have anything to do with that weird chicken tweet from last year?" Well, you know what? Let's ask the man himself. Nick, we were talking about your Master Chief Collection-like rumor that you said on Xbox Era. People want to know if it has to do with Fable or Gears. Why don't you say it in chat? Tell, tell us what's going on. Tell us what game it is. Tell us what franchise it is. The people want to know, Nick. The people deserve to know. Give the people what they want. Tell us all about it. Let's, let's see if he does. Let's see if he does. Um, it's a bit of a delay. Yeah. Good old YouTube. Could you, imagine, could you imagine if we were like this podcast, if Mixer had survived and we did the, the podcast on Mixer instead? <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy if we did. Uh, Space Dovacuson says, I bet there's a secret Fallout game in development. A, a lot of people would really like that if that was the case. Uh, Aquaman says, should Xbox-owned platforms get Breath of the Wild treatment? Uh, B-O-W treatment. I'm, I don't know hmm. what that means. What is, should Xbox-owned platforms, platformers get the X, Breath of the Wild treatment? Like hmm. a big budget reboot with that open world, I guess. That's more sandboxing. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about. Um, I, it's, it's, it's undoubtable that Breath of the Wild has had a big influence on the industry in recent years, right? Yes. Like, um, it's it's sort of changed the way a lot of devs have thought about making games. Um, but the thing is that some of the older Zelda games were already kind of like that, which makes it 
be weird to me, but I don't know. Um, but more and more games are looking at, like, the interactivity between elements in a sandbox rather than, like, focusing on scripted stuff. I think, like, the fact that, like, Skyrim... It, it comes from Skyrim, really, and Oblivion, where, like, every object in the world, you can interact with it, and it, it creates, like, these cascading effects that make a world feel more dynamic and interactive. And um, Breath of the Wild really does gamify that in a big way. I think a lot of the stuff that happens in the creation engine games like Fallout and Skyrim, a lot of it happens by accident. <laughs> like things glitch out and you go flying across the map. But uh Breath of the Wild gamified it in a in a in a sort of in a in a way. And um it has definitely impacted. Like you can you can see the influence in Halo Infinite, for example. You can see the influence in uh and Sea of Thieves does it as well. A lot of Sea of Thieves elements are interactive like that. So I do think, like, if my, if Microsoft does bring back Banjo or something like that, they will definitely be looking at Breath of the Wild as an influence, for sure, I would yeah. say. And Spe- Special Nick says he's not allowed to say. Oh, man, maybe he'll tell us on the Xbox 4 then, Saturday. Well, no, we cancel on Oh, all right, yeah, we cancel. Sorry, yeah. Nick. Sorry, Nick. But maybe maybe we can uncancel if you'll... If, yeah, if, if, if you tell us in DMs, we, we'll uncancel and do your show tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, tell us everything. Yes. Uh, Andrew says, just wanted to say have a great weekend, fellas. Love the content. Keep up the great work. What's your guys' favorite snack food for a gaming session or during a gaming session? Mm. Do you uh, do you like I to munch like when you play Dark Souls, Jez? Do you like to eat some food? I just like having a cup of tea. I don't mm. do snacks anymore because um, cause of uh, dieting. Actually, that's a lie. I, I often have like a Kit Kat with a cup of tea or something or a, a little chocolate or something. Um, but yeah, a cup of tea and then something to dip in the tea. That's how I roll. That's the British way. A biscuit or a Kit Kat or a Twix. Twix dipping in teas is lovely. Do I, you have anything around? Do no, you, I actually, I actually never have snack while playing. Oh. I just, yeah, yeah. like, um. And I'll focus. I, 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 I drink, like, you know, obviously when I was in my, my Diet Coke Mountain Dew phase, I would drink clearly, but uh, now I'm all, all in Propel, right? I got my Propel watermelon, <laughs> you, my Propel Mandarin orange, my Propel strawberry lemonade, and I'm down in that. I just finished now one you, during the show. Clean. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I've actually never um, never really snacked while playing. Um, so I don't know. Does, does anybody uh, – let us know what your snack is, chat. Like, what do you like to snack on while – while uh, playing your games, because I never have, so I'm kind of curious to see what other people use. So, <laughs> I I don't know. I just never thought, like, while well, I'm playing a game, I might as well eat something. Um, Meat Puppet says, any chance at the beginning of games, like Gear 6, this case, will they ever feel felt like a recap of the story at this point? Uh, they always do a recap all the time, at the most of the time at least. And they probably definitely will, depending on how long it takes Gears 6 to come out. There'll definitely be a recap. Uh, the Borgman says, do you think Microsoft could say to Sony, we will bring COD games to PlayStation if you agree to support DX Ultimate hardware API? Dominance is a good long play. Uh, what do you think about that, Jez? DX Ultimate API. I don't know if Microsoft even wants Sony to support that. Because DX Ultimate is kind of like, it's leverage. Um because it's on PC, it kind of entices devs to the Xbox ecosystem because it's like, well, if you if you use the, these APIs, then you get you get like they work across platforms or whatever, and uh, it kind of it, it's almost like an exclusive feature for Xbox. So I don't think Sony doesn't use it because of that. I think Microsoft makes it exclusive on purpose because you, it's not like you can use them on Linux either. You can't even use them on Windows 
uh, 7 and 10 and 8. Some of, some of those APIs are Windows 11 exclusive, I think, off the top of my head, or they're, they're at least Windows 10 exclusive. So I think Microsoft uses that as leverage. I don't think Sony's refusing it. I think Microsoft's refusing it personally, but I could mm. be wrong about that. I could be wrong. We've got people saying uh, combos and Gatorade. Someone saying medical cannabis, G Fuel, Pringles. Uh, Andrew says uh, maybe a chip or cookie. Uh, someone says no snacks, can't get the controller dirty. Marco, that's what Marco says. Only glass of water. Um, yeah, I, Joe Sinister says I, says I drink hard liquor while in Halo multiplayer. I've been shit-faced a couple times. <laughs> Forte says don't lie, Rand. I hear you in party chat eating Kit Kats. Well, you're lying, sir, because I don't think I've ever eaten a Kit Kat on party chat before. Geek says Oreos. <laughs> Devadas says uh, snacking while gaming sounds like a filthy habit. Yeah. Carolina Gamer Ooh. says beer is a great snack while gaming. Yeah. Uh, Peter says grapes are a good one. Pretzels too. Pretzels I can see. Yeah. I can't um, eat pretzels anymore. Dio game wants to know if we know the camera perspective for contraband jazz. I think it's third person off the top of my head. Okay. Off the top of my head, it's third person. I think think of it like uh, just cause and and uh, I was going to say Max Payne, but what I mean is Mad Max. Mm. It's got a huge emphasis on vehicular combat. That's not to say you can't um, shoot. Uh, I believe there are guns, and I believe there are, like, stuff, gunplay and that kind of thing. But the emphasis is definitely not on gunplay. They want you to, like, the emphasis is on sabotage. So, like, when you're, when you're in these vehicular combat situations in contraband, and a lot of the emphasis is on breaking the enemy's tires and stuff like that. It's not on killing them, I believe. That might have changed in development. Maybe they decided, ah, this is not fun. We need to add blood and guts to it. But I don't think they will. I think like that it's 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 being made as a sort of vehicular combat game. So I think that's where it'll, that's where it'll land in the end. Okay, but I could be wrong. Um, Chaos Mice says Intel said they're building two chip manufacturing buildings in Ohio, and Samsung said they're building chip manufacturing buildings in Texas. Yeah, Texas and Ohio are going to yeah. be like the West. Ground zero for all chips, which is really cool. And uh, actually, I think uh, Germany's getting one as well from Intel. So Germany's getting one as well for Europe. Um, because uh, as, a, as a matter of national security, they want to, like, start shutting China out of some of the supply chain. Um, but uh, I think it's more to do with demand, really. Yeah. They can't keep up with demand. So. Well, yeah, I mean, they've sold more Xboxes than any Xbox ever and still sold out, so clearly demand is uh, outstripping the supply. Carlos says Rare should make a Breath of the Wild game, but in Sea of Thieves style. Uh, Hero says, I'm going to put my neck on the line. Fable is getting the collection. That was what the, quote, gathering the chickens tweet was about. The chickens as in each of the games. Fable is going to need the extra hype boost mic drop. I mean, you could 100% be right. I've always wondered why that Twitter account tweeted out the whole thing about the Fable anniversary, and then they were like, oh, nothing to see here. You remember that? That is weird shit. Yeah. It was I, definitely weird. Was so weird. Random. And was very strange. Maybe you're right. Maybe Fable needs the boost. Uh, and, you know, Fable, they, they Fable 1, 2, and 3, you could put in the collection, remaster them like they did the first one. It's, it's definitely possible, uh, you know. Assuming Nick is right, I don't know if he's here, here in chat anymore. Maybe we'll find out more for, more about this game tomorrow. There is a rumor mill or whatever, but 
I don't know. I sort of kind of feel like Jez is correct, where like you do a collection like that that has multiplayer, and if you do Gears One, Two, Three, and Judgment, you just like you could just bounce around all the maps from all the games, and it basically is like okay, we, Gears Five is essentially. Now I wouldn't say dead, but nobody really plays it that much anymore. But here's you know the basically the gears that people love, right? One, two, and three. And we know Gear 6 is going to be years away, so, like, here's this in the meantime, where, like, Fable's coming really soon. Like, maybe, I, even though I say I think Fable's 2024, I could be wrong. Maybe Fable's 2023. And if that's the case, you don't really need a Fable collection. But you might need a Gears collection, so. That's true. Uh, Metal Morbo says, who can be the cutesy Xbox mascot a la Astrobot? Uh, well, I mean, you could have Spyro. Could have uh, Spyro, and you could have uh, Crash Bandicoot, which caused up a stir uh, this past week. Jez, did you see? Did you see all the no, stuff going on about? You didn't see the stuff going on with Crash? Oh, you mean Aaron Greenberg? Yes. Yes. All oh, right. Yeah, he upset people, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were upset. How could they do that? The PlayStation. Aaron's such a troll, man. <laughs> He's such a troll. Isn't he? Oh man! I didn't but, think uh, people cared that much, but apparently they do, because people were upset. Dude, I'm telling you, Crash is associated with PlayStation, especially in the UK, because um, Crash was bundled with the PlayStation One in the UK when it launched. At least, at least it was for me and uh, everyone I knew. So, like, for a lot of a lot of people, Crash is a sort of it's a you know basically a PlayStation brand, but not anymore, I guess. Well, I mean, Crash has been on every Xbox. There was two, like two games on the OG Xbox, a bunch of games on the 360, a bunch of games. I mean, it, it's been on every system. I just, I don't know. I just, I just love the fact that people got their panties in a bunch over it. It's kind of funny to see. <laughs> um, what else we got here? Uh, although now that they have all these mascots, like you can pick any one of them. Like, why not have a Crash? Spyro Banjo crossover. Hell, like, bring back Conquer. You don't need to bring back Conquer yeah, and bring him his own game, on. but you can have Conquer come back. Well, dude, Conquer did come back this week. Did he? Did you not see this? I don't think Conquer so. got a limited edition statue from some statue company. Oh, interesting. Random as hell. And it's like, it looks, it's legit. It's legitimately licensed. It looks awesome. It looks like exactly like, you know, it should. It doesn't look cheap or anything. It's like officially licensed. Conker statue, and I thought that was so weird because, um, you know, Conker's a dormant franchise, but I don't know. I, for me, I would put Spyro up there because everyone seems to love Scarbone and Dragon so much. Why not do you get Spyro? Spyro? You got Crash, you got Banjo, you got uh, Conker, you got Blinks. There's a lot you could do. Um, Michael says, all those candy bars Jesus listed are all American. None are the British way. It cats mm. are American? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, they are. My life is a lie. <laughs> Chaos Might says, Jez, Jeff Grubb, and Nick need to be in a podcast together to see who has more leak information. Hmm. Definitely me. Definitely Jez. Jez is putting Definitely out there. Me. He got more. The problem is, a lot of the stuff I could leak would probably get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> if it, I, leak, who has the most leakable information is probably a better way of putting it. 
Yeah. Who has the most leakable information that's not going to get him in trouble? Installation 7 says, do you think they'll start making dynamic backgrounds for third-party games or older Xbox IPs? Would love to see a bunch of rare dynamic backgrounds. I think they'll do more than more dynamic backgrounds. I would love to, you know, have community-made ones where people can upload theirs or someone, uh, you know, you sell, like you can start selling dynamic backgrounds for, you know, five bucks or whatever. Um, Apparently, um, uh, Spartan Orsa is Kit Kai's Japanese. Mm. And uh, and uh, someone said, Mike Shade says Cadbury's is British. Not anymore. Cadbury's was bought by an American company, so Cadbury's is American now, Rick. But anyway, uh, that's candy candy podcasting, which we're not doing at the moment. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Kit Kat uh, is British, originally made by Roundtrees in York. Okay, there we go. We've got some candy experts in the chat. We, we do, yeah. Yeah. Smash the like button if you're a, if you're a candy fan right now. But um, what where, what were we even talking about? I got sidetracked by candy. I want a Kit Kat now. I love Kit Kats, man. I do want. I do, you... want I do want a Tic Tac, yeah, or Kit Kat, or a Kit Kat, or uh, <laughs> Reese's Pieces, or something. You know, I've never had a Reese's Reese's cup. I see. I see them all the time in memes, but I've never had one. Never had one. Our buddy, so let's try one. Are they good? Yeah, our buddy Special Nick says, uh, bring back rock and roll racing, or don't even bother completing the acquisition. I don't even know what that is. I, I don't even know what that is too. Who, How mean, old is Nick? Is Nick like... I think Nick's, Nick's, old, like really Nick's older than me. Oh, damn. Damn, um, that's really old. Yeah. That is really, really old. Older than Brand? Yeah, I believe so. Um, rock and roll racing. <laughs> I mean, you don't need another racing game. You have Forza Horizon. You have Forza Motorsport. You don't need rock and roll racing. What about crash team racing? That's what everyone's talking about. Well, I mean, you can maybe, you maybe making a kart racer makes sense, right? Yeah. That that'd be interesting. Uh what else we got here? Um Paul says, even if Sony could afford a publisher if they bought one like EA, wouldn't that be a monopoly because of how big PlayStation is? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean PlayStation's gotta be more careful than Xbox because Microsoft was like fifth and they just announced like record revenue, like over sixteen billion for the first time ever. Uh big success. Uh like Xbox content rep like content and services were up ten percent. Um, people are putting estimates out there that they've sold like anywhere between 12 and 13 million consoles, which is more than, you know, any Xbox ever. So they're doing really damn well. And if you add in the Activision revenue to what Xbox made, that would have, they would have been like 24 million for the year, which would have put them like literally like right behind PlayStation, I think. That's a lot of money. But yeah, PlayStation's already number two. So if you bought EA, that would probably boost them above 10 cents. But even still, like, I don't know if that would be a monopoly because there's still a lot of other – that's why, like, I don't understand that when, when Microsoft purchased Activision and people are like, it's a monopoly, you got to stop them. It's like, mm, they're not a monopoly. They're nowhere even close to being a monopoly. Like, the U.S. government let Sony basically get away with owning the entire anime space, you know? Uh, they, they let Disney and Fox merge. So, like – yeah, they're, they're nowhere even close to being a monopoly. But, yeah. you know, maybe some senators are like, we need to be hard on this, and maybe they think we'll make our name on busting up Microsoft and stuff. But I, I can imagine if if so, Sony buying EA would prop. What's EA's market cap right now, Jez? What's their revenue looking like? 
EA's market cap? Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. What is EA's? Wasn't like EA like thirteen thirty billion or something like that? EA EA's market cap. Market cap for EA is thirty-seven point three one billion United States. Hmm. Benjamin, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of Benjamins. How much? What's what their, are you calling Benjamins? What's, what's their like stock that? trading at right now? Their stock is trading at one hundred and thirty-one, and it's up zero point five after hours. And it's uh, hmm, it's sort of it climbed a lot on the Activision thing, but it's corrected now and it's back to sort of the level it was before. Mm. Um, so yeah, um, EA's share price is sort of hold, held steady for the last five years at around 131. Um, and uh, sort of, damn, it was down. The lowest it was is like 80 in 2018. Going to stock market history, history tour right now. But, uh, but yeah. The, the, the problem with EA is I don't think EA fits into what Sony wants to do. Sony's Sony. all about yeah, yeah, like even like Sony's all about the exclusive content and a lot of a lot of EA's revenues from games that need to be multi platform. Apex Legends, FIFA, Madden, right? Yeah. Um so I don't really think EA fits what Sony's wants to do. I think Square fits a little, fits a little bit more. I think Capcom fits a, a much better. Um, I think EA, e, I, I don't think EA works for any any first party publisher or platform holder. I think EA works for a merger in between any uh, another third party publisher like Activision merging with EA or EA merging with Ubisoft makes a lot more sense than EA being bought out by Sony. Yeah. Um, but that's that's just my thoughts on it. Uh, JC says he needs uh, Red Alert too because he missed those games. Uh, Marco says, is it time for Xbox to put out a Smash Brothers clone? Crash and Spire on the cover for a one-two punch to Sony? I mean, you gotta do something. You own all these properties, all these, like, massive IPs with, with really recognizable characters. It's time to either do a Smash Brothers clone, or a kart racer, or a party game, or something. So. I think uh, it'll happen. I think they should use it. I think they should do it with Heroes of the Storm, really. The game's dead. It needs new stuff. Slap Master Chief in it. That would be cool. I know Heroes of the Storm fans won't be happy about that, but would they rather have a dead game? I don't know. Yeah, and uh, Me Puppet says, I would not mind seeing an RCA program, RCA Pro-Am remastered. I remember that game. Um, so, no, Jez, let me... Boomer games, you and Nick like, man. I don't know. Uh, Jez, let's talk about your leak, bro. Or not your leak. Let's talk about uh, Jeff Grub Grub's leak, where he talked Grub about... You know, but first, let me get the super chat from, well, we got two that come in. Metal Morbo says, EA, Ubisoft, take two, merge into a mega dev. And Faith says, what game are you playing first, Rand? Shifu, Horizon Forbidden West, Uncharted Legacy, uh, Thieves Collection. Well, I'm currently playing Dying Light 2. And after that, my plan was to play Horizon Zero Dawn. And then Horizon Forbidden West. When does Sifu come out? Because I want to play Sifu quite a bit. Uh, is Sifu at the I end of the you. month? Or a seafood before Horizon? I'm not sure. But once I finished Dying Light 2, uh, I was going to start uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I was probably going to play Horizon Zero Dawn and then Forbidden West back-to-back. Uncharted Legacy Collection. I played 4 and I played Leg- uh, Leg- uh, Uncharted uh, Lost Legacy. I've thought about playing them again because I kind of want to see what Uncharted 4 would play like in 60 frames, but... 
there's a lot of stuff in Uncharted 4 that would not be fun to go through a second time, like, you know, the climbing sections and all that stuff, right? So, I don't know. Maybe I'd, I'd buy it just to have it, and maybe I'd play it at some point down the road. So, uh, Face that Sifu is February 8th. Uh, maybe I'll play that first then, because um, that game does look super cool. So, uh, Sifu, February 8th is, yeah. So I'll do Dying Light 2, then Sifu, then the Horizon game. Both Horizons. Um, oh my god. New what? official Silent Hill figurines have just been announced. Uh oh, is there, is there a new, is there a new, <laughs> is, is there, what about a new Silent Hill game to go along with those figurines? Nah, we don't do that. We just do figurines for Silent Hill now. Oh, okay. Good, bro. Good, bro. Uh, Andy Hart says, Jez, they're called Benjamins because of Benjamin Franklin, founder of the dollar. Who's that? I found it the dollar. Yeah. Uh, all, I, all I know is that America betrayed Her Royal Majesty. Oh, really? And that's all I need to know about that country. Well, well, no. you guys lost. No. You guys lost pretty much everything. You had the <laughs> British Empire, and now it's just one single island. You had, you had everything, and you lost it all. <laughs> Our time will come. Yeah. Our time will come again. Screw you, Brad. <laughs> Oh, bunch of, bunch of losers losing their entire empire. Ah, <laughs> oh, what language are you speaking, pal? English. Uh, yeah, not I'm the not queen. Learning. Yeah, but we perfected it. So. Perfected <laughs> it. Yeah. That is. Uh, I'm triggered now. Triggered. Uh, I'm triggered. Lynch says perfect your language. EA is a publicly traded company with an obligation to its shareholders. If Microsoft offers more per share than Sony, EA has to consider it otherwise lawsuit. Yeah. Mm. So let's talk about the let's talk about this uh, Monster Hunter game, this this Project Suerte. As you 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 literally the other day told me about this game. I'm like, all right, uh, you know, okay, uh, sounds cool. You know, I know you love Monster Hunter, right? You, you get all, he's all excited. This is how Jez works. Jez gets super excited. He'll DM me something. He'll be like, OMG, like all uppercase. And I'm like, okay, something's going on. And this time he's like, Microsoft is making a Monster Hunter copycat. I'm like, okay, I know that's super interesting to you. And I'm like, what is it? He's like, certain affinities making it, and it's Project Suerte. And then I'm like, that's cool. You know, that's another game Xbox is working on. Great. Makes sense for Game Pass. Uh, Monster Hunter was pretty big. Uh, if you can't own Capcom, uh, and you can't, don't, and getting Monster Hunter Day 1 on Game Pass is too expensive, why not make your own at that point, right? And Jez is like, I'm so excited, there's so, and he's like, tell me about these, all these other code names for all these other games and stuff, and, and, and modes and whatever, and he's all pumped, like he was super pumped. And then, and then he, and then I, I see him tweet out, uh, Bueno Suerte, and I'm like, Jez, you can't help yourself. <laughs> You can't help yourself. I was excited. I was excited, man. I just thought, I'll, I'll just put that out there. No one will know what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, and nobody did. Nobody did, except for Jeff Grubb. <laughs> well, and me. I knew, uh, I knew what it was. Yeah, you knew. And I think Jeff Grubb knew. Yeah. But, yeah, projects were a... Projects were, and Jeff, uh, Jeff provided the details on his Grub Snacks stream... Uh, which is a pa- Patreon giant it's a bomb premium gi- giant bomb show, yeah. So yeah, uh, that's uh, that's Jeff Grubb's information. He got there first, which is fair enough. Um, but uh, Project Suerte is made by Certain Affinity, who makes um, 
Call of Duty and Halo. Uh, they've been working on Halo since the Halo 2 days, certain affinity. And the studio is currently led by someone who used to be high up at Bungie or 343, I believe. Um, maybe both. I can't remember. Um, but Third Affinity is historically been a support studio. They supported Halo. They supported Call of Duty. They've worked on a bunch of other games here and there. And they uh, worked on Halo Infinite. And they're still working on Halo Infinite, which I'll talk to talk about in a minute. But um, it does seem that they are they pitched an IP to Microsoft, and Microsoft's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And uh, it does seem to be some kind of Monster Hunter-like game. I might have some more details about it in the coming weeks. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's another game on the you know on the list, the the rapidly expanding list amongst Project Belfry and all that other stuff is crazy. And they're also working on a new mode for Halo Infinite? Question mark. Yeah. So this is the other part. Um, I wrote this in the article at the bottom. Um, nobody seems to notice it because nobody reads past the headline, but. I believe certain affinities also working on a new mode for Halo Infinite, a new a new PvP mode multiplayer. Um, I don't know if it's Battle Royale. It could be Battle Royale. The way it's been described to me is that it's sort of like a mode to attract people who uh, are not into big team battle or arena, basically. Which uh, which to me suggests that it's it could be Battle Royale. But at the same time, I think. They've been pretty transparent about not doing Battle Royale. So maybe it's a different mode entirely. Maybe it's like some some sort of, I don't know, it could be a horde mode. It could be some some sort of PvE thing. I don't know. Maybe it's like, maybe the Endless DLC has like a flood aspect to it, and then they make like a horde mode PvE thing to attach to it. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. But they are working on a new mode for Halo Infinite, which is a code named uh, Tatanka. Like that wrestler. Mm. <laughs> Do you remember that wrestler from yeah. the nineties? Yes, I remember. I remember um, the wrestler. I got uh, Tatanka. Um, so it's a it's a it's a native uh, native American word, I believe. But I don't know. It's a uh, code name Tatanka, and it's it's a new mode. So it might be it might be battle royale. It might be PV. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it's not arena or beating battle. And that's all I know. And it's it is multiplayer. So. Um, Maybe it's Warzone, uh, people suggesting chat. Um, but what is, what, what is, um, when that mother of Xbox era, the, uh, Halo Whisperer knows all things Halo. What is, what does he think it is? Uh, let us know. know. Let us know. One bad oh, mother. Right. If, if you think it's a Battle Royale, if you think it's Warzone, if you think it's something else. But they're also working on something else. They're, they're support for another game where they have a crossbow. Oh yeah, certain affinities. Um, they're also, I believe, working on Perfect Dark. I forgot that. I was like, Rand, what, what are you talking about? Mm. I was, oh yeah, yeah, they're working on Perfect Dark. So uh, they're making like assets and levels for Perfect Dark. Um, I believe. Are they working and, on multiplayer uh, Perfect Dark as well, or? I I don't know about that. Possibly. Um, I, they're working on weapons. I've heard about crossbow and some other stuff. Um. So, yeah, they're working on Perfect Dark. So, Certain Affinity is getting around, right? Uh, Blue Moon says, Tatanka is a buffalo. So, it's a type of buffalo. Maybe that's a hint. That's, maybe that's a hint. Could it be a hint? I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Is that a hint? I think these <laughs> things are hardly ever hints of what it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, the code name for Flight Simulator is Kitty Hawk. Mm-hmm. And a hawk 
Hulks fly. That's true. That's, they, they do try. They do fly. Yes, yes. <laughs> but that wasn't that wasn't also the only game that was announced. Well, you Jeff leaked this, but there was a brand new game announced that presumably, presumably is going to be an Xbox exclusive when it comes out. And you are so excited for this because Blizzard announced a brand new game in a new universe, so not attached to any IP. Not attached to Overwatch, not attached to Warcraft, not attached to StarCraft, not attached to Diablo. Something brand new. And they it just randomly showed up on, what day was it, Wednesday? I think. Just randomly showed up on Wednesday. Hey, we're hiring for a new game in a new universe. It's a survival game. You know, come work for us. So you're the Blizzard fan here. How are you feeling about this new Blizzard game and everything surrounding the company? I think you wrote an article saying that you haven't been more excited for Blizzard in, like, forever, right? Yeah, I uh I um I wrote an article about it. I had like no I had no faith in the future of Blizzard. I wrote an article back in twenty sixteen about um Activision's chilling effect on Blizzard. Like I started seeing it back then. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, pe- people in chat are informing me that Kitty Hawk is the name of the first flight from the Wright the Wright brothers. I did not know yeah, that. The first, you know that power, right? the first power flight. Uh, now I have no idea. Head, no. I thought it was just a cute kitty and a hawk. I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go, Ryan. That's proof that some code names actually do mean something. Yes, anyway. that is true. This one does mean that something. Is, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I did not. I did not finish high school, so I, there are very big gaps <laughs> in my knowledge on history. Very, very big gaps. Did you know, Rand? I did not know that Britain previously, that America was a British colony until I was in my late teens. Really? And I did not, I did not know there was a civil war, and I did not know there was a war for independence until I was in my late teens, or maybe even early twenties. Because, uh, yeah, that's what happens when you don't go to school. <laughs> you don't learn nothing. So, uh, or anything, sorry, using bad grammar there, but. Anyway, I digress. Uh, what were we talking about again? Talking about we Blizzard talking about. and their new game. So, yeah, Blizzard and their new game. So, I'm a fan of, uh, I really like survival games, and I really like Blizzard games. At least I used to. So, I am sort of hopeful that there will be something great that comes out of this. And hopefully Microsoft will invest in growing the team. And to be fair, Activision themselves said they were going to invest in growing the amount of developers at Blizzard to try and bring it back up to where it used to be. And we see we see this happen often. We see this happen often where uh, publicly traded publishers, they get comfortable, they start cutting corners, and then we end up in this situation where everything goes to shit for a few years. And they're like, oh, no, okay, we'll fix it, we'll fix it. We're seeing EA go through this period right now. EA just announced three Star Wars games on the respawn. They they announced that Dragon Age is going single player. They're trying they're trying to like they're trying to like be they're trying to do popular things that that will solve their their image. And they do this every few years. They did it in the year where they greenlit Mirror's Edge, they greenlit Dead Space, and it was like, oh yeah, EA is maybe being a bit less shit now. But um, alas, uh, that's not the case. Um, it's it's just a cycle. But under Microsoft, they'll be shielded from shareholders. So, like you said earlier, like Bethesda, they won't have to sort of follow industry trends to the same degree. The creativity will flourish, and they'll be shielded under Game Pass and under Microsoft, at least. That is what we hope will happen. Um, Will it actually 
you know, lead to better things. No one can predict the future. Nobody can predict whether Blizzard can actually get back on top. And, you know, I was certainly of the opinion that Blizzard was doomed uh, before all this. And now I'm, like, optimistic that things can be changed. Um, but we'll have to wait and see, you know. We'll have to wait and see, ultimately, at the end of the day. But I am I am excited for the prospect of a Blizzard a Blizzard uh, survival game. Because I do like survival games. I know you don't like survival games, do you? No. I mean, I, I guess maybe I haven't found the right one. I, I also didn't like roguelikes or roguelites or whatever. Um, until the right one came along, like Hades. I, I love Hades and uh, really like Returnal, even though maybe if people would say it's not a good, like, roguelike. Um, I didn't really ca- maybe Some of the ones I played, I just, it just they weren't very good to me. But then I played the ones that were, like, the cream of the crop, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is really good. So maybe I just haven't really played a survival game that's jived with me because I just don't like the idea of, like, all right, let me go chop down some trees and get some water and get some food and like, oh, I'm doing stuff, now i got to eat and drink, and if I don't, I die. Like, it just, that just doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. But um, you never know. Maybe Blizzard can, can do it right, essentially, right? I would so, hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But I know you're super excited because you love Blizzard. Um, and you mentioned on the podcast before um, that uh, you had heard that there are a bunch of, uh, quite a few unannounced games at Blizzard. Was this one of them that you that you no. had known about? No, it wasn't. I was expecting um, I was expecting them to announce a different game uh, last week. I did not know about this one, but I did know about another one, which uh, I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Mm. Um, there is. I've been told that Blizzard's roadmap is very strong. That's what I've been told, basically. Um, and it's because it's because they're in this phase of, of appeasing the crowd. They're in this phase of oh shit. We've fucked up everything. We've fucked up World of Warcraft. We've screwed up Starcraft. All this stuff is messed up. And they've got new leadership in Mikey Barra. And I was honestly skeptical of Mikey Barra being able to actually do anything. I was just thinking, like, Mike's just going to be there to, to do what Kotick tells him to do and get paid a load of money doing it. But I do sort of... I have heard from people... I've got contacts who work at Blizzard... Um, for a, I played the game for 15 years, man. Like 15 years, I played this game, and you just you just end up knowing people in the community because because of playing it for that long, that hardcore, you know. So I, I got loads of contacts at Blizzard, um, and there is there is a sense of optimism I've been told that hasn't been there for years, which is another reason why I don't buy these consolidation arguments. Uh, the devs are optimistic about it, and if the devs are optimistic about it, that's all that matters to me. I don't care about, like, journalists or podcasters or YouTubers crying about consolidation. When there's no there's no evidence, it's a bad thing. If the devs are happy, then that's the main thing to me. And then what consumers get out of it, too. That's the main thing for me. Um, could it lead to dark days in the, in the distant future? I don't know. I don't know. But nobody else knows that either. So why, why take the glasses half empty approach? Right now, there's overwhelming evidence that it's going to be a good thing, so... That's why I um I'm happy with it. Okay, well that's, that's good. Really good. So, uh, for me, I, I'm I'm not super excited uh, for the survival game, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Maybe Blizzard will surprise me. Uh, Metal Morbel says he wants Blizzard to develop a 4X game, so that that's his his dream. So a Starcraft 4X game would be amazing. Yeah, 
I'd be so sick, or even a Warcraft 4X game. Um, I know Microsoft is very interested in the 4X, 4X genre uh, because it plays well on cloud. You know, you, you don't have, latency is not an issue if, if it's a turn-based game, right? So um, if you look at uh, Project Indus, which is another game that we leaked, um, I can't remember if it was me or Jeff Grubb. We lose, I lose track at this point. But Project Indus is another game that Microsoft's making with Blackbird Interactive, who actually ran, I believe, their work... Uh, yeah, okay, I might as well just say it now. Um, <laughs> You're being around the bush on this one, Jez. So, yeah. uh, I, I think Blackbird Interactive might be working on two projects for Microsoft. Mm. Um, they're working on Indus. I think they might be working on another project. Um, because Blackbird were involved in Minecraft Earth. I And I don't know if you... I've said this before on the podcast, that I've heard Mojang is working on two two Minecraft spin-offs. I think one of those spin-offs is a Minecraft spin-off being explored by Blackbird Interactive um, to follow up Minecraft Earth. I don't know if it's a mobile game. I don't know what it is. And I could be wrong. My sting on this is a bit spotty. But I do think it is separate from Minecraft Earth, and I think it is another Minecrafty kind of game. So there's that too. So Blackbird Interactive might end up being an acquisition target as well if they, uh, if they, if these games actually deliver. Because honestly, Minecraft Earth was a cool game. It was a really great concept. The thing that screwed Minecraft Earth up was the terrible monetization. Like you had to, you had to pay money to build stuff, which is antithetical to what Minecraft is. Like if, if I can't just build freely, what the hell is the point of Minecraft? So, and I'm pretty sure Blackbird didn't decide that. I'm pretty sure that was a Microsoft thing. So they they killed it before it could even launch, really, because of doing stuff like that. But um, clearly they were happy with Blackbird's work on the game. So they've maybe greenlit them for another Minecrafty kind of project. But maybe it's a mobile game. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But, um, but yeah, this is just a mountain of stuff. Oh, actually, yeah. Uh, yes, no, says, isn't Oxide Games making Indus? Actually, you're right. Ox- is it Oxide making Indus? I lose track. I mean, um, I, I don't know. Oh, God. I, I don't have track. the stuff written down. You do. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it wasn't Blackbird making Indus. Maybe it was Oxide making Indus. I, I lose track. Okay, so it's Oxide making Indus. Oxide Games is making Indus. Yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. I've completely messed that up. But I think Blackbird is working on another project except beyond Indus and I think it's Minecraft and I think they're working on other projects as well but I could be wrong about that actually I'm confused now basically Rand there's a lot of games being made so many so that I lose track constantly I forgot I forgot who leaked them I forgot which studios are working on what and it's become ridiculous it's become crazy like how am I supposed to keep track of all this shit you know I'm only one guy only one journalist. But, alas, here we are. Yeah. Um, Crisis 4 was also announced. That's another game out of nowhere. They just announced it. Hiring. Uh, I really like Crisis. Uh, I thought Crisis 2 was incredible. Crisis 3, less so. Um, so I'd be interested in seeing what Crisis 4 is all about. They also had three new games announced. Star Wars games announced for Respawn. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2, which is either coming out this year or next year. A shooter, which, please let it be Republic Commando. And I think an RT, uh, I think an XCOM style game and 
Sounds like Respawn is just going to be the Apex Legends slash Star Wars factory from now on, right? Yeah. And um, we also got uh, some Halo and Forza numbers finally. Well, we knew some of the Forza stuff. So Microsoft had their, you know, their financial reports, and and Satya Nadella came out and talked a little bit about Halo and Forza. And Forza has 18 million players, which is ridiculous when you think about it. 18 million players in what, like, came out in November, right? So you're talking like three months? 18 million players in three months, which is, whew. But everybody wanted to know about Halo because Microsoft hasn't shared numbers. So people were like, well, maybe it didn't do very good. But then they came out and said Halo had 20 million players. It's the biggest launch in Halo history. And I'm almost worried to ask you what you think about all this. <sighs> why Why worried? Why worried, Ryan? I don't know, because you have it in for Halo. Even though, like, you, you, we, we saw you go from this Halo hater to a Halo lover, talking about how much you love the multiplayer and you really like the campaign, to now you're just back on the Halo hate train. <laughs> and I just, I just, I just, I just feel like you're gonna, you're not gonna have nice things to say about Halo right now. So why don't you prove me wrong, Jazz? Come on. What do you think about these, the Halo and Forza numbers? I think the Forza numbers are good. The Halo numbers are low. Ooh, you think the Halo numbers are low? I think they're very low. I think that game should have 150 million players by now. Shut and up. because it, because it doesn't, they should just shut it down. They should just kill it. Really? Clearly failed. Fully failed. Give all the money to the coalition, and let's make Gears of War Infinite instead. That's what I think. Gears of War Infinite. <laughs> nah, I mean obviously it's very good, um, but I do think the the test the test of time is the real test. Is this game going to drop off? Is it going to become an institution like uh, Fortnite is? Are they going to keep plowing content into it? Can they keep plowing content into it? Is the, are the fans happy with it? Like, it seems like whenever I look at Twitter, all I see is complaints about the game. Is that, is that, is that accurate, right? I mean, people complaining? Yeah, I mean, people complain. I mean, they haven't fixed Big Team Battle yet. Um, What's wrong with it? I don't, it hasn't worked for a while. Really? Yeah, there's a lot of issues with Big Team Battle. A lot of people get into a game and then get booted from the game. Um, You know, a lot of people complained about cheating. A lot of people complained about uh, lack of maps and content. Like people are like, "Hey, I've been playing this game so much, I'm sick of the same maps." And then they only launched with seven, and it needs new content. People would say, "So yeah, people are at the point now where it's just like they're over the honeymoon phase. Essentially, is over. Like, love the gameplay; it's never been better. But now we need to complain about the, the lack of things because, you know." Uh, realities kind of hit them in the face, right? Cypress Smurf says the only thing they complain about is store and progression-related stuff and cheating. So there you go. So I doubt there's going to be any new maps, and in, in, you know, before season two, right? In in May, and who knows if there even e will even be new maps? I mean, we know for sure, or at least we think co-op's coming, but that's not going to help the multiplayer. Um, so maybe so. Hopefully, there'll be new maps. They they sort of did fix the store stuff. They lowered prices, which I'm not sure how people feel about that because I haven't really seen. Um, I wonder if they're you know the progression stuff, but yeah. So now you're in 
the mode of like people just kind of complaining because there's nothing else to really talk about. But mm. you know, it's a night and day difference between that and like Battlefield, right? Like Battlefield, like nobody oh. plays it. Like Battlefield, like three thousand people are playing it on PC and it's already out of the top fifty on Xbox. Yeah, like, that game just cratered. Yeah, it did. And maybe it's because in this day and age, maybe if you're a multiplayer game, you have to be free to play. You can't charge sixty bucks anymore. Not when. Every other shooter out there has a free-to-play component, right? Why are people Why are people like mad at Game Pass, but nobody talks about that? Nobody talks about the chilling effect that Fortnite has had over premium shooters. You know, everything's got to be Battle Pass free-to-play now, and that's that's because of Fortnite. But nobody really talks about that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Nobody really does talk about that. But hey, people people like to complain. Um, hopefully they, they get new maps new, soon, and, uh, you know, yeah, Monday Mother says it needs new maps and casual content. I'm hearing from even Halo fans, it's always 100 uh, miles per hour sweaty, and they want more casual stuff. So, yeah, it's like you get into a match, and everybody's, like, being all sweaty, you know, so. Sweaty? Yeah, sweaty, trying mm-hmm. really hard, tryhards, essentially, like, it's just mm-hmm. a battle back and forth. You know, but, I mean, you, you knew this was going to happen. It wasn't going to remain high player counts forever. You know, it was going to spike at the beginning, and then it'll level out, and then it'll get new content, and people will come back. And that's why I think they'll do a Battle Royale mode at some point, because this is a 10-year mm. game, right? Like, you, you can't just have these maps and these modes forever. Like, you're going to have to start introducing new things, and BR would definitely inject a lot of life into uh, into the into the game, especially on the PC side. So I think at some point you'll get it. Um, but here's what I'm gonna say. Ooh, Ron's gonna say I think I think this says more about Forza than it does Halo, because they both released at the, around the, a similar time. I think Forza released a week ahead of Halo because Halo launched in beta form. And I'm assuming they're counting the numbers from them, and I'm assuming the numbers are. See, I'm not sure. I don't know. Someone maybe can tell me, are these numbers from November to December for the quarter, or do they also include numbers up until a certain point in January? I'm not really sure on that. But either way, the fact that they launched really close to another, it's like Halo's free-to-play has 20 million, which is the most ever, which is great. We knew it would have the most ever because you essentially gave the multiplayer away for free. But Forza is not free. Forza is you either got to pay for it or you subscribe to Game Pass to play it. And it has just, it has basically the same amount of users as Halo. So I think it says way, way more about Forza and how successful and popular that game has become in the time between Halo 5 and this launch. Think about it. Like, Forza Horizon was just a, like, a, like, it was started as a, as like kind of an afterthought, because Forza Motorsport was the racing franchise. Then they spun off and did Forza Horizon, and it was it did okay. And it wasn't. And then three, I think I remember hearing that Forza Horizon three and Gears four launched at the same time. And I remember hearing that Forza Horizon 3's popularity just t- completely took Microsoft by surprise. They yeah, I remember they that. barely marketed it. Everything was pushed towards Gears, and Forza Horizon 3 just blew past Gears. And Forza Horizon 4 was one of the first quality first-party games to be put in Game Pass. 
day one because it launched in 2018. And I think Sea of Thieves was the first game. But, you know, Sea of Thieves reviews at the time weren't very uh, good. Um, uh, so I think in the time between Halo 5 and this, Forza Horizon is just has become essentially as big as Halo, which is crazy to think about it. It is, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I'm, I don't think the numbers for Halo are bad. Uh, I didn't expect them to pull numbers like Warzone or Apex Legends. I think both of them did 50 million in a month. Uh, I think not having bat- a battle royale does hold it back some because that is the dominant multiplayer mode of the day. That's what people want to play. Clearly, like look at look at Fortnite, look at Apex Legends, look at Warzone. It's it's battle royale, and that is what is popular. And Halo doesn't have one, so I I do think they were kneecapped by that a little bit. Why is it so popular? That's a good battle question. Royale. That's a good question. It's just but you, you should know because you you played PUBG because it was so unique and and it was so much fun and it was just. It was just compl- I, I, it was something just completely different from the normal team deathmatch or team objective. It was just you get like anything can happen at any point in time, and it was just like it was just it was so it was so freaking fun, dude. I can't get into it. I just can't. I tried like multiple times. Like Apex, Apex was the one that almost got me because it was like Titanfall-ish, and I could sort of apply some of my Titanfall knowledge to it, but. Even that, I was just like, I just, I, I just find myself bored. It takes so long to find someone to kill sometimes. Um, and I just like, I don't like just running across endless maps for ages trying to survive. I want to find people to kill. I'm the kind of guy who like ends every match with like 40 kills and like 40 deaths because I, I play so reckless. That's why I like Battlefield so much because you can just sort of plant down with an LMG and mow people down. Or blow them up with C4. And there's like constant killing. I don't know if it's because I grew up on Unreal Tournament, which is like, you know, the ultimate murder simulator, but, um, I don't know. It's, I, I don't know, like there's PUBG, this, made, PUBG forced me to think. There's just something know. about Battle Royale where you, you drop in, you don't have anything, you loot up, mm-hmm. right, and you're, and you're always like looking to get better gear so you have that gameplay loop. You get into a battle and it's very intense because it's it's life or death. You die, you're done. You, you know when you take their stuff and you and you get more gear. Like the loop is just so fun, where you're just it's almost like an RPG. Like each game is like a little mini RPG in that sense, where you drop somewhere, you get some loot, you kill some people, you get even better, you move on. The unpredictability of it, uh, it really I don't know. But my point is that. I didn't expect Halo to reach those heights because it doesn't have the most popular game mode of, of right now. And some people might be like, well, it doesn't need it. And I'm be like, I think it does in the long run. Like, Halo is a franchise that has a lot of cachet and people love it. But when the dominant game mode of the time is not there, you won't get people from, you won't get, bring people from Fortnite or Warzone or Apex over. You need the BR to do that. Which is why I think they'll have one. So I think twenty million's good, but I think eighteen million for fours is incredible. Personally. I yeah. the the explosion of popularity of Forza Horizon is really 
astounding to watch, to see where it was and how it started to what it is, where the point where, like, the franchise it, it spun off from doesn't even touch it anymore. Like, motorsport doesn't even come close to Horizon. What does, what does motorsport need to do? I think, what does it need to do? I think it's... I I think this the sim racing aspect of it just doesn't appeal to a, as large of an audience as that chill arcade racer where you get together with your friends, you're just doing racing, you're exploring a world, this big open world, where like motorsports like, all right, you need to race this track ten times to get the perfect lap, and you need to like add air to your tires and change the gears in, in your drivetrain to get the most horsepower as possible, you know, like, motorsport is aimed at that type of racer, where, like, Well, Forza's isn't it, like, isn't it okay for motorsport to have a smaller audience? Like, isn't it okay that there's a game that's that super sim-dedicated? Like, sure, I, I okay. think, like, they should, I think they should double down on the sim stuff. Sure, like, it's okay. It's, it's good to have, you know, one franchise, one racing franchise doing one thing and one doing the other, Right. You got motorsport yeah. for the hardcore dudes. You got you got Horizon for the casual dudes. It's just I don't know. Like um, I, I saw 18 million. I was like, that's incredible. That's that's in three months. Like the Forza Horizon Six not coming off for probably another three years. What? Yeah. How many? How many? How many people will play it by then? Thirty million people. Thirty million people playing racing games, and, and people forget racing games used to be incredibly popular. Like Need for Speed, at one point was one of the best-selling games every year until you know. I, I feel mean, like racing games of don't get the yeah. I feel like they don't get the respect they deserve these days. Like we talked about Forza being snubbed for a nomination for Game of the Year, which I think is is weird, but I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll... Yeah, people are saying VR. VR Motorsport would be good. I do think, like, one thing they should look at for Motorsport is more licensed accessories. Because one thing people people often complain to me about is that a lot of the high-end simulation gear for Forza isn't compatible with Xbox. It's all PC only. So I think, like, if you do want to have that sim racer audience, like, because there is, like, people who they spend a lot of money building these, like, dedicated rigs, Maybe explore, like, double down on that stuff. Make, like, Xbox first-party simulation gear. Do it for Flight Simulator as well, you know. If you're going to cater to every niche, go, go. you know, I was going to say balls deep, but that's a, that's a pretty graphic fact to get my point across there. And if you need to go um, balls deep, yeah, make sure you, you use the uh, promo code XP2 to kind of uh, help with that a little bit. At <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh my god, yeah. Balls deep. Yeah. So, um, what else we got here? Ubisoft, Jez. You wanted, you wanted to, uh, basically go at Ubisoft because of their NFT stuff. So the floor is yours. Oh my god, it's funny. It's funny. Like, so this news story is, um, it's Ubisoft once again trying to push NFTs. Non-fungible tokens, which are like digital assets that you don't actually own. You just own a link to the digital asset. So as soon as the server shuts down, boom, your asset's gone. So you didn't actually own a damn thing. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty epic, a pretty epic ground for a lawsuit in the future. But I just thought it was really condescending of Ubisoft in an interview 
Ubisoft were asked like, "What are you still going with NFTs?" And um, Ubisoft were like, "Yeah, this 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 is for the gamers. NFTs are for the gamers, but they don't get it yet." And I just thought that is so so condescending. That is so condescending because they could implement this stuff if they, if it was for the gamers, it'd be free. They could add this content for free. If it was for the gamers, they could add this content for a fixed price rather than inflating the price, you know? I think they they are, they are, there's someone at Ubisoft who is pushing this stuff to people who truly don't understand it. I think there are, there are, exec, there are execs at Ubisoft who just don't really don't get NFTs. And they're being told by some of the younger execs who are probably crypto bros that this is the next best thing. This is going to be the next best thing in gaming and you guys need to be on this as soon as possible. And people like, I don't know what his name is, is it Yves? The CEO, people yeah. like the CEO, they don't they don't actually get NFTs at all, and they just they just they're just listening to some dudes who are like, yeah yeah NFTs are great, and he's like, okay well I believe you, because Ubisoft it feels like Ubisoft's trolling themselves lately. I just I just think Ubisoft is just trash. I think who was it? Was it was it Yahtzee? You remember Yahtzee who does zero punctuation? Yes, on yeah. the escapist. Uh-huh. Yes, Yassi put out a video a few a few weeks ago, or last week, maybe even. I, I have no concept of the linear time anymore. But Yassi put out a video the other day, which really spoke to me, and it was like, a bland game is worse than a bad game. And I can't, that really resonated with me, especially because of Ubisoft, because I'm going to apply that at a higher level. A bland company is even worse than uh, a bad company. And Ubisoft, like, everything they do, everything they do is uninspired, bland, corporate, just terrible. And this this whole NFT thing really accentuates that. It really, really rams that point home that Ubisoft is just another corporate factory making games. And it's a shame because the, the studio is full of amazing, talented devs. Not so much writers, maybe. But a lot of great artists, a lot of great combat designers, and a lot of amazing devs. And um, it's just kind of it's just kind of painful watching Ubisoft corporate themselves out of any sort of relevance. But I don't know. Their games still sell a lot, so maybe I'm wrong. You know, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was the biggest in the franchise history, right? Mm-hmm. And um, people still buy bought Far Cry 6, even though I think it's the most boring game I've played in the last two or three years. Um, so I am just sort of. I'm just sort of watching them unfold, and I just hope that Ubisoft doesn't get to dictate what the future of this industry looks like. It's a, see, this is this is one point where it's kind of like I'm glad Microsoft is consolidating because Microsoft is skeptical of NFTs. They think it's bullshit because it is bullshit. You don't own anything at all with an NFT. You own a link. You own you own you own a link to some server that could shut down, and then you don't have anything. But you've spent your money or whatever. The only va- the only value of an NFT is for the company who's making a cut on the transaction, or the person who flips the NFT. So like it could it could make some people money. Like artists, some artists are making a lot of money from NFTs, exploiting people who have some kind of belief in it, or they have more money than sense. Like if if uh, if Logan Paul, one of one of these YouTubers, pays like fifteen million dollars for some dumb JPEG of some like uh, chimpanzee with a hat on then great. Exploiting rich people, I'm all about that. That is great. 
But everything else is just dumb. And I think Ubisoft is on the, the very deep end of dumb right now. They are they are balls deep in dumb. That's Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah, balls <laughs> deep in dumb. Balls deep yeah, in dumb. it definitely the whole NFT thing is going to be interesting because they're like, you guys just don't understand it. We're doing it for you. It. And then YouTube is like talking about NFTs and getting into that, right? Um, and you got um, on Twitter now. If you see a hexagon yep. profile picture, it's linked to someone's wallet account. Yep. I'm just waiting for the first time that gets hacked and someone's wallet gets drained because of because they've given Twitter API level access or something. And well, uh, someone decrypts the key. And I started and getting things. emails uh, from NFT companies or people saying that they want to promote crypto or NFTs in my videos, and I'm just like, no. No, so it's it's starting. You'll you'll probably start seeing a lot of videos yeah. by content creators uh, talking about NFTs. YouTube themselves is talking about getting in NFTs and things. Like I don't know how this is all gonna play out, but it's definitely gonna play out <laughs> some way somehow. And some people are gonna take the money and run because you know that's just what it is. And it's just lots of people already have. I yeah. followed a Twitter account recently, which sort of tracks crypto scams, pump and dump schemes, and you know rug pulls and that kind of thing. And uh, it's a lot of money is just vanishing into thin air because of stuff like this. But uh, the American government is uh, looking to regulate crypto transactions in in uh, in the view of it being for national security. Mm. It sucks because you know I'm not against crypto as a concept. Like, the original white paper, if you go and read them, uh, crypto was supposed to, you know, liberate us from the banking system, decentralized uh, personal ownership of your financial destiny. But it's just not playing out like that in practice, unfortunately. It's like it's, there's mountains of scams left, right, center. You, re- you rely on crypto exchanges to turn, turn the money into fiat currency. And crypto exchanges are centralized by their very nature, you know. It just this stuff just doesn't work, and it's not working. And a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money, you know. I don't care about rich people losing money, but regular people getting scammed because like some YouTuber or some influencer told them to invest in some stuff. I don't know. I think it sucks. But mm. oh well, oh, oh well. well. Sean Labrie has got a crypto uh, NFT collection. You should go and buy his. Yeah. That's not an ad. But help Sean Labrie out because Sean's awesome. So that, that's, when, that's when I do agree with NFTs. When, in, when independent artists are making money, that's great. That is great. And I'm awesome. And I'm all for that. But when Ubisoft is adding a price tag to something that should be $2, that's bullshit. Ubisoft can go to hell. So... Independent artists, NFT is great. Big corporations, that's centralized, and that's against what crypto is meant to be. So, no, whatever. I agree with you. And Dirty Flint says Sega sold their arcade business. We up for sale? Maybe. Who knows what the future holds? You know, I mean, two huge publishers acquired by Microsoft. I imagine Sony's going to get some get on the action. Uh, We're in uncharted territories now. But I want to thank you guys for being here. Love doing the podcast with Jez. Love having you guys in the chat. Whether you're constantly talking or lurking, supporting the show with Super Chats, we appreciate all of you. And uh, this will be up on iTunes and Spotify ASAP. 
we're going to be doing a special uh, podcast strictly for podcast apps only where we answer some questions we have that people sent in from Spotify. So if you want to ask a question, we'll definitely be answering that soon because we've come to the end of the show. We're almost at three hours. And, um, yeah, so hit the like button if you enjoyed the show. Subscribe if you're new. And we'll take some questions before we get out of here. So, Jazz, we have our first question from Thanaros. Uh, who says, what are your thoughts on the metaverse? Will it bleed into gaming? I don't even know what the metaverse really is, to be honest with you. Like, I actually love this topic, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people think of the metaverse as VR, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you put a headset on, you're in a VR, you're in a virtual shopping center, you're in, you, you like, buy things with crypto or whatever. Web, Web 3, right? Web 3, they call it. Web 3, 3.0. We're on Web 2.0 now, and this is all Web 3.0 stuff. But it's all speculative and theoretical. Now, if you'll notice, when Microsoft talks about Metaverse, they never mention VR, which really makes me laugh. And you know why that is? It's because Microsoft is trying to reframe the narrative on what the Metaverse is. Microsoft is, to Microsoft, the Metaverse is the diaspora of devices that we use to access the Internet. The Metaverse has nothing to do with VR in Microsoft's view. In Microsoft's view, any virtual world, whether it's Minecraft, Grand Theft Auto Online, or Fortnite, that is what the metaverse is to Microsoft. But to us, these are just games. So this is just the typical tech hype, Silicon Valley, self-congratulating bullshit that we often get from people like Mark Zuckerberg, who are trying to rebrand and repackage things that already exist. Because they want to rebrand and repackage the internet because right now, Facebook realizes it doesn't control shit. Apple can pull, can, can crater Facebook's earnings in a second just by changing its rules on ads. And they did it. They did it literally this year or last year. Apple changed its rules on privacy and that really hit Facebook's bottom line. So what Facebook wants is to rebrand the internet as something you access through one of their devices, like a VR headset. The problem is, Rand, nobody wants to wear a thing on their face to do basic things like chat to people. If you saw, like, one of one of Facebook's really cringe ads for Metaverse recently, it just sort of tells you everything you need to know. Like, I posted it on my timeline. It's, well, it's probably hard to find at this point because I do tweet a lot. But Microsoft sees the Metaverse as just a, crea- a creator economy, open world game that you can spend a lot of time in, like Minecraft. It all, these things already exist, you know? So... For Microsoft, VR is only like a tiny part of this. But for Mark Zuckerberg, who trying, who's trying to push this narrative that Metaverse is a VR thing, it's not a VR thing. It's never going to be a VR thing. Someone needs to really sit there and tell Mark Zuckerberg nobody's going to put a thing on their face just to buy something for, you know, just to buy some toilet paper. No one's going to put a headset on to buy toilet paper. I don't even like wearing my glasses, Rand. I don't even like wearing my glasses. Think I'm going to put a computer on my face? It ain't happening. But it's whatever, right? It's whatever. I don't think this is metaverse. Man, stuff's going you to go are anywhere. definitely passionate about NFTs and metaverse stuff. I just sure. what I'm passionate about is is bullshit. You know, I'm passionate about stopping the bullshit and Facebook and NFTs and all this stuff. It's all bullshit. So I don't know. Yeah. No, I get yeah. it. VR will be supplementary. VR. VR games are like something you do on the side. They're never going to be 
the sort of the, the main way we game. That's always going to be mobile phones because it's easier. You know, I'm not going to put a headset on to play Candy Crush. Yeah. What are they talking about? They're high. I don't know. Doobie says, will we get a sequel for ReCore or Rise? Well, with Crisis 4 <laughs> being on uh, that uh, Geoforce NVIDIA leak, you know, I don't was Rise part of that leak? I don't think so. But there were rumors that they might be doing a Rise. I think, if I had to guess, I think we'd get a Rise before we get a ReCore 2. But I think Rise 2 would be multi-platform. I don't think we'll get either. But, yeah, there's probably a chance we get neither. Raymaster says, what do you guys think of Playground Games making a Jack X clone? Jack X clone. Is that the Jack and Daxter one that was kind of like a racing game, if I, wanna, if I, if I think correctly? Um, I think Playground Games would be focused on Forza Horizon and Fable for the foreseeable future. Mm. Um, Jez, what would you like to see? This is from Ryan. Uh, with the Call of Duty franchise, once the acquisition is complete, I think they should ditch the modern or World War One, World War Two setting and take on different time periods like Assassin's Creed. See, I don't really think Jez cares about Call of Duty so very much. No, no I, dude, like after after Battlefield's complete mess, I'm scared that we're never going to see Dice at its at its peak again. The thing about Call of Duty is, I go off, I go on and off Call of Duty because it's so it's so it feels so saturated to me. I have to take a few years away from it before I get back into it. I played, um, my favorite was World at War. I really liked the, the World War II Call of Duties. But th- I, was, I was expecting to like this one, but it's, it's not World War II. It's some sort of made-up, futuristic World War II, like, but it's not at the same time. It's like I, it's time travel bullshit. I don't know. It, it just doesn't work. It's just a bad game. It's just a bad game. It's not good. And then, Rand, every time I play Call of Duty, I'm reminded that it doesn't have dedicated servers. And it's laggy, and it's horrible. And it's like, man, I, fine, I'll just go back and play Overwatch. So one of the things I am optimistic for with Call of Duty is dedicated bloody servers. Do we get dedicated servers finally with Call of Duty? Or is the whole business model of Call of Duty that it cuts corners, you know? I want to I hope that Microsoft will put Call of Duty on proper dedicated servers as, your, as part of the marketing for Azure and stuff. But I, um, I'm hopeful that Call of Duty will, you know, get really good again um, when they can move to a two-year dev cycle and, uh, you know, double down on quality and uniqueness and actually bake some of the, these ideas. Rand, I honestly think, like, some of the ideas they come up with for Call of Duty, they just sort of, they, they come about in, in as a result of a 10-minute meeting because they're, like, so, they have to go through it so quickly. I don't know. But no. how do you feel about Call of Duty? Have you ever been that into it? I don't really know you. I'm not, I mean, I'm in the single player. I play all the single players. So yeah, I'm just if, whole opposite to me. I know. I'm if I get a better single player out of it, I'm all good. Like that's that's all I care about when it comes to Call of Duty. So I would prefer it to be modern. Hell, like I loved Infinite Warfare. Go back to the future. Do stuff like that. Like I'm kind of also sick of the World War One, World War Two stuff. So be modern or be I future. World War One game. What? I've never done a World War One game. I'm just saying, like between Battlefield and them, right? I think what if they did like like uh, a war that's never been really done before, like the Revolutionary War or something? No, I'm kind of just over old war stuff. So <laughs> you don't want to ride a horse? No, I don't. I thought you liked Red Dead Redemption. I do like Red Dead Redemption, but I thought I, you I like Bobby Force Adventures. 
I mean, it's greatest, one of the greatest <laughs> games ever. Uh, Space Dovacan says, is Jason Ronald going to turn the backwards compatibility machine on again for Activision Backlog? It's an interesting question. We didn't really touch much on, uh, with, with them acquiring Activision. Now they own a bunch of stuff, but they said the back compat stuff is kind of finished, right? I think for sure it comes back. You think it. for sure it comes back? Sure. I would bet money that once they get Activision Blizzard, the back compat machine will, will wind back into action. I think we'll see, like, MS-DOS games sit in Xbox. I think we'll see, like, Blackthorn. Actually, did they already port Blackthorn? They did port Blackthorn already, I think, in that Blizzard Classic collection. But I think we'll start seeing, like, really classic games get ported. Because Microsoft's all about preservation. They love it. And sometimes they do things for the love of it, not just the money. Because as we all know, a backwards compatibility hasn't really made a ton of money. They did it for the love of it. They do things like, they bought Linux to Windows for the love of it. And they, they, they just, they just do weird shit. So I think that will bring some of these games back. I'm sure, I'm sure they're sitting there in an office right now thinking about the possibilities. Like how are we going to port this like Commodore 64 game <laughs> to Xbox? I'm sure they're sitting there thinking about that right now. Yeah. Oh. Re- Rebellious says Xbox needs a third-person Arthurus turning evil game. Uh, but yeah, I think I think they might do some back and pet stuff. Um, Eternal Umbra says, if you guys had the power and money to choose, which would be the more valuable acquisition for Xbox Game Studios in your opinion? Sega, Capcom, or Square? Mm. So this isn't our personal opinion. This is what would be the more valuable acquisition for Xbox, Jez? Out of those three, that's a good question. It is a good question. I'm so going to say because I usually go first. If I'm if I'm Microsoft, and I'm like, okay, I can get Sega, I can get Capcom, or I can get Square. What would what would fit the needs that I have? <sighs> I would say, I, I think I would rule out Square in that regard. I think it would come down to Sega or Capcom. Now, what does Sega give you? Okay, they give you some casual stuff. You get another mascot in Sonic. You get Japanese push with Atlas, right? You get Persona. You get Yakuza, big big games. You get some PC developers to help with your push. But what does Capcom give you? Capcom gives you a lot of core franchises. Capcom gives you a fighting game in Street Fighter. You get Resident Evil. You get Monster Hunter. Uh, also big games in Japan. Uh, you get you would own Dino Crisis. You'd have Devil May Cry. See, this is a tough one because everything, if I'm thinking for Xbox, I'm thinking it's probably Sega. What? No. Well, it's probably Sega because of the PC stuff. But maybe that stuff doesn't really matter anymore because they have Blizzard, right? Yeah. Like, because if, yeah, if you had Relic and Creative Assembly, you can, you know, you, you do stuff with the PC, which would be more beneficial, but now you have Blizzard, so maybe that they don't really need that. But I'm, I'm going to say now, after the acquisition Blizzard, if, if this was before Activision Blizzard, I would have said Sega. But after Activision Blizzard, I think it's Capcom. Yeah, I, I would have said the same. I think, like, Sega, they would have needed Sega for Sonic. But now, I mean, Sonic's still bigger than Crash and Banjo, uh, Crash, Banjo, and Spyro. But I think with, with all three of those, they don't need Sonic anymore. 
They can build up Spyro and Crash to be as big as Sonic. And Sonic, let's face it, hasn't had a good game in a million years. And 3D Sonic games are almost always trash. The only thing that Sonic has is nostalgia and the memory of good games. Um, and uh, and uh, actually, surprisingly good movie. I actually I actually really liked the Sonic movie. I thought it was really good. But I, I'm I'm like a huge huge Jim Carrey fan, so I pretty much like everything he does. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I digress. I think I think yeah, I might have I might have swayed towards Sega before Blizzard. Because you do get you do get your relic for your for Age of Empires, and you do get like a lot of these strategy games and these PC games, and you know Football Manager, which is really really huge. But man, I, they've got all this stuff now. They've already done the deal with Sega, and the deal is um, we work together and we pay you money and we work together. Um, I don't think they need to buy Sega. I think Sega's definitely looking for a buyer, and I think if I had to, if I was a betting man, I would bet Sega's the next one to next one to fall to be acquired. But I think it might end up going to Tencent now, because mm-hmm. I don't think Microsoft's probably not going to buy Sega in the interim. I'm sure Sega probably wanted to choose Microsoft, but the way things have gone, it's going to end up not being the case. So now I'm going to say Capcom. Month, you have you have to appreciate. I thought it was worth it, but like the same games are always on sale for almost the same prices, and I always kind of felt I was repeating myself every single video, uh, uh, all the time, in those videos, which is why I don't make them anymore. It's like the same games for the same prices every single time. Um, I went through the list and I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, I. Uh, well then, you see, I, I'm a bad person to kind of because I usually, if there's a game I want to buy right away, I buy it right away, right? And I normally, I pretty much own everything anyways, so there's really nothing I want. Um, I haven't bought Demon Souls yet, uh, which is I don't even see. Here's the thing: I don't even know if I want to play Demon Souls. Like, why not? Couple you my, like Bloodborne. I liked. I, I liked. I enjoyed Bloodborne. Yes. Uh, I love Sekiro. Uh, it was my game of the year last year. But I've played Demon Soul or I played Dark Souls one. I don't like Dark Souls. I find Dark Souls slow and plotting and just straight up boring, right? And I think Demon Souls is supposed to be more along the line of Dark Souls, clearly. Like they made Dark like From Software made Demon Souls for PlayStation and then whatever reason PlayStation didn't continue the partnership and then they went and basically made De- or Dark Souls for Bandai Namco and became this huge franchise. So when I watch videos of Dark uh, Demon Souls, I just kind of look at them like, do I really want to play this? It looks a lot like Dark Souls, and I don't like Dark Souls. And it's like, eh, maybe I should, maybe I like it. Look at look at this guy, Xbox Killer, Last Mass. If he doesn't want to play because it it's on PlayStation exclusive, what does that guy have to do with anything? I literally just beat Astro's Playroom and Spider-Man Miles Morales, and I'm currently playing Pathless on PlayStation. I couldn't care less. If the game is exclusive to PlayStation, I'm talking about if I would enjoy the game. I don't have any issues spending the money, but I just look at that game and I'm like, I'm not sure I'd actually really enjoy playing Demon Souls. I don't know. Maybe I will just because, but either way. Um, yeah, Secretopsy says Demon Souls is about the same pace as Dark Souls, maybe a bit slower, but way harder. See, if it's about the same pace as Dark Souls, then I, I don't know. I might as well just save my $70 and, and buy it on something else. So, 
Um, but yeah, um, you know, we got a lot of things to talk about in this episode. So like the podcast and share it out if you haven't already. And uh, man, trolls come out in the chat. There's all like, what is with these trolls, Jez? Just you know? find them, man. Yeah, just if you see any no, trolls, mods, see any trolls, don't even time them out. If they're just being trolly, just, just, just hide them from the channel. I don't even care. Trolls are boring. You're boring. Go play a video game. It, it, you love PlayStation so much, just go play it. What are you doing here? You know, listening to an Xbox show. I mean, hell. Like, just, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm sick of it. Like, cause I, I've been getting a lot of, uh, messages and DMs to, uh, people just like, I don't know, apparently because Xbox Series X isn't doing as well as the PlayStation 5, this means that, like, uh, Ray and Lied and Damn, like, when did I ever talk about hardware and all that stuff? Like, <laughs> I, I specifically stay away from hardware talk on this channel because I don't know anything about the hardware or the tech. Yet some people think it's like, you lied and you spread informa- misinformation and all that stuff. And I'm like, uh, excuse me? You must have me confused with somebody else because I certainly didn't say those things. Cause I wasn't sure, you know, like, so they you ain't me. You're looking, you're looking at somebody else. Anyways. Um, so before we get into the topics, um, I want to hear Jez talk about how Rand was white, right? About Katana Zero. Oh yeah. Katana Zero. Man, what a game. I haven't finished it yet. So, um, I'm not going to talk about spoilers because it is, it's quite story heavy, isn't it? I didn't think it was. Um, I just thought it was like a hack and slash sort of puzzle game with time mechanics or whatever, but nah, the story's a huge part of it, and my god, what a roller coaster. (laughs) I don't want to to spoil it, because like, for people who haven't played it, but but I saw Katana Zero was on Game Pass, and I was like, yeah, I remember Ran talking about that, I'll give it a go, Mm -hmm. and it's basically like, you play as a samurai, or ninja, I guess, for, um, I don't know. I don't know what you call him. Samurai, ninja, whatever. And uh, you're you're an assassin for some mysterious clandestine organization, apparently. And um, you die in one hit, but so do the enemies. But you also have sort of the power to reverse time. Well, it's not really reversing time. You're not, yeah, you're not really reversing yeah. time in that game. Yeah, it's like, it's it's his, it's his clairvoyance. Like, he, he can, like, see things before they happen. And, like, every time you die, it's like, there's, like, a little dialogue that, play, that plays that says, like, oh, see, that won't work. So it's, like, him trying to psychically work out if that is a good path through the through the obstacle course, basically. Really satisfying to play, but, man, the it's the story that's really gripping. Like, it's, it's like a total screws of your brain, man. I don't know what the hell's going on. Don't know what's real and what isn't real. That kind of game, so... Looking for something new to play? Side-scroller with a really weird, twisted story? Check out Katana Zero, because I'm super impressed with that Dude, game. Dude, it plays so smooth. It's one yeah, of those games where it, it's play. like a 2D side-scrolling Ninja Gaiden. Like, fast-paced yeah, ninja, yeah. you're just slicing people up. And at the beginning, you're like, ah, oh, this is pretty easy, right? You have this layout of this house, and guards are behind doors, and you're just knocking down doors, chopping people's heads off. But then, like, they add more enemies with different weapons. Uh, you know, and you need to kind of take different routes and use, uh, like, like an axe on the, throw it at, like, a steam vent to obscure your movement. So constantly yeah. by adding tougher and harder enemies to make it, you know, yeah. change up your tactics. And then it has this really interesting story going on 
about how there was this guy, you essentially, you know, have this ability to, like, see the future. So, like, while you're playing the game, you're running scenarios through your head about the best way to go through it and get and, and get through something without dying, and then you do it. It's it's so well put together. And the story yeah, is just pretty as, unique. Yeah, it's just as interesting as the gameplay. And then uh, there's the music, because the music is absolutely phenomenal. If you, oh, yeah. 80s synth, oh man, on it's there. so good, and it's on Game Pass. Uh, I think it was on PC and Switch to begin with. I'm not sure if it's on PlayStation currently, but like, please, I know if we we talked about it when I played this game, but like, if you haven't played Katana Zero, uh, play this game. It's like maybe yeah, four hours mm-hmm. long if you play through it. It's it's totally worth it, and if you got Game Pass, it's essentially free. Um, so Jess, I've been playing a lot. This is all about video games. Right? Um, so, me, on, on Xbox me, Series X, I was playing some Dirt 5, which is the footage that I'm currently showing here, right? So, Dirt 5 was one of the games we got early with the Xbox Series X. Now, you had the Xbox Series X way more than I ever did, right? You had it like a month before I got it, right? Or maybe three yep. weeks before, something like that. I got it two weeks before launch. And one of the games that I was able to get early was Dirt 5. Um, outside of, like, the backwards compatibility titles. Like, Dirt 5 was a brand-new game that was like, hey, this is, you know, going to be taking advantage of the Series X. You can play it. That and, like, Yakuza and, and a couple other games. And I remember playing Dirt 5 on the Series X when I got it and being completely underwhelmed with the game. Like, it didn't look good. Uh, the menus had no music, and the game was, like, buggy. They were screen-tearing. Even, like, at, at that point in time, I didn't have VRR enabled on my... CX, and it was just like, man, I don't really think this game's any good. Like, the beginning races are kind of boring, and, um, like, it just didn't seem like a great racer. And then when you played Forza Horizon 4, it was like, man, Forza Horizon 4 is just better in every every way. It looks better, it runs better, right? And I was just like, ah, man, they really screwed it up with Dirt 5. But then, I, you know, they patched the game, they got it ready for release, so I went back to it this week. And I have to say, it's been improved greatly. I think it looks much better than it did when I first played it, to the point where, like, there's certain track, Like, there's this footage in here where you're driving at night in a rock quarry. And it, I thought when I was playing it, it like, it, it just looked beautiful. Like, it was a really good-looking game. And it performs way better. There's no more screen tearing. Uh, they fixed all the problems with the menu and, like, the story. So now I can actually hear Troy Baker. And, like, the part in the beginning with the with certain races is being boring doing to the style of race and, like, where you're racing. But I got to say, like, I've been enjoying Dirt 5. Um, I mean, I don't think it's as good as Forza Horizon 4. But, like, my initial impressions when I originally played it was, like, this game is, like, a 6. Right? And then now that I'm playing it now, after it's been completely updated, like, it's a pretty damn solid racing game, in my opinion. Probably like an eight. Um, there's a lot of different tracks. There's some really cool ones, even with like when the ones where you race on the ice and stuff like that. Um, like I think the game looks good. I think I, I appreciate the different style of tracks. And like some of the races are like three laps, and when you start in daytime, then it kind of gets night, and you can see like the aurora borealis show up, where it really kind of adds like a visual flair to the races that I think are pretty cool. So I've been enjoying my time with Dirt 5. 
really, really actually liking it once they updated everything. Um, I never, I never did give it much of a chance when it was in the preview program for the same reasons as you. Like it just felt rough and the screen tearing was so bad it made me feel ill. But um, I'll go back and give it a go. I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of racing games, but no, I'm intrigued to give it another another blast. Yeah. Um, but also, mainly I've been playing on PlayStation 5 this week, so I, um, played and I finished Astro's Playroom and I actually got the Platinum, my third Platinum on PlayStation, uh, first being God of War, then being Ghost of Tsushima, and now, uh, Astro's Playroom. I legitimately had a really good time with that game. Um. Astro's Playroom? Yeah. The free game, that's with yeah, I, the PlayStation 5. I haven't heard... I haven't heard a bad thing about that game. It seems like everyone thinks it's really cool. It's really and cool. And honestly, that's something that that's something that Xbox really lacks is a high quality 3D sort of platformer with a cute character. Like Microsoft just doesn't have that right now. It was supposed to be lucky, but whatever happened there? Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a it's a very cute platformer. It controls very well. It's like a PlayStation love letter. Like it's got you go through the different eras of PlayStation one through four. And it really sells the dual sense to the point where when I first started playing that game, I was, I thought the dual sense was going to be this huge innovation. Like PlayStation has made essentially a next gen controller. And I was disappointed that Xbox, uh, decided to go and just refine their controller and only really add the share button and the dynamic latency input. Like I was sitting there and when you're like, on ice in Astrobot, and he's like skating, you can feel it in the haptics. Or like the raindrops when you're walking in the rain and dropping on the umbrella, like you can feel them in the haptics. Like I'm not that big of a fan of the the, the resistance triggers on, on the, the, you know, R2, L2. Like I, I would turn those off in Call of Duty or whatever. Like I'm not a fan of something that's making making it harder for me to press the triggers. But the haptics mm. in the grips, are phenomenal to the point where like, I think it really how that game felt in the controller really like, elevated my feelings about Astro's playroom, probably more than it would have done if I had just played it with the standard controller. Right. The campaign is probably there's four worlds and each world has four levels and they can, you can pretty much beat each, each world in like 15, 20 minutes. If you just kind of, go through it from start to finish and not look for any secrets. But if you're looking for everything, the game takes probably around four hours. If you're looking to just beat it, you could probably beat it in like an hour and a half. It's really cool, right? And someone's like, oh, Rand's changing the PlayStation. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm just telling you guys what I've been playing. I bought a PlayStation 5 and a Series X. Well, I, didn't, I mean, I got a Series X. And I'm going to be playing on both because I'm not going to miss out on anything. So I'm just... You know, I bought my PlayStation. I'm going to play stuff on it. <laughs> like, what, 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 I buy it and have it sit there and not do anything with it, right? Um, but now I've, I've changed on my stance on the DualSense, okay? Because at first, like I said, I was like, man, this is really impressive technology. I wish Xbox had done more with their controller based off my experience only in DualSense. And then I played Miles Morales and the Pathless. And the DualSense does absolutely nothing for those games. So now I'm kind of back on this train of the DualSense being more of a gimmick 
um, oh, than, okay. than like something like super cool because, and I've beaten Spider-Man Miles Morales and it's great. And I did everything in that game you can imagine. 15 hours, right? Getting, I, I only have like two trophies left. I thought the campaign, uh, was fantastic. Uh, Miles Morales is a great character. Like the way they kind of spiced up his combat with the Venom powers was really cool. I mean, the game is just, the game is fantastic. It looks phenomenal. The load times, Jez, like, this is the big thing for this gen. It's all about load times. Like, you start up the game, and it's like like three seconds from when you press start at the main menu, you know, from the AI or the UI, and, like, you're in the game, and, like, when you fast travel, it's like two seconds, right? So it's like, cool. Like, Miles Morales is amazing. Like, I like Sony did a great job making sure that if, even if this game was originally going to be a PS4, uh, you know, uh, DLC or whatever, I don't know if that's true, but even if it was, uh, kudos to Sony for basically being like, no, this is going to be a PS5 launch game because it, it provides that kind of uh, next level like wow factor. Like here's a brand new game, um, and I I really enjoyed it. Uh, except the dual sense doesn't do anything in that game. Like it rumbles a little bit in cutscenes, and it doesn't do much. Like so, I was like I went from Astrobot thinking the dual sense was this revolution revolution in controllers, and then I I played this game and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't do much. So then after I beat Spider-Man Miles Morales, which there isn't really much to say. I mean, if you played Spider-Man 2018, it's Pretty much the exact same. It's the same open world. Uh, you know, they, they, it's just less, less of the extra stuff. Instead of like all these bases to clear, like in Spider-Man 2018, you only have six bases to clear. Uh, instead of like all these different collectibles, you, you only have like one set and they're all small. Like you can definitely tell based on his new powers and the skill tree and the collectibles and stuff, that this is definitely uh, a game that was designed to be uh, shorter, right? Uh, Tommy yeah. J says, that's not true. There's tension when you, sh- when you swing. Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't enhance the experience. Like, my point is that the DualSense with Astrobot enhanced the experience to the point where it made the game so much more enjoyable than it would have been playing uh, without the controller. When, when playing with Spider-Man and using the controller, I feel like I would have had the exact same experience playing the game with, you play, without the control, controller. Did you play it without that before, though, on the PS4? Yeah, I mean, I played, yeah. I played Spider-Man 2018. Yeah. So, I mean, so like... like your, your brain is doing a direct comparison to that, really, isn't it? Yeah, like, I don't think the DualSense is... Um, that does anything worth noting in Spider-Man. I think it's a poor implementation of it. Um, but like, I mean, like, dude, Miles Morales is, is spectacular. And then I played The Pathless, which is the game I'm playing now. Now, if you guys don't know what The Pathless is, it's a game that Sony showed off at one of their events. It's from the makers of Abzu, right? And it's this open world game where you're a hunter and you kind of have to take down these gods. So you're in each of, you're in like an area. And there's this, like, red storm. And in this red storm, there's, like, a animal. Say, like, a big kind of, uh, I don't know, like, big dragon. And you, you're supposed to stay away from there. And while, what you're supposed to do 
is you have these three towers scattered about, and you need to bring the keys to, like, clear up the tower, and once you clear all three, the uh, boss becomes, you know, uh, he basically becomes weakened and you can start a fight with them. It's the game that Sony showed off where essentially you can, you like running around in the open world, and these like little talismans that are floating around, and you use your um, use your bow to kind of keep up the momentum. So like, the movement in the open world is so smooth, so great, right? Just getting from one part to the of the area to the next part is great. And there's really no like there's there's storytelling, but most of it is done through like environmental stuff. Like the game doesn't really point out like. It has this mechanic where you can, like, flip on a mask and you can kind of see areas that you maybe should go to because there might be something over there. And then when you get to that point to get a key to unlock, to clear up the tower, um, there's, like, little puzzles to solve, essentially. Uh, usually you have to, like, light braziers with fire and that'll give you a key. Or you have to, like, shoot uh, your arrow through a bunch of hoops. So a lot of the puzzles revolve around that, like moving mirrors with your hawk or uh, clearing up certain spaces so you can actually fire arrows through stuff to, to get the key. So a lot of the puzzles re- revolve around that, and they, those can kind of be a little bit simple. But what I was most impressed by was the fluidity, fluidity of the movement in the open world and then the individual boss battles. Like, they're phenomenal. Like, once you kind of weaken the boss and you go about... Uh, like taking down his defenses, you're, you you kind of do this final section of a boss fight, and each final section of the boss fight is completely different than the one before. Like the first two that I fought, uh, where it was like I don't even want to spoil it for people, but one was kind of like a bullet hell dodging sequence, uh, the other one was more like a hide and seek section, and it was just so cool playing playing the Pathless because it's like the high quality indie game that I really like. I know people really kind of gravitate to the big AAA games like Miles Morales and Gears Tactics and Assassin's Creed Valhalla and stuff like that, right? Like those big high production uh, games. But when I see a game, an indie game that is, you know, what I consider like high production, uh, like, I don't know, I want to play it. So, like, I am was like, you know what, I'm going to play the past list before I play Demon Souls. And I'm glad I did. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm really enjoying the game so far. Um, Judah says, last week I mentioned issues with State Skate 3 on the Series X and it's shutting down the console. Turns out a workaround is to turn off HDR10, so fixable. FYI, to anyone else having the same issue and a fan of Skate 3. Uh, well, thanks for the update. HDR10? Yeah, apparently, HDR10. Uh, Morgan says, hey, Rand, try Demon's Souls with the Dual Sense. It's amazing. I think because Miles Morales was crushed and it didn't utilize the features fully. That that could be uh, very much the case because the dual sense with Pathless doesn't do anything either. I mean, it does. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't do anything in Miles, and it does, and not it doesn't do anything in, in Pathless. I'm saying what it does doesn't impact the enjoyment or doesn't have like the same impact that Astro did. Like Miles, it's very subtle, and I don't think. And if you played it with a regular controller, you wouldn't lose anything. Same thing with the Pathless. The only thing that it does is when you're kind of pulling your bow, it kind of rumbles a little bit, but that's it. Like, you'd have the same experience on a regular controller. And that's where Astro kind of 
you would have a completely different experience. So, out of the three games I played so far on PlayStation, uh, I felt the DualSense only was really good in one of them. Now, that may change. I might play Demon's Souls and be like, hey, you know, the DualSense is, um, you know, a great feature, but I haven't got to that point yet. <laughs> I know a lot of people are probably like, wait a minute, you're talking nothing about PlayStation games. Well, we talk about uh, the games we play here. Uh, this is more of a gamer podcast than, than anything else. I mean, I play it. I mean, I got a million gamer score for a reason, guys. I, I don't, you know, I play fucking video games. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what to, what, what to tell you guys. I don't, I don't care if it's on PlayStation or if it's on Xbox. I'll play whatever the hell I feel like it, right? Um, oh, and I also, I also beat the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War campaign, Jez. That's what do you think of that? Because I didn't, I didn't, I don't play Call of Duty campaigns typically, but I have been playing the multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, so. Can, uh, I've, regale us. I've been doing a lot, man. You can tell. I've been playing a lot of video games. You know what I mean? Um. You can definitely tell they didn't have a lot of time to make a campaign. <laughs> you can definitely tell <laughs> they only had a couple years, uh, to make this game. Uh, cause it's short. I think I beat it in five hours, give or take. Uh, and it's definitely, it's, it's good. It's a good campaign. Uh, but I would say there's only one level that really stands out, um, at all. Like when I'm thinking about the levels that were in the game, there's a level later on that is really good. Um, but most of it, like, the experience of playing that game has already kind of faded from my mind. Like, it's kind of that forgettable. Um, this is, this is like part of a, a wider philosophical problem where Call of Duty probably like, so few people actually probably play the campaign. Most people are probably like me, who just get Call of Duty every year and jump straight into the multiplayer. Like, at what point do you just decide it's not worth it anymore, you know? Well, see, the thing is, like, I don't know. like, last year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like, I still remember a few of the levels, like that night level where you're, like, you know, going through the house or the level at the tank on the street, right? Like, there are levels that, um, um, there, there are levels that I remember from Modern Warfare that I, the, 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 the level, like, at the embassy that I still remember and can think on and remember points where I was like, yeah, that was really cool. This um, this uh, this this Call of Duty like yeah like I, I beat it like last weekend and I was just kind of like, there's like one section in the beginning maybe the very first level that's a little bit memorable, but other than that it's like this this Call of Duty just kind of came and went. Um, there well I'm not gonna say because I don't want to ruin the story for anybody. Um, but yeah five hours and that was that's playing on normal. And it was piss easy on normal. Like, I would imagine if you played it on a harder difficulty, you maybe would get some more time out of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, like, I, like it was it was just so easy, and it was kind of just forgettable. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you talked about the multiplayer a little bit before we started the show, and, you, and you're not necessarily a fan of it? I mean, it's, it's okay. It just plays like Call of Duty, and... I've only got so much tolerance for it. I don't know if it's just because I prefer Battlefield now or I prefer Overwatch now. And when I try and play Call of Duty, I end up just getting so frustrated. It's like, it's so weird because 
I'll get really mad at the game and I'll I'll think that I've done really badly, right? Mm-hmm. But then I'll look at the board at the end and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm number one, <laughs> I'm number two. But then I think like, even though I'm like top of the board, I was playing like so, so aggressively and and stuff that I, I feel like I didn't have fun. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's my age or something, and I've just gotten to a point where I'm just like, I'd rather play something that's a little bit more tactical or a little bit more, most collaborative maybe. Like in Overwatch, like, even if you're playing with randoms in Overwatch, you can like synergize well with a good player or a good tank or whatever. And if you're playing Battlefield, it's like, you don't have to play, it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter if you win in Battlefield. And for some reason, it makes me less salty, I guess. But Call of Duty just makes me so salty for some reason. I don't know why. I just can't really get into it anymore. Um, it's a, it's a more of a me problem. But I just, what really bugs me about Call of Duty more than anything is you get to the kill cam, and what they see is completely different to what you see because yeah. of the latency. And it's like, man, he killed me before I could even see him on my screen. I don't know if that's just Call of Duty server tech or something you have to just accept, but I never really feel like I, I've died in Overwatch or Battlefield because it was my fault. You know, you, you know? I always feel like, I mean, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like when I die in Battlefield and Overwatch, it, it was my fault. I feel like that. But whenever I die in Call of Duty, it feels like it's latency or there's some lag or something like that just because of the way the server infrastructure is I don't know but like even disregarding my personal saltiness about it I don't really like the maps and I kind of like I've looked around the Call of Duty community and a lot of people felt the same way they just feel really boring uninspired like those sort of classic Call of Duty maps that everyone remembers from like the Modern Warfare days and, and stuff like that it just doesn't feel like very inspired. I could, like, imagine this is, like, a pile of recycled assets, and I don't know. It just felt like nothing new, nothing special, nothing interesting. RTXD, gunship, getting wrecked by attack choppers constantly, basically getting farmed if you start to lose. I don't know. It's just, I'm just kind of over it, man. I don't, I don't know what more they could do to sort of change it up at this point, but at the same time, do they even need to? the best-selling game every year, year in, year out, no matter what I say, no matter what game reviewers say, no matter what anyone salty on the internet says, it's people buy it year in, year out. It's like, it's more of an institution than a game now. And, um, I don't know, every time I play it, I just don't really care that much. Like, it's so weird because last year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare was phenomenal. It was one of the best Call of Duties in a long time. Not only yeah, from I have a, I have a fun not only from campaign, and, but yeah. also the multiplayer as well as like the Warzone and like this year's Call of Duty. It's like you can definitely tell the the shorter dev time is a factor. Um, yeah, it just feels uninspired. The maps just don't feel very interesting. Like I had more fun with Modern Warfare, like you say, and maybe part of that is just because I don't know. There's an, there's almost a nostalgia factor. To when it comes to modern warfare, I don't know, but yeah. Well, Fuzzy wants to know how many endings did I play through. I, I played through both endings on uh, Call of Duty. They actually have a good ending and a bad ending, which props to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the good ending is longer, and that's obviously supposed to be the real ending. 
But there is an ending that is bad that you actually can play through, um, which is kudos to them for putting in. And it, and it does make sense from a from a story perspective. I'll give them that. Like a lot, of, like it does make 100% legit story sense to have a good and a bad ending depending on a choice you make at the end of the game. So I saw both, and then I also, and there's this really cool like level towards the end of the game where you're kind of going through. Shall we say, I'm not even going to say it, but there's different paths you can take. And I even went through all the different paths you can take in that level to see the different stuff. So, um, yeah, I played both endings. Um, I would imagine the, the one ending is going to be, you know, the good ending is going to be the, the canon ending. But uh, it was cool of them to put in the other one. Uh, Christian Tuttle says, hear me out. We give the Halo IP to Double Fine. You want Double Fine to be the owners of the, of, um, <laughs> of, uh, a payload? That'd be that'd be that'd be interesting. That, that's weirdly compelling. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why. Anyway, do it. Let's do it. Um. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I've been playing: Dirt Five and Call of Duty. Um. On the Series X, and um. Yeah. Do the what? Astro's Playroom, uh, Spider Man, and the Pathless on the PS5. And once I kind of finish off the Pathless and maybe get the Demon Souls, I'll go back to Valhalla. Um, play Valhalla because, like, I was... That's the thing so far I love about this generation. And I know this generation is a week old, but, like, the majority of games I played, in fact, all of them, are all 60 fucking frames, bro. None of the more that filmic nonsense. Like, Call of Duty is 60 frames 4K and ray tracing, although it has 120 frames mode that you can play, right, in the campaign. Um, Dirt 5... 60 frames or 120 frames if you have the TV for it, right? Uh, you know, Astro's Playroom, 60 frames. Uh, the Pathless has a performance and a resolution mode, and I don't know why you would want to play it on resolution mode because the game looks fantastic in performance and need them frames. But honestly, like, even when, like, Spider-Man is a different experience at 60 frames than at 30 frames. Like, I can't stress this enough. I don't know how, I don't know how people and maybe this is being a little bit of a snobby kind of person, but, like, I don't know how you can play Spider-Man at 30 frames, right, with all those visual features that they say it has, like ray tracing and all the extra stuff, right? And then and then you play it at 60 and think that it's a better experience at 30 frames because it is absolutely not. Like, playing at 30 frames versus at 60 frames is, like, it, it, 30 frames feels like a goddamn flip book. And you're just kind of, like, it feels like that. Like, the game, in this weird thing, had changed the performance mode to resolution mode on me. So I'm sitting here playing Spider-Man, I'm like, why does this feel bad? Why does this feel wrong? And I'm like, eh. And I was like, wait, like, and so I went in the settings, and it had switched back on to resolution mode, so it was running at 30 frames. And I'm like, all right, now I'm going to put it back in performance. And it's like, I don't know, like, and it's like, it was so smooth, like, and, and the... And honestly, like, the game, when you play it in 60 versus 30, it, it doesn't look so much worse than, you know, losing the ray tracing and all that stuff. Like, the game looks phenomenal in, in 60 frames mode. Uh, I don't get it. I don't get the people that say they can't see 60 versus 30 frames because, Jesus Christ, if you play the same game back-to-back at 30 and 60 and, and you tell me you can't see the difference or feel the difference... That's crazy, bro. That's that's crazy. 
you know? Like, I, ray tracing, get rid of it. Don't even care. Give me 60 frames. That's why I'm disappointed, like, something like Watch Dogs Legion doesn't have a 60 frames mode. Like, disable ray tracing and just give me 60 frames. I don't Fuck know. a Philistine. Ray tracing 30s where it's at, man. No, it's not. One of those beautiful vistas, all those <laughs> It's the new filmic, baby. No, it's not. It's tracing 60 frames. frames. 60 frames all day, every day. Uh, I, 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 again, it comes back to the whole sort of debate about, you know, I don't care about frame rate in a single-player game. Playing Call of Duty, yeah, give me the frames. But I'm playing a single-player game, I want to be immersed. I want to be immersed, man. Yeah, give but... Give me those rays. But like, I, want, I want to look in a window but, and see my reflection. But Spider-Man, the swinging is better with... The, the you know the sixty frames nah, the combat is nah. superior the combat is superior because you need fake to be quick news. like you are fake news no 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 anyways no. like sixty fake frames news. please and I will I will say there there's been one bad experience about the PS5 most of my experience has been uh, good for the most part um like it has to download system updates right and I mentioned before last time last week that the very first system update took four hours to download. And it was just like, oh, I just want to play. I just, why is this taking four hours to download, right? Which is weird because once I got in, I downloaded 40 gigabytes of Spider-Man Miles Morales in 10 minutes, right? And I was just like, that's weird. So then they released a second system update. And that took three hours to download, Jez. Right? It's probably because, like... Everyone I don't think is so. trying to download it at the same time. I don't think so. It no? took three hours to download. Like, so this is two system updates that have taken three to four hours to download that are 800 megabits, right? And then, megabits. like, I bought the Pathless, which is five gigs, and it downloaded in five seconds. I mean, five minutes. So I don't understand what's going on, why my system updates take third, like three to four hours to download when games that are 40 gigabytes take ten minutes. I don't understand if, like, if there's a problem somewhere on in my PlayStation Five. Like, I, I like, and I, I kind of want to think there is, but then can there be when it's already when it's downloading the games and what is like normal speed for my Wi-Fi? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Have you looked on Sony's website to see if there's specific ports you need open for their updates? No, I, no, I haven't okay. done that. I haven't done that. But anyways, well, maybe you should do that. That's um. That's that's kind of been my experience uh, with the PS5. So I know a lot of people are saying, hey, it took five minutes and all that stuff. But, I mean, it took three hours for me. So, I mean, I don't know. I, it's like I hope they don't really put out a lot of system updates because I don't want to have to go through that the whole time. Anyways, so that's, uh, that's the games we've been playing. If you enjoyed it, you know, if you're uh, sitting here waiting for us to talk about all the good topics, make sure you hit the like button, share this out, social media, subscribe, hit the notification bell. You know what to do. And, uh, yeah, I love video games so much, Jez. I honestly do. Like, I know, like, Pretty the good. last last few months, yeah. there hasn't been much to play, and it's kind of been down on stuff, but now that the games are here, oh, my God. Like, love it, love it. Like, so much to play, so much to do, so many different games. Um, DJ says, stop playing on Wi-Fi, Rand. That's terrible. Well, unfortunately, that's the only way I can get my Series X and PS5 is uh, on Wi-Fi, so... Ew. Wi-Fi? Uh-huh. See, you're sitting there, you're sitting there complaining about 30 frames a second and you play with Wi-Fi. I mean, what does it matter if you're playing single player on Wi-Fi, Jazz? You're not competitive. 
Yeah, because you can't play it at all because you downloaded an update. Yeah, but the thing is, the update takes three hours. But when you I down- have... when I download forty gigs through Wi-Fi, it takes uh oh. fucking ten minutes. You have filmic updates. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Either way, I mean, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, I'll, I'll eventually have them both all wired and stuff. But right now, uh, they both have to be, they both have to be wireless for right now. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wi-Fi sucks. Yeah. Normally, everything would be wired, but I can't do that right at this current moment. So, Jess, let's start talking about some of this stuff. And stuff is good. I'm going to, we're going to start with uh, a rumor that the one and only Hazor sent me that I sent to you because I thought it was just completely bull, but it's it's something funny to talk about. Uh, Square Enix selling all their stuff to Ubisoft because of how bad Marvel Ooh. Avengers bombed. How viable I... do you think this is, Jazz Corden? Okay, so this is a 4chan rumor. Yes. So we most never people... believe anything No. <laughs> No. It's a rule of thumb. However, um, just for the sake of the podcast and the sake of discussing it, I really like this rumor because uh, Square Enix bad, Ubisoft good, basically. Um, I have been so depressed with Square Enix handling of Deus Ex. Um, they offloaded IO and uh, Hitman. And, it's you know, with that in mind... Is it a stretch to think they would offload the rest of it? Um, I don't think so. How do you screw up an IP like uh, Hitman, you know? Like, how how do you do it? Clearly, Square Enix doesn't really... I don't know. They sort of haven't had a much luck with their Western games, let's say. And um, they've been... They've had more success with their sort of RPG, like their JRPGs and stuff like that. Obviously, they make Dragon Quest, which is absolutely massive in Japan. Like, I had no idea how big Dragon Quest actually was. Did, are you aware of this, Ram? What? Aware of what? Are you aware? Are you aware of how big Dragon Quest is in Japan? No, I'm, like, not, I'm not aware. I mean, I know it's big. I mean, how big is it? Bigger than Final Fantasy. It's bigger than Final Fantasy. So it's like the biggest. Is it the biggest Japanese franchise there is? Essentially, no. Or the biggest like JRPG franchise. I think that's Pokemon. If we're calling Pokemon a JRPG. Right. But like it's basically Dragon Quest is like a cultural you know thing there. They had a, there was like a there was like a national holiday for when a Dragon Quest game launched one at one point apparently. Um, but my friend who is uh, well versed in Japanese culture assures me that this is this game is massive, and the fact that it's coming to Game Pass is uh, also massive. So that's uh, interesting. But going back to the rumor. The fact that they offloaded IO and Hitman certainly does seem to suggest there is a precedent for them wanting to offload some of their Western IP and devs. And, uh, you know, we all know how terribly Marvel's Avengers did. Like, how do you screw up one of the biggest IPs in the world? I don't know. Square Enix managed to do it. They so, screwed up Deus Ex as well. Yeah, and screwed up Deus Ex, one of my favorite franchises. So, I would love it if Square Enix gave Tomb Raider... Soul Reaver, Deus Ex, all those games to Ubisoft. Because A, Ubisoft finally gets some new IP to play with rather than having to build up their own. Because building new IP is hard. B, Ubisoft games are good. But they're kind of, you know, they're beating that Assassin's Creed drum to death. You know, they're beating it to death. What if they could make something a little bit more focused around plot? Something a little bit more, you know, 
wide linear with hubs like JSX. That'd be pretty cool. I'd love to see what Ubisoft's team could do with that. And, um, you know, I'd love to see what Ubisoft's management style, how that could support, like, the IDOS and the teams there. Because, let's face it, whatever Square Enix Corporate is doing with IDOS and uh, some of their other devs, it ain't working. It ain't working, baby. So, I don't know. Uh, this rumor's probably BS, like a lot of 4chan stuff. But I'm for it, man. I'm for it. What do you think? Here's the thing. I really like a lot of Square Enix games. And, like, when you see something like this, right, based on the fact, like, hey, one of our games bombs. Like, the, the idea of, like, one game bombing, so we need to sell off the entire uh, IP that we own from the Western operations, obviously that raises a little bit of red flags for me. It's in the same way that, like, uh, it's a 4chan rumor where it's like, and the guy literally sets off video game insider here, folks. Like, <laughs> you know, like literally, I, I sent you the picture, and it's like, video game insider here. Uh, Square Enix posted horrible losses because of Marvel Avengers, and we'll be selling its IP to Ubisoft. Like, please. Hang on a sec. Are you telling me that you don't introduce yourself as a video game insider whenever you, you know, meet someone new? Whenever I meet somebody new, like when I go to the post office and they're like, can I help us next? And I go up there and I'm like, video game insider here would like to mail something across the nation. Yeah, man, I do that. I do that all the time. What are you talking about? Yeah, um, obviously I think Marvel Avengers was a big bust for, uh, Square. Like, huge bust, right? Um, yeah. I don't know if that game's ever going to recover. I mean, they can try with the Cape Bishop DLC. Remember how people were pissed off about the whole Spider-Man thing, and now nobody cares about Avengers whatsoever? I just find it highly unlikely that because one game bombed, that they would start, like, selling off all their important IPs, because companies rarely, if ever, sell off their IP. You know what I mean? So when I look at it like that... Well, like, that's what I mean. They, they, there's a precedent for it with Hitman. That's all. Well, I don't think... Well, see, I don't think they gave away Hitman. I still think they licensed Hitman to uh, IO Interactive. I don't think IO Interactive owns it outright. I'm pretty sure it's a licensing sure? deal. Yes. I'm pretty sure. Mm. I'm pretty sure. That's... Hang on. I know... I, trust me. Trust me. I, I, know, I know you can go find an article where they say that, but also when you look at some of the stuff, it, 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 like... I've seen the fine print where it says that, like, Hitman is a, you know, registered trademark of Square, and that they're licensing it to IO Interactive. Either way. Well, damn. Well, damn what? I didn't know that. I thought they owned it outright. I don't think they own it outright. No, I could be wrong on that. I think, um, I mean, maybe I am wrong. I, I know people will be like, well, here's the, uh, Here's the information, but uh, either way, the sell off, it's one thing to sell off one IP, but it's another thing to sell off like all of their own IP. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ubisoft, would you really want Ubisoft to be the ones to take it? The, the, the company that has basically turned every one of their franchises into the same thing, a variation of every single same game. Like, you're telling me that you want a Deus Ex, open world Deus Ex, uh, with powers to go climb and, and clear the fog, like, that essentially is, like, Valhalla, uh, or, or open-world Tomb Raider that plays, like, you know, very similar to, like, maybe Immortals or whatever. Like, that's the thing. It's, like, not that, like, I would be against them selling their IP. Obviously, I'd be, like, if if Square Enix was selling, I'd be, like, yo, Xbox, you need to 
maybe like put a bit in there, get some studios, get some of those IPs. You know, Tomb Raider's all about nostalgia. So is Deus Ex, right? No, but dude, man, man, let, let's let's hold the phone here for a moment, fam, because Microsoft has barely shipped any games with all these new studios they've got. Do you really want to overload them with more IP that can just leave there dormant for a million years? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just saying, I just don't I just don't think Ubisoft would be the better approach because they'll just turn every single game into the same game. Not saying that I wouldn't be uh, okay with them selling their IP to somebody, just not Ubisoft. You I well, mean, you have to, you have to presume, right? That the, if we, if it's for the sake of humoring this rumor is true, that they are they are also selling the studios, right? I mean, potentially. Obviously, if they're selling the IP, I would imagine they're selling the studios. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's what it implies. Oh, my God, I'm dead. But that's what it implies. You know, they're they're buying the studios. And maybe the studio could be like, yeah, this is how you make a Tomb Raider game. And Ubisoft's like, oh, it is possible to make a game that is open world without towers. It is possible, you know. And, um... (laughs) And from that, Ubisoft invests in the IDOS management structure, and instead of dictating them to them that every game has to be open world with towers and loot and all that stuff, maybe they could just let them make their own game without Square Enix saying, yo, this needs microtransactions, yo, this needs a multiplayer mode, yo, where's the where's the engagement opportunity here? But you've got to remember, Square Enix is, it's a mobile, they're a mobile-oriented dev now. Like, a lot of people don't think about this stuff, but Square Enix, they're a mobile dev, you know? All their biggest games are on mobile, like Final Fantasy Brave Exodus and all these all these other weird mobile games they do. That's where Square Enix makes a lot of their money. Not necessarily from their console games anymore. Those times, those times be done, man. Those times are over. So, um, Ubisoft, while I, I can see the concern, that they might turn Deus Ex into an open-world game with towers. I also think there's literally nobody else that could take it on right now. I wouldn't want Microsoft to have it, because Mark's Xbox Game Studios, I'm sorry, still unproven to me. Um, who are you going to give that game to? Like, every every dev seems to have problems, you know, shipping games right now from Xbox Game Studios. Halo Infinite delayed, and all, you know, as, as an example. And then the rest of the games are, like, service-driven. Um, do you really want to give, like, do you want to give Obsidian, um, Deus Ex when they've got, like, so much on their plate already? Try, trying to make a service game with Grounded, and then you've got Avowed on the horizon, and God knows what else they're making. There's, like, another project they're making, isn't it? Like, a third project. I suppose, like, you could buy, you could buy a studio and fold it into Obsidian, and then have that team make Deus Ex or whatever. I don't know. But, I don't know. Some... I, I just don't have a lot of faith in Xbox Game Studios at the moment. But, I don't know. Either way, it's academic round, and you know why? Why? Because the 4chan rumor, it's all bullshit anyway. Yeah, I know. It was just, it was just something funny to discuss, like, Video Game Insider here. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing you. Don't be uh, surprised if websites start breaking this news later, and I'm sure probably some website is done, you know, looking for clicks and stuff will be like, Rumor? You know, Square Enix to sell to Ubisoft. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> right? Anyways, I thought that'd be a little fun. Um, 
So you know, you know when, you said, when you said yeah, okay, sure, my brain pulled that gif of that woman from the Hunger Jennifer Games. Jennifer Lawrence. Saying, yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, fine. yeah. Okay. My brain literally pulled that gif into my head. <laughs> so it was Jennifer Lawrence with your voice, and now I'm seriously creeped out. Yeah, I would be <laughs> creeped out too. Um, so uh, the Xbox supply issues, Jez. Uh, basically, mm. all the consoles are sold out, right? Um, CFO, which we will be talking about, uh, about the Bethesda exclusivity in, in a little bit, um, basically said that supply will be, it'll be hard to come, it'll be hard to get an Xbox probably up until around May. And then there was the announcement that a lot of games got delayed that were supposed to be Xbox exclusives, right? Yeah. Uh, Crossfire X. Like, originally supposed to come out this year, but then it kind of got to October and September, and we're like, yo, when is uh, Crossfire X supposed to come out? And they were just deadly, they were just silent. Well, now, it come, they don't even have a date, it's just 2021. Uh, Medium got delayed because Cyberpunk's like, nah, bitch, this is our release date now. And, so, and Medium's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, what is Medium gonna do? Yeah, they're speaking so they, they, they move a month a month and a half later, right? But then there were also supposed to be some very high-quality indies that Xbox were supposed to have first. Um, Tunic was supposed to be launching with the console, though, like, clearly that didn't happen, and they haven't really said anything about it since. But Annapurna Interactive, which is one of the best indie uh, publishers out there, like, alongside Devolver Digital, in my opinion, like, usually when those two companies release a game, you can expect, it to be a very, very good game. And coincidentally, The Pathless, which is the game I'm currently playing on PS5, is published by Annapurna Interactive. You know, there's just some games, you know, just know, like, there's some, like, publishers out there, like, when they release a game, it's like, yeah, they picked up that game because they know it's really good. Oh, and before I forget, uh, since we were, we were, we kind of mentioned IO Interactive a little bit ago, right? Because uh, you mentioned the Hitman stuff, like, they own Hitman. They announced a new game this week. Yeah, that? Though, that, that is something that I, A, I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody expected. It does make a lot of sense. The Hitman oh. devs making a Bond game? Now, however, uh, someone said to me, are we sure this isn't going to be, uh, this Bond game isn't going to be just Agent 47 with hair in a suit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Point. But I also kind of like that idea. <laughs> No, the idea the idea makes perfect sense. When you think about it, like, yeah, you know what? Why not? I Interactive, the makers of Hitman, making a Bond game where you're, you know, a secret agent. But the thing is, with, with Hitman, Hitman's all about being precise and being low profile, right? Bond's all about action. At least, at least like, in the beginnings. Like, sure, you can go through a mission covert. But then usually, at some point, all hell breaks loose, and then it's like an action film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I.O. do action stuff like that? Yeah, like, I know they did Kane and Lynch, and that's more action-y. Uh, it's going to be really... something random. I'd love a new Kane and Lynch game. I mean, Kane and Lynch is pretty cool. I, I will say that. Um, Faisal says, does the delay have to do with performance, and the console still needs to patching and updating, and they don't want the games to unperform? Uh, we'll be talking about that. Uh, we have some 
some things to say about it because, geez, I don't know about how it is with you, Jez, but my DMs lately have just been filled with people upset about the Series X and Xbox in general lately. Like the whole Bethesda uh, non-committal about if they're exclusive or if they'll be on PlayStation and combining that with the fact that the world's most powerful console, 12 teraflops, uh, games are running better on PlayStation. It's got people a little bit upset. And my DMs basically have people coming to me trying to, what's going on here, Rand? Like, what, what? And I, I don't know what to say to these people. Like, I, I'm, like, I don't know. Like, I've, I mean, I can guess at the exclusivity thing and give my personal opinion on it, but like, and I can say what I've heard about, you know, the hardware, but like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And then, and I also get DMs from people like, hey, you know, we have the same TV and I'm having this issue. What do you think? Which I'll respond to. Uh, and then people will be like, hey, my Series X doesn't work. What do you think I should do? And I'm just like, bro, I would contact Xbox support. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Do your DMs like that? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I can actually help a lot of, with a lot of Xbox support questions because we cover that stuff and I have to research that stuff a lot. So, I'm always happy to help when it comes to that stuff, but sometimes it's like the problem is like so complicated that I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You closed your DMs too. I did, but I've opened them again though. You opened them again. I closed them for, I closed them for a little while because I got a little bit like, oh man, I got so much work to do. Can't reply to everything. And I feel bad when I can't reply, but at the same time. Got work to do sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Case by case basis says just when Xbox's own CFO has me down about Bethesda, Jim Ryan comes in for the rescue. Him not knowing tells me Xbox hasn't promised them anything. Um, well, it's a big topic. We got a lot to say about it. Um, but yeah, back to the delays. So, Anaparent Interactive delayed the last stop, Darkfall Escape, and 12 minutes. So you have those three games plus the medium plus Crossfire X, games that were essentially supposed to be around the launch of the Xbox Series X, but wasn't uh, potentially because, you know, devs need more time, COVID's still a thing, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you have the supply issues that we've talked about that might be alleviated in May. And I know a lot of people probably won't like me saying this, but it's probably for the best because you don't need those games now or Xbox doesn't need those games now because... The hardware is completely sold out. Um, those, I mean, th- it would be great to have those games. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but it would definitely probably serve Xbox better if those games came out sometime next year because who knows what Xbox's lineup is for 2021. I mean, I got Halo Infinite, you got Psychonauts 2, you have Crossfire X, and you have these three indie games and stuff like that. But you, you get the point I'm trying to make, and I, I know you kind of agreed with me uh, about this last week when we, we talked about it a little bit, yeah? Yeah, I mean it's 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 like you say they they kind of don't need those games right now. If you if you've got like a, a stock issue where you don't have enough, you know, you don't have enough supply to meet demand, maybe you save those games. I mean, they're not going to arbitrarily push them back, but it's kind of good. It's like you say, it's a good thing that they're delayed because now they'll have more to advertise with the console when the stock actually comes back in and demand wanes and all that sort of stuff. So. <clears throat> You know, it's just another one of those, it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. 
Interesting. Anyways, um, so you want to talk about the games running better on PS5 thing? Yeah, let's do it. You see, it, man. okay, so when you give companies like Digital Foundry early access and you set up Digital Foundry as like the, what's the word I'm looking for here, Jez? The, um, the truth. Sarah. What, the narrator? Is he, is he, is the truth, truth bearer. The, the, yeah, like the truth bearer of all things hardware and, and, and game related and performance because Xbox says, They've kind of done that with them, right? They're, they they gave the exclusive reveal of the Xbox One X specs to them before anybody else, let them try out some games, uh, gave them the Series X early, flew them out to you know Xbox headquarters, let them play around with the system, play some games alongside Austin Evans, right? So Digital Foundry, in essentially this short amount of time, has kind of been like, uh, the standard bearer or the truth of performance of games essentially for, for the next gen consoles, right? So you live by Digital Foundry, you die by Digital Foundry, right? And, um, you know, uh, apparently, uh, Valhalla runs better on PlayStation 5 and it's an Xbox marketed game and Xbox has, you know, it's a more powerful system, all that stuff. I mean, there's talks that Watch Dogs Legion is running better on PS5. I think the 120 frames mode runs better on Call of Duty. Um, I think, like, 120 frames mode ran better on uh, Devil May Cry 5 as well. And people are kind of, like, scratching their heads, wondering what's going on. Like, how how can this be possible? Is, is there another reason why? Um, are the dev kits just better for PlayStation? And we... There's been some talk from a lot of developers that it's just easier to get their games up and running on PlayStation 5 than it is on Xbox. You've talked about on this podcast about how Xbox switched over to, what, the GDK or some shit? Um, or yeah, Game, game Core. Yeah. Game Core. Which is the change from what, everybody, what the developers were used to uh, for the Xbox One gen, and that also has some issues, and Xbox was late with the dev kits and all that stuff. Um but have you are you hearing anything about any of the performance stuff uh, for Series X? Is Microsoft worried uh, that you know, like, because I had always heard that hey, the truth will come out. Um, you know, Microsoft was very much uh, shouting from the rooftops uh, that you know they had full RDNA two feature set, and Sony never came out and said otherwise. So. It, that you know, like, because if that wasn't the case, then I'm sure Sony would have disputed it, but they never did, uh, leading it to leading everyone to believe that, hey, well, Microsoft's being honest here. Um, so, what do you think is going on with this issue of a more powerful console essentially not running games as good as a uh, the lesser console, in power wise, that is? Well, you know, we always say we're not a high tech super duper podcast like I don't know I don't, I ain't confident enough with my knowledge of the technical aspects all I can do is look at a spreadsheet and then ask one of our experts to tell me okay what's better and like if you look at the if you look at the specs and the spreadsheet and all that sort of stuff on paper Xbox comes out on top however and this is the big the big however which has got everyone upset it's just a bunch of comparisons that don't seem to be the case. Assassin's Creed 
performing better on PlayStation, amongst other games. Observer, I believe, performs better on PlayStation. I've been playing Observer, uh, oh, that's another game I've been playing. I've been playing Observer, which is scary as hell. I'm struggling to get through it. I got to a part in Observer where I need to go into a basement, and I'm just like, nah, nah, I'm not going down there. But anyway, um, I digress. It doesn't perform well in the Series X. There are parts in that game which chug all the way down to 20 frames a second, and then it'll shoot all the way back up to 60 frames a second. It's just, it's just strange. Like, the performance on that game is really odd. Um, but, you know, I don't have any sources who've sort of been able to explain fully why this is. So, all we can do really is speculate. And some of the things you can speculate on is RDNA 2, not as mature as RDNA 1, maybe. Microsoft's dev tools, not as mature as Sony's dev tools, maybe. That was certainly was a rumor, I remember hearing back in the day, that um, Microsoft's dev tools were coming in hot, and that they weren't finished, and that they weren't ready. I remember a lot of people pointing to that as a rumor. Maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't. I have no idea. Um, so, but I'm kind of like at the point where it's kind of like, well, Microsoft, you guys said this was the most powerful console, you guys have to prove it now. And thus, thusly far, it's not been the case. So it's like you say, live by this foundry, die by this foundry. So will those games get an update when Microsoft further optimizes the dev kit or whatever? I have no idea. Um, are Microsoft going to comment on it? Probably not. Um, I could reach out and ask for an official, official comment, but I, you know, Highly doubt they would reply with anything, you know, meaningful. But just have to wait and see. I certainly believe still, over the course of the generation, Xbox should win out. Because mathematically, it should, right? As far as we know. But we also don't know. Because we don't know what the dev tools look like and all that, all those other extraneous factors. And it just goes into, it just goes into prove but what is down on paper ain't necessarily what the what happens in the real world, you know. It's like um, when, uh, for example, one one of the one of the big things in the processor world right now is Apple's M1 chip for its MacBooks, right? And um, they they were slamming Intel in the in their own internal benchmarks. So like on paper, the MacBook looks like some super powerful, you know super machine, but that doesn't necessarily always translate into the the real world reality of things, because you've got drivers to consider, will developers actually port things natively for that architecture, stuff like that. And um, maybe Xbox is being tripped up by some of that stuff, but I have no idea. I have literally no idea. So, if you are upset about the, the power disparity, the only thing you can do, really, is try and reach out to Phil and those those guys on Twitter, and ask them for an explanation, because I sure as hell don't know. <laughs> and I don't think you know either, do you, Rand? Um, I'm not surprised that the games actually run better on PlayStation at launch. Like, mm. knowing that, essentially, PlayStation didn't change anything, and it was just kind of a continuation of the tools that they've been using for a while, and Xbox, wait, because... Even months and months ago, we had heard that Xbox has waited a very long time to get the full feature set, 
suite from AMD. Right. And that yeah. combining that with them switching over from, you know, their, their, um, what you mentioned, like, uh, era to whatever the hell the new one's called, Game Core. Like, I kind of figured there would be, especially in a year with uh, everybody working from home, and you're talking about new hardware, and you're also throwing at them, like, a new new dev tools when, like, the previous, when the other system is basically just a continuation of what is currently there, but just better. I'm not surprised that the games came out and are essentially performing uh, very similarly with a little bit better on PlayStation. Now, Gunstar has a question saying that, like, when can we expect a game that actually takes full advantage of the tech claims Xbox has made? Uh, essentially, when the cross-gen ends. Because you're not going to see it, uh, any of that stuff anytime soon. And, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but I would say probably 2022. Because the majority of the games that are come out this year and next year are all going to be cross-gen. All games that were essentially made with Xbox One and PS4 in mind from the very beginning and built around those ideas and just, you know, ported or upgraded to the next-gen systems. Um, one thing that um, one thing that uh, someone did say to me when I asked them why Watch Dogs Legion isn't 60 frames per second or, or whatever, is that, like, one of the things developers can do right now, and this is something you're going to see with Cyberpunk, is that for Xbox, they can take an Xbox One X version of a game and they can bolt Xbox Series X features onto it, even though it's not fully native, which is why Cyberpunk on Xbox Series X will have some extra features visually when compared to the Xbox One X. But they're still going to do a native Series X version next year, because that's what you need to do to get full advantage of the system. And again, I'm a dev, so... A lot of this stuff is like just what I've been told by people who are working on some of these games, and I don't understand that stuff. If I did understand that stuff, I might be developing games that are writing about them. <laughs> so I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say Aaron claims to be an expert, but <clears throat> you know, just it's just one of those things, you know. But yeah. it's it's on, it's on Microsoft, you know, it's on Microsoft. If it if it upsets you or makes you mad. Microsoft sold the console based on its power and it's not delivering. You gotta let them know, man. I mean, this what this podcast is for. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's their problem. They've lived by product truth. They've gave all their stuff to Digital Foundry to analyze. And, uh, you know, the truth is the PlayStation runs games better right now. There's no one else who can explain that other than Microsoft, so. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's the thing. They're the ones out there talking about the most powerful console ever, and, and that they wanted that, they wanted that feather in their cap. They wanted it to be the most powerful, and they wanted to be, um, you know, and they wanted the cheapest system, right? And they did that, at least so we thought. Um, so I'm not surprised that people are upset with, like, the idea of, like, hey, wait a minute, you said, uh, these games, you said it was 12 teraflops of power, and we thought all these third-party games would run better, right? Maybe nobody thought there would be a significant, like, a difference between the two, right? Like, I, I'm not sure anybody really uh going to, like, I'm not sure, like, anybody, like, thought there would be, like, 
essentially what happened with the Xbox One and the PS PS4 at the beginning, like 720p versus 1080p, where it was like a significant like resolution. Time. Yeah, it, I, people, I always thought it was more going to be like a few frames here and there. Like, so it is surprising when I was watching. You know, even though like in the back of my mind I was like I wouldn't be surprised if the PS5 games run better. It was. It's not that surprising when I watched Digital Foundry do a walkthrough of Assassin's Creed and the Xbox version is consistently lower frame rate to the point where like they're to the point where like John and those guys are, are essentially sitting there like what is going on here like is there is there something else going on behind the scenes with the system is there problems elsewhere because like this shouldn't be happening you know what i mean like on paper mm-hmm. like you said like you, they even mentioned that in their kind of their 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 talk about Devil May Cry. It's like, like it's a strange thing. So it makes me wonder, like you know, maybe maybe in a month's time, two months time, maybe it's something on Microsoft's end that's easily fixable, that just wasn't ready for launch or something, or you know. Dude, there's like there's loads of little bugs that like the more you use the Xbox One, the more little bugs you find. Like the the game DVR, for example, if you try and run the game DVR 4K HDR, it, it just shits the bed. It just doesn't work. So I've, like, had to set my game DVR to, like, 1080p SDR just to get my clips uploaded to Twitter and stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of little bugs that have sort of appeared over time. Like, um, right now, there's a bug on the public the public ring where headsets with Xbox Wireless are really buggy and don't connect properly. However, that's fixed on the alpha ring for me. Like, it, it works for me because, I, I don't know, it's just fixed. But for people who aren't on the alpha ring, it's it's broken right now. And uh, there's a lot of little bugs like that flying around. So, I don't know. Maybe it could be a platform bug that's, you know, hurting performance. Maybe there needs to be a driver update. I have no idea. Just have to wait and see. But if it keeps, if it keeps happening consistently for, for, like, for years, Microsoft's going to have to give up that most powerful console thing because it's going to mean nothing. Yep. It means nothing if real if the real world performance, the end user experience ain't there. And Xbox fans are like probably rightfully defensive about it because, you know, lo- lose the narrative on exclusives completely. You know, Microsoft doesn't have an answer for like God of War, The Last of Us still, ever. Maybe, maybe never, you know, don't know. Um, so they had the narrative on power, Xbox One X widely more powerful than the PS4 Pro. Um, but now they see that whole narrative slipping. You, you brought up a good point about Xbox One X because I the Xbox One X had games that performed significantly better than their PlayStation 4 Pro counterparts. Now, not every game. A lot of developers yeah. chose, chose parity. But there was quite a lot of games where developers went out of their way to make the games run better or look better uh, given time, like Red Dead Redemption 2 is just one of them, but even stuff like Wolfenstein, there are a collection of games that run and look significantly better on the, the One X and the, than versus the PS4 Pro. And I think developers want their games to perform the best and look the best that they possibly can. So with that in mind, I do think there's some tr- like some truth to. Uh, what we've been talking about. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some issue on Microsoft's end that once gets fixed, uh, will the games will suddenly run better. Or maybe it's a developer issue. Like, well, it can't really be a developer issue because a lot of these games have a lot of problems. Or like, so I think 
I think when that stuff is kind of ironed out, that I wouldn't be surprised if those games all of a sudden get updated and start running better for the Series X versus PS5. Just based on, like, how developers made their games look and run better on the One X. And then Microsoft, for whatever reason, decided to change their, you know, uh, format or whatever. And in in a year with, like, COVID, it's just like everybody's rushing for launch. It's probably not a surprise that the, the, the system that did that is not performing as well as the ones who kind of just kept it the way it is. So I think we'll see. I think I think sometime next year maybe we'll see uh, games get updated and then suddenly like Digital Foundry having to do a relook at Assassin's Creed Odyssey because now it holds 60 frames instead of dropping. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think mean, it's definitely possible, but you know we'll have to wait and see. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Anyways, yeah. moving on from that because it's tech stuff. I don't know. Dealer and Cult are better at that than than we ever are. But that's just kind of. <laughs> That's just kind of what I'm thinking uh, uh, along those sides. So, I mean, people, I understand people being angry because that's what Microsoft kind of sold the Series X as. But, like, I mean, it's not living up to the expectations of a third party plays best here. Uh, it's not true just yet. Maybe it will be true. Maybe it won't. But I, I think I think eventually it will be. Um, but, yeah. Um, the Game Awards, Jez. The Game Awards. The Game Awards. Do you mean the Windows Central Game Awards? Not the Windows Central Game Awards. This is the Jeff Keighley oh. Video Game Insider Game Awards, right? Oh, you mean the second best awards. The second best awards, yes. Um, <laughs> so, look, I, I actually like the Game Awards, and I appreciate what Jeff Keighley's trying to do for the video game industry. I know a lot of people don't like him because he's a Sony dude, and, I mean, he very much is, but... Um, I don't. I I I I really like Jeff Keighley, and I like the Game Awards. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, what happens here. Now, what do you think was the biggest notable snub for Game of the Year, Jez? Well, Rand, you're gonna put it like that. Quite clearly, it was strange that uh, Ori wasn't, mm. you know, given given a spot. With those other games, I personally think. So, because, uh, yeah. Game of the year, right? It's always the category people pay the most attention to. Sure, you have, like, best game direction and best narrative and art direction and score and music, which I'm sure score and music, Ori's going to win that. If, if, if Ori and the Will of the Wisps does not win best score and music, then there's something wrong. As good as the music is in, in Doom and Eternal, Doom Eternal and Last of Us Part Two. Like, Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Gareth Coker's uh, music is just so far beyond all these other games, right? Uh, best audio design, best performance, uh, games for impact and stuff. Like, these are all cool awards. But the one that everybody kind of focused on is Game of the Year. So, to nobody's surprise, Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima were nominated for Game of the Year, right? Last of Us Part Two, people went gaga over... I don't know, it was like a, like a 94 or something on, on Metacritic, 93. People were like, I remember people praising this game to death. And while the gameplay is phenomenal, uh, I thought the story was juvenile at best. Uh, I mean, I got so many problems with the story of this game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of people hold this up as like, this is true art for video games, and I'm just... I don't know. I feel like the story was was essentially written by a 15-year-old. Like, the way... 
we'd have to go into like a spoiler talk about Last of Us Part Two, but like, I'm not a fan of the story direction in that game whatsoever. I thought it was like very heavy-handed, and like, if the point was to turn Ellie into a completely evil bitch, then well, they they 100% nailed uh, the whole uh, aspect then. But yeah, I. I, I just I have some issues with <laughs> with the Last of Us Part Two uh, being. I don't like it. Yeah, it's just it, like Last of Us Part One was an amazing game. Like I when that one, I think that one game of the year in 2013. I might be mistaken, um, and it should like the relationship between Ellie and Joel in that game has never been done better than any other video game like ever made. Like a relationship between two people. Um, and they kind of completely ruined that in the sequel, even though the gameplay is phenomenal. Like, it's one of the best stealth games you could play and ask for, um, and it's clearly a lot of money. But, like, the story, like, it's just it's just bad. And it's not ba- I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, like, the whole, like, social justice. I'm not even talking about, like, that stuff. Like, I don't care about Abby and or, or that the fact that what happens to Joel or anything like that. I'm just talking about the story. It like I think the story is bad. And so while I'm not surprised to see it here and it probably will win game of the year, I wouldn't vote for it. Right? And then we have Animal Crossing New Horizons. What the is this game doing on this list? <laughs> why is Animal... I understand why Animal Crossing Come is here. On. It's another 90 Metacritic game. And Nintendo Nintendo people love it. And, and journalists love it. They love to just go around in, in their little world. I'm, I'm sorry. Animal Crossing? Boo. Boo. Come on, man. Animal Crossing deserves to be there. Because it came out during this awful lockdown pandemic. And it was just like this nice little island escape. And maybe maybe that shouldn't count towards it winning game of the year, but uh, I don't know, man. There's some I I didn't play much of it because it's not my kind of game. I did play a fair bit, and I completely agree that it deserves to be in that that list. Yeah, personally, um, RDX says, see the cool game console coming out. I have not seen that. No, like, animal. Like I understand. Like essentially, these nominees were exactly what I thought was going to be. It, like, the only game that was surprising in any way, actually none of these games are surprising. The, like, the biggest snubs, like you said, were Ori and Half-Life Alex. Because Half-Life Alex kind of seemed to be the seminal moment for VR, right? The return of Half-Life, uh, this VR experience that you can, you never had had before, and it was like, it felt like a shoo-in for Game of the Year. Like, highly rated on Metacritic. But maybe not enough people played it to really kind of get the votes needed. Yeah, um, I think like how, explain to us how the voting works because I'm not really it's not exactly just Jeff Keighley. No, Jeff Keighley. It's it's a I think it's like a, a Jeff Keighley doesn't vote in any of this stuff. I know a lot of people like always accuse him of that. Um, but it's like a there's a bunch of websites uh, that. That, a bunch uh, of pro games. Yeah, generally. a bunch of like websites from around the world. <laughs> I I think I'll vote on these things, and I'm not really 100 percent about how sure how the nominees are picked, but I think it's a. I think they send in their top like one, two, three, 
and then they tally them up, and then the ones get the most votes gets the nominees, and then like they pick, you know, one of the nominees. Like here's the vote for the the winner. I think it's something like that. I could be wrong. Somebody might correct me in chat, right? Um, so then we have Ghost of Tsushima. You should ask someone, I guess. Yeah, you should. So some of our like I think because I'm part of Future, right? Which own PC Gamer and Games Radar. I think those websites do get a vote. So I could I could just ask them how it works. I don't get a vote because I'm scum, but those pro game journalists they sure get a vote. However, the problem is these pro game journalists. They don't seem to like Xbox very much. And, uh, you know, and a lot, like you say, probably don't own VR headsets. So, it comes a point that, you know, there is, there is a bias there against the VR because they probably don't own it. And is that VR's fault? Should the game of the year not, should a game not win game of the year because game journalists didn't have access to it? I don't know. It's it kind of it kind of points to the the way that the way the media is for the film industry and the way awards are given in the film industry. There's still such a wide gulf in maturity between the way video games and media film is co- are covered. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. That's a whole other conversation, though. So then, Ghost of Tsushima is nominated. Which, if I had to pick right now for my game of the year, it would be Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I love that mm-hmm. game. I think it's great. Um, and that's saying something considering, uh, I have it above Ori 2, but then again, I played Ori 2 when it had a lot of problems. Um, but Ori would be my second. And I, I do think, I don't even, like, I do think Ori stumped here. Like, honestly, I wouldn't put Last of Us 2 in here personally, because I don't think it's worthy. So I think Ori 2 should take over for Last of Us Part 2. Clearly, I wouldn't have Animal Crossing on this list, right? Because... Nintendo wall, right? You know what I mean? Wow. Um, that's, that is shade. Man. Yeah. So then we have Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, which is, isn't surprising. I've kind of, once those great reviews came out for the game, and a lot of, a lot of games really journalists kind of grew up with Final Fantasy VII, right, as their first kind of, uh, foray into video games, and then it gets remade. So no surprise that the game was nominated. Doom Eternal, not a surprise either. I mean, maybe then you could make a case that maybe Ori was left out because people forgot about it. it came out in March, but then so did well, Doom Eternal. Um, well, that's came. another thing. That's another point that people made. Where's the nominations for Jedi Fallen Order? Yeah, because that wasn't that wasn't eligible last year. Yep. And now it is. But all the game journalists have forgotten about it. That's true. So you have Doom Eternal, which. But that's the game, but now owned by Microsoft, well, not technically yet. So does this count as a Microsoft game, Jazz? No, of course not, because they didn't make it. They weren't involved with the production of it. Um, but now that it's nominated for Game of the Year, it's going to be interesting to see what it does after this, because its next game will be under Microsoft. So you better hope that the next game they make, if it's another Doom game, is as good as Doom Eternal, right? Otherwise, Yeah, people... don't forget that id lost its uh, game director. Recently. Oh, did he, where'd he After go? Doom Eternal. He's retired. Oh, um, okay. Okay. I can't remember his full name. And then, and then we have... him, and then something. But I always think of Tim Schafer. Tim Schafer's double fine. And then we have so that, the, um, the Token yeah. Indie nomination, Jez. This always happens every year. Token Indie nomination. I think last year was Celeste, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, with any game that people really love. Uh, and this year it's Hades. And if Hades didn't come out this year, I would say it probably would have been Ori. But Hades came out uh, from early access on Switch and PC, and people love it. I hear nothing but praise from people playing it. It's kind when of a, a roguelike. When did Zero come out? Uh, Kana Zero came out last year. Uh, okay. Because I, I would have said Katana Zero is better than Hades, but I also think Ori is better than Hades. Like, I've played a fair bit of Hades, and it's a really cool, slick game, unique, but it's not better than Ori. It's just not. Well, know? the game journalists yeah. think it is, and they're the ones who vote on it, so I'm not surprised Hades is here. Now, the, the, the other question I had is Cyberpunk. If Cyberpunk actually came out, I 100% expected it to be nominated for Game of the Year, so if it was... Which one of these games wouldn't be nominated? I would say Doom Eternal, probably. If, if yeah, Cyberpunk was Game of the Year, Eternal. it probably would be Doom, right? Yeah, probably. But out of so, if we had to pick... Like, um, when, uh, when we were doing our Game Awards, because, you know, we're a Microsoft website, we don't... We're only games eligible, are ex- games that release on Xbox or Windows. So, um, loads of people nominated, and, we, you know, we asked the whole team to to vote on any game they won. Loads of people voted for Doom Eternal just because, like, what else is there? <laughs> it's really, you know, it's basically just got Ori and Doom Eternal that are, like, games that are sort of game of the year worthy. Gunstar, not, says, I was, need... um, Gunstar says, this kind of goes to you, Jez, was Microsoft Flight Sim not eligible? That game is, like, and he has, like, what, uh, like, off-face. No, it was eligible, yeah, and it was nominated, I'm, uh, but not Game of the Year. Well, yeah, Microsoft Flight Simulator actually won our top PC Game of the Year, just about beating Doom Eternal um, from internal discussions and voting. So, like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really strange, because video games is like, it's like a different medium, you know? Like, you say there's always a token indie game every year. They don't do that for the film industry. They don't. They don't give indie game, indie movies like a leg up or whatever. I don't know. It's like there's a, philo- a philosophical thing. It's like a evolving, evolving thing that you'd really need to, you know, look at and see how it goes over time. But yeah, I I actually asked a few people recently what they think about how how um you know the film industry is treated with so much more reverie than video games as an art form, despite the fact video games makes far more money and has far more people involved in it. So it is weird. Because video like, games as, as are, are still seen as childish things. You know what I mean? Do you think it's a generational thing? Like, eventually? Yes. No, just like when we're old and we're still doing this podcast when we're like 60, <laughs> if, I live, if I live that long. Um... <laughs> uh, that will, that like then video games will get their due and like everyone will watch the Game Awards with Jeff Keighley coming out with the Walking Stick. I think the Game Awards. Game has, Awards. <laughs> I, I think the Game Awards has higher ratings than the Oscars last year. I'd have to yeah. look. Is that? But that's not televised, right? That's like that is um that's judging by online viewership, right? I mean, true, but I mean viewership is viewership, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. So I guess so. We have Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Shima, Hades, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and Last of Us Part Two. If you had to put on your predicting cap right now, say which game wins Game of the Year, 
Which game is it? Probably Last of Us. You think Last of Us Part Two is going to win? Probably. See, I think it's a three. I think it's a three-way race. I think the only three games that have a chance of winning are Last of Us Part Two, Ghost of Tsushima, and Hades. And I think Hades has an outside chance of winning. But if I had to pick, if I had to pick, I'm going to say it's Ghost of Tsushima. I don't know. I, that, that's the one I want to, but I think with them releasing the multiplayer and with how like widely loved the multiplayer portion of that game is and it was done for free, I think that also gave a lot of goodwill uh, to um, for people who are reviewing the game. Um, and yeah, the, the, safe bet is, the safe bet is saying The Last of Us Part Two would be the winner because it's the higher-rated game and it's it's the sequel to Last of Us, right? Uh, and maybe it will win, but I don't know. I just kind of feel that it's – I think I kind of feel it's either goes to, goes to Tsushima or Hades, and I'm just going to say goes to Tsushima. But I wouldn't be surprised if Hades won. Like, where, like, people split the vote on Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima because they're PlayStation games, and then Hades kind of sneaks in there. Because I don't think Animal Crossing, Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake stand a chance at winning, um, personally. Uh, man, Final Fantasy VII would have been my game of the year if it wasn't for the ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I Microsoft did have two games nominated for Best uh, Strategy Game. Well, Best Innovation and Accessibility Grounded was nominated. Microsoft had eight nominations, which is the second most. Sony had 22. Um, Ori's nominated for Best Action Adventure Game and, like, you know, score and music. Uh, Best Strategy, Sim Strategy, Microsoft Flight Sim and Gears Tactics are both nominated. Like, I would imagine, like, Best Sim Strategy, you have Crusader Kings 3, Desperados 3, Gears Tactics, Flight Sim, and XCOM Chimera Squad. Like it, man, it's either it's got to be either Gears or Microsoft Flight no, Sim, right? No, 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 no. It's going to yeah. be Crusader Kings. Crusader Kings is going to completely dominate that. Oh, you think so? Yeah, definitely. Dude, Crusader Kings is like is sick. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's cra- It's a crazy game, and it's really popular. I don't think I think Crusader Kings will win that easily. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's what we think is going to happen with Game of the Year. So. Uh, Scarecrow says, why isn't Rand nominated as Best Influence at the Game Awards? Much love, guys. Have a great weekend. It's a good question. Why isn't Rand nominated? Like, I'm, I'm a nobody. Uh, you know, like, you have, like, Is that a, a thing? Alana Pierce. Yeah, Alana Pierce is nominated. Tim the Tatman, Valkyrie, Nick Merckx. Best, like, online personality or whatever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally a thing. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, and by the way, remember our talk about Hitman and who and the Square Enix IP? or uh, yeah. the Hitman IP. I'm looking at the uh, trademark right now for Hitman and it is indeed owned. Current owners are Square Enix Limited. Wow. So, That's hilarious. Yeah, they just licensed it out to IO Interactive. They still own the IP. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, moving on from that, let's, let's, talk about the, um, let's talk about the Bethesda exclusivity. This is a big topic. I got so many DMs about this. I did a video about it. Me and you had a very lengthy discussion in DMs about it. I've asked people about this. And for a while there, um, you know, a lot of people were very much 
convinced that uh, when Microsoft purchased Bethesda that the games would be exclusive to Xbox, right? Even though there were some people that were like, oh, they'll still be on PlayStation, most people felt, hey, Microsoft, you don't spend that type of money to then just give the games to PlayStation. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of Phil's mm-hmm. quotes uh, recently have kind of pointed to those uh, ideas, right? Well, then the corporate financial officer of Xbox uh, started talking, and we kind of mentioned some of his comments about the supply issues and all that stuff. But he really said some things that got now people teetering on this idea that the Bethesda games will also release on PlayStation and Nintendo. He talked about how they had no intentions of pulling games from other platforms, and it wasn't really clear if he was just referring to stuff like Fallout 76 or existing games. It almost made it, when you read it, made it sound like he's talking about future titles, right? But then the big thing was that he mentioned how they wanted Bethesda titles to show up first, better, or best, which, I mean, I'm sorry, there's no other way to read that comment than saying those games will be on PlayStation because if those games were exclusive, you wouldn't need to say first, better, or best. First implies that it's going to be somewhere else. Like, if you're saying we want this game to be first on Xbox, it implies it's going to be going somewhere else. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same thing, better or best. Like, it implies that it's going to be somewhere else, and you want it to be better on your platform. So I was thinking, you know what? Tim Stewart's got to know. I mean, he's the money man at Xbox. He's the corporate financial officer, you know. Maybe, maybe, Maybe he just kind of slipped up and, like, told people the truth. While, like, you know, Phil and everybody else are kind of being a little bit low-key, case-by-case basis, you know, kind of waiting to tell people what their plans are while, the you know, it, it goes through the U.S. regulators and the deal goes through. Um, so, Jez, uh, I'm sure everybody's waiting on beta breath to hear what you think, <laughs> what we think. So, do you think the games will be exclusive to Xbox, or do you think his comments kind of paint a picture of the truth of the situation and that Microsoft spent all that money and they're just going to put it on PlayStation and Nintendo anyways. What do you think? What 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 what, what are you hearing? Like what are, what are your feelings on this? Well, my feelings are still that you don't spend that kind of money to publish the games on another platform. And especially when you look at Phil Spencer's comments recently, he said things like, I don't need to make, I don't need to release those games on PlayStation. So, if you don't need to release those PlayStation games on PlayStation, why would you do it? The only logical explanation I can think of is, um, you know, you're afraid of the negative PR or, or you consider a franchise to be so big that it's, it's better to just release it on PlayStation to continue driving that halo effect. Because, There's one thing you've got to think about with certain franchises. So, Minecraft, for example. Um, Minecraft hooks into mobile audiences. And when you've got a mobile phone audience, you make a load of money with, like, really good margins. But in order to get that mobile audience out there, um, at least in the case of Elder Scrolls, is it's built on the back of their console and PC games, right? So maybe Elder Scrolls is like, maybe they consider Elder Scrolls to be such a big franchise that in order to keep driving people to like Elder Scrolls Blades or whatever, or Elder Scrolls Online, they need to keep driving that Halo effect everywhere 
with like, you know, engagement as your number one thing. So I think there is like an outside chance that Elder Scrolls Fallout, games that have a service component, mobile phone component, and let, let's not forget Fallout Shelter is way bigger than Fallout's ever been on PC or console. Um, maybe to continue driving the Halo effect, getting people to buy the, the mobile games or spending microtransactions in the mobile games. Maybe in order to do that, you need to keep releasing those games on PlayStation to keep that, keep driving that engagement. And that's all they, they, all that they care about for those businesses is engagement, engagement, engagement. However, I think it could also go the other way and they could just be like, well, those games are big enough without PlayStation and maybe the whole idea is, you know, we want people to play those games in xCloud on their phone. Because let's remember next year, um, Tom Warren reported, and I've also heard now um, from my own sources, that uh, xCloud is going to be upgraded to Xbox Series X early in 2021, rolling out throughout the rest of the year. So, um, if you don't... And technically, if everyone everyone's got a mobile phone, right? Do you guys really have... Do you guys even have phones? Do you guys, um, yeah, what is this? Uh, the, the whole... Uh, <laughs> that guy uh, about with the Diablo phone game? <laughs> Diablo yeah, yeah. Do you guys even have phones? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, it, it's not like... We live in a world now when it comes to Xbox Game Pass that Microsoft games are more accessible than ever. So there's certainly an argument to be made that you're not restricting PlayStation gamers from getting access to Elder Scrolls Blades or Elder Scrolls 6, sorry, because they've got a phone or they've got a TV app they can play it on. They don't necessarily need an Xbox to play Elder Scrolls. And that's how you get those people to subscribe to your service. Like, logically, just going off the pure logic of it, it doesn't make any sense if you're trying to drive xCloud and you're trying to drive Game Pass. It doesn't make any sense to release that game on PlayStation. It makes more sense to say, well, why don't you play it on your PC? Why don't you play it via Game Pass? It makes far more sense to do that. But on the other hand, maybe they're not that confident in xCloud's performance yet. Maybe they're not, not that confident in xCloud's like, uh, uptake Maybe they're not confident that xCloud's going to have all these services in place by the time, say, Starfield launches. So maybe Starfield falls back on a more traditional launch where it's like, well, we, we don't expect PlayStation gamers to be able to play this kind of game on our service because it's not good enough. But then it's kind of like, well, does that mean you're not confident in your service? To me, there's no real win from putting it on PlayStation here. If your goal is to drive Xbox Game Pass, logically to me, it makes sense to just put it in Game Pass and put it on Xbox platforms or any platform that has Game Pass. If you're still giving people access to the game, making it more affordable, and also the exclusivity will drive new people into your ecosystem. They'll, maybe they'll sell Xbox Series S consoles and stuff like that. Going off the pure cold hard logic, it just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. But then again, Microsoft also does a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense to me. So, <laughs> you know, it could it could potentially go either way. But I'm like I'm still pretty firm, firmly planting my flag in this idea that there will be exclusive to Xbox Game Pass platforms. So PC, phone, wherever you can get Xbox Game Pass, I believe that's where the Bethesda games will live. Because the alternative just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me if I'm understanding Microsoft's vision correctly. 
Yeah, and I, I pretty much agree with you on that. Like, if I'm understanding Microsoft's vision, like, it doesn't make any sense for them to put their games on PlayStation. Like, Microsoft, like, I don't know how many times I've heard Phil talk about how the console market isn't growing and that, like, all the growth opportunities on PC and mobile. And it doesn't make sense to spend all that money to then just give your competition because as as much as they don't say PlayStation is their competition, they still compete with them directly. I mean, PlayStation certainly thinks of Xbox as competition. You had Jim Ryan even talk about it in some of his comments about how, you know, they respect what their competition is doing. So you have PlayStation looking at Xbox, and they're trying to do whatever they can to get people to choose PlayStation. You know, they're making deals to get stuff like Final Fantasy games exclusive to the platform. They made two deals with Bethesda before Microsoft acquired them to get those games. Like, PlayStation is doing everything in their power to make everyone choose to play on PlayStation. And in my opinion, if you just were like, all right, we bought Bethesda, we need more content, and then we're also going to be putting Elder Scrolls and Starfield on PlayStation, like, it only gives PlayStation more of an advantage, right? And then I also look at, like, Man, it would be really, really weird to have half your studios making multi-platform games and the other half of your studios making exclusive games. Like, what's the message there at that point? Like, hey, um, you know, uh, Ninja Theory, uh, you know, we love you, but your games aren't good enough to be on PlayStation. They're only good enough for Xbox. Arcane, you're great. You know what? You make games that are so amazing, they need to be multi-platform, right? Like, yeah. It's, unless unless PlayStation is going to allow Game Pass, I mean, because Phil talked about that, like he he's only going to put games on other platforms if they have a full Xbox Xbox experience, meaning Xbox Live, Xbox Achievements, Game Pass. So unless the Switch and PlayStation get, you know, those features, then I don't really see it happening, and I don't see PlayStation allowing uh, Game Pass or any of that stuff on their platform. I think Minecraft is a one-off. Oh. Right. In fact, um, in fact, you've got like uh, Jim Ryan out here saying like you'll see our response to Xbox Game Pass soon. Yeah, exactly. And I, I pretty much expect, I pretty much expect PlayStation to copy Game Pass, like down, like one to one copy down the line. And you even, you even think they're going to copy it with putting their exclusives day one because he's been. Very vocal about that, about about them not doing it because their games are way too expensive to put in the sub. He's been, I mean, because if he does that, like, people will call him out on that because he's literally said the opposite. He can get away with the whole we believe in generations because they never explicitly said Spider-Man Miles Morales was exclusive to PS5. Those words were never uttered. People just took what he said and kind of extrapolated from it. But he's literally on record saying that uh, those games won't be in a sub because they're too expensive. So you, you think you think they'll copy it one-to-one and, and, like, God of War Ragnarok will be day one in a PlayStation Game Pass sub or something? I don't know the timing on it, but I do think eventually they will copy it one-to-one because, like, why wouldn't they? There's literally every shred of data Microsoft has about Game Pass is that it enhances retail size sales. It enhances engagement. It enhances the viral marketing. There is literally no downside. There's no downside right now to putting it in Game Pass because it actually causes retail sales to grow. And if the detail, if the data is suggesting that, there's literally 
no downside to it. But maybe you could argue that, you know, maybe they think that their games are so good that maybe Microsoft has that data just because nobody wants to buy Xbox games at retail or something. And uh, this is the only way they're going to hear about them otherwise. But I have, you know, I don't know what their logic is, but I, I believe firmly PlayStation will copy Game Pass down to the wire eventually. No idea how long it will take, but every shred of data suggests there's no downsides to it whatsoever. So, you know, it's just another revenue stream. It's, un- it's free money, basically. Why wouldn't you do it? I mean, some people would say that God of War Ragnarok is going to sell 20 million copies at full price, and why would you put that into a subscription day one? Maybe it sells 30 million if it was in Game Pass. Or PlayStation Pass or whatever you want to call it. Well, I always say, like, what, what would make you more money? 40 million people paying you $15 a month for forever? Or, you know, a, a release of God of War, two two PlayStation releases per year that sell 20 million copies at $60? Like, what what would eventually make you more money in the long long term? Right? Well, the, the, thing, the thing is, you also have to remember, 60, all that stuff, $160 doesn't go to Sony. Well, a lot of it does, considering it's their own game. Yeah, like, like they gotta pay licensing fees the, themselves. The digital version, maybe, but not sure. The and we, as we all we, we all know, like the, uh, everyone's buying more and more digital. Even even people with with this based systems, like everybody's going more and more digital. I mean, I I agree with you. Like I've always said, I believe Sony will put their games on on their version of Game Pass day one at some point. Um, it only makes too much sense because Sony has a bigger audience, and they can probably and and their games appeal to, I mean, just look at, like, how many game people buy, like, Spider-Man and all that stuff. Like, you imagine if you could, you put their games in a sub-service, you could have 20 million people subscribing to PlayStation Game Pass, like, really quickly. And then you'd only build up over the course of the generation. I think it happens. I'm just not sure when it's going to happen. But back to the Bethesda thing, so, like, if Jim Ryan is like, we have a Game Pass competitor coming, then they're not going to want Game Pass on their system, right? And if Microsoft's focus is putting, uh, if their philosophy is like the biggest thing to them is growing Game Pass and getting these games out to the mobile audience where there's room for growth, then you wouldn't put it on PlayStation. But it's hard to really kind of come to terms with what the corporate financial officer said. First, better, and best. I mean, unless, of course, he just completely misspoke and they don't want to rock the boat, so to speak, because of uh, the deal's not done and people are looking into it. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta remember, like, this is, this isn't Xbox buying these studios, right? This is Microsoft, right? Microsoft, one of the biggest companies in the world. So they're a little bit under more scrutiny than, say, PlayStation is or Nintendo. So when Microsoft buys companies like this, they're always looked at with the fine-tooth comb, right? So if Microsoft's true intentions were like, yeah, we're going to keep everything exclusive. We're, why do we, we didn't spend that money to also put them on PlayStation. We want content for people in the Xbox ecosystem. But then they also want to make sure the deal goes through. So they don't want to come out and say to everybody right out of the gate, yeah, we're going to fuck over PlayStation. Of course we are. Like, you think Elder Scrolls is going to be on PlayStation? You're smoking crack. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> I just feel Phil Spencer saying I know, right? Uh, 
So you're smoking crack, like it's so they're they're crazy. like they want that they're they're keeping it low profile. They're just biding their time until uh, the deal goes through, and then they can do whatever they want. Now, I'm not partial to what they're going to do. I only have my opinions based on you know Microsoft strategy, which we've talked about for years here, and Phil's comments. Um, and if I'm just going off that, then yeah, I think those games will be exclusive to the Xbox platform. Now, if then you add in these new comments, it, it does kind of like, well, what's the truth here? And that's just one of the things that only only time will tell. But I'm leaning more towards that the most, the majority of the games from Bethesda will be exclusive. Maybe Starfield, because of how close it's coming out, maybe that game potentially is a timed exclusive, like one year. Maybe Elder Scrolls is so big of a franchise like Minecraft where it's more makes more sense for Microsoft to uh keep it multi platform. But I don't know, like I'm kind of feeling that the, the the vast majority of these games will only be on platforms that have Game Pass. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think like I think Microsoft will be insane to like put Elder Scrolls on uh, PlayStation because it's not it's not Minecraft you know it's yeah Elder Scrolls Blades whatever it's still not as big as Minecraft and it never will be as big as Minecraft but it's like it's still this sort of it's a tentpole franchise that is sort of like it's up there with the most amazing games franchises in in the history of our industry you would be insane not to position that as a flagship Xbox franchise I think given the fact that Halo has slipped so far, so far, so quickly in people's minds as a quality franchise. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you make Elder Scrolls the face of Game Pass? Because, let's face it, it's not going to be Halo. Looks like a Lego game. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Um, RDX says Hitman Maker's making the new 007 game. Yes, we've talked about that. Faisal says he said we're not pulling all games from PS5. Well, he didn't exactly say that, but I get what you mean. Um, Stodgy Caesar says, remind Jez how exclusivity screwed Windows Phone. How, how did exclusivity screw Windows Phone, Jez? I have no idea. Is it because a lot of the apps were only on iPhone and Android, so nobody wanted Windows Phone because they couldn't get apps for it? Well, developers didn't want to make apps for it because it was a dead platform. It's, uh. not, it's like we're not we're not in the same situation. Like the two things killed Windows Phone: no Snapchat at the time. Snapchat was blowing up. No, no decent YouTube app at the time. Like you know, YouTube was blowing up. It's that. That's what killed Windows Phone. Xbox really isn't in the same situation. And Baby Hint so. says, Bethesda for console sales then put on PS5. So, yeah, this whole Bethesda thing is interesting, and I don't think we'll get a straight answer from Microsoft until, um, well, until the, the deal goes through. And we might not even get one right then and there. Um <laughs> Axel goes, screw you, Jez. Your eyes need to be checked. Halo is not a Lego game, you hater. Jez is a, <laughs> Jez is a, a Halo hater. And I, I've just kind of learned to just give him no, pay him no mind when he says those <laughs> things about Halo. Like, he says that, and I, I know he wants a response um, from me. And I'm just not going to give it to him, you know? I mean, it, like, here's the thing, Jez. On, as, 
as as bad as Halo could look, it could look like a Lego game. I'll tell you what, though. It'll always be immensely more popular than Gears of War ever could be. Yeah, yeah. But that's like saying, like, you know, Justin Bieber's more popular oh, than Oh, shut Black up Black. with the Justin... That's my thing I say. <laughs> that's my thing I say. Now, you don't say that. I'm just saying there's this a limit. You know, you know, oh, here 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 here's here's a question for you. This is this is how you know how popular Gears is. What's the franchise that is most likely to take a break after their next game? Halo Infinite or Gears 6? What franchise might go on break Ooh. for a while? Halo or Gears? I don't know. I don't know if you want to answer that. I don't you know. I don't know if you want to ask that question mm. considering didn't they say that Halo Infinite's a platform and there won't be a sequel for a long time? Yeah, but that yeah, is, that yeah, is but, true, yeah, but, Halo, but Halo's yeah, gonna yeah. be gonna be there mm-hmm. for ten years. Mm-hmm. Gear mm-hmm. Six, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is the last yeah. Gears game ever. Ever? I, I would not be surprised to see the once Gear Six comes out, say twenty twenty three. I think it's the last Gears game because where else do you have to go in that franchise for a numbered Gears game from the Coalition? I think that's the last Gears game they ever make. Well. That, that's fine, you know. Don't overstay your welcome like some franchises, you know. I mean, that is true. There, there is some, some, something to be said about overstaying your, your welcome. And if you do, you have to kind of change it up. You have to reinvent yourself. And uh, Gears really kind of does need to reinvent themselves, right? So, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and so... Yeah, some franchises just don't know when to quit, you know. Well, some franchises are just too important to just not do. Like, Halo is just too... Halo is just too important to Xbox and too important uh, to video games, period. Like, Gears means nothing to, to video games and Xbox. Well, you know? Lego sure is timeless. I mean, Lego is, I mean, Lego is timeless. You aren't wrong <laughs> on that. It's also extremely popular. So, which is weird that X, Xbox and Halo doesn't have that tie-in with Lego. They have a tie-in with Mega Bloks? Like, who cares about Mega Bloks, right? Oh, that is so weird. It is. Like, whenever, they announce, whenever they announce a new Mega Bloks, like, I'm like, come on, man. No one wants Mega Bloks. What kid is excited about Mega Bloks for Christmas, man? None. Slap that stuff with Lego where it belongs. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so we, we, we kind of already touched on Jim Ryan talking about a Game Pass competitor. I think that's going to be really interesting whenever that happens, because you know they have something cooking. I wonder if... I wouldn't be surprised if they combine PlayStation Plus and PS Now, kind of like how Xbox combined Xbox Live and Game Pass into one service. Um I should do that. And the way they talk about, like, there's something coming, do you think that includes PlayStation Now where they, like, rebrand it? Because they never talk about PlayStation Now. Do you think it's, like, a completely new service with a new name? Or do you think it's just going to be a revamp of PS Now? Like, how do you, what do you, what do you think it is, Jez? Well, remember ages ago, Microsoft announced this big partnership with Sony? Uh, yeah. For cloud services that, is that true. materialized into mm-hmm. nothing. Well, that hasn't done it. it hasn't materialized anything. Yes, yes. So I'm kind of wondering if, like, they're gonna, you know, relaunch PlayStation now on a sep- on a separate service. Speaking of Microsoft service, did you see that PUBG is now running on Azure as well? Yeah, they're running on Azure now. Yep. Yeah. And I think uh, Rainbow Six too. runs on Azure, right? Yeah, Rainbow Six runs on Azure, yep. And uh, now Minecraft does as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, speaking of Minecraft, um, Minecraft Realms and servers are now available on PlayStation as well. Also running on Azure. Hmm. Right. Interesting. So, um, I 
Yeah, I forgot what the trial of thought was because I went on such a massive tangent. There. You did go on a tangent. Who was just talking about Jim Ryan and, and the Game Pass competitor? And he also, oh, yeah, so if they're going to rebrand it. Yeah, if they're going to rebrand it. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. He also talked about generation-defining games and how they probably won't show up until 2022. And a lot of people kind of took issue with that with him because he's like, well, are you saying God of War is not going to be a generation-defining game or – you know, some of that stuff. And I kind of agree with them because 2022 is when I look, it was when I look at it like that is when next gen game only games will start releasing. Like, I don't think you're mm-hmm. going to have a generation only defining game in the first, in 2020 and 2021 when most of these games coming out will be cross gen. It'll be like, and that's when we expect most of the Xbox first party to start hitting. That'll only be on Series X and S, right? Avowed, Fable, Forza Motorsport. Uh, State of the K3, like all their future exclusives, that's when they're all supposed to start hitting. Um, so, and then that kind of brings in a lot of people's questions about does that mean God of War Ragnarok is a PS4 game? He was kind of asked that and he wouldn't answer the question. I mean, I'm not saying that that means 100% that God of War, the next God of War is a PS4 game, but I think it's highly likely. Just like Horizon Zero Dawn or Horizon Forbidden West has a PS4 game, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if God of War also has a PS4 version. There's a lot of money to be made. I mean, Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to sell a lot of copies because, you know, I mean, PS4 has a lot this of is, owners just, still. Um, you know, like, it's just business. Yeah. This is the reality of X86 development. It's like it's so it's so easy to do the port. Why wouldn't you do it, you know? Um it's not like uh, backporting a PS4 game to the cell processor, for God's sake. It's like it's 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 much easier to do. It's more PC-like. So there's money to be made. I would not be shocked at all if God of War came to PS4 in some sort of like lower resolution format because it's just so easy to do. You're running, leaving money on the table if you don't do it. And a lot of those subscribers are still going to be on the past-gen console too, like for PlayStation um, Plus and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. If you're building a platform, you gotta go where your users are, and a lot of them still gonna be on PlayStation, just like a lot of Xbox users are still gonna be on Xbox One, which is why I think one day they'll convert Xbox One consoles into an X-Cloud box. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they've already kind of talked about that. So, like, by, cause right now, uh, I, w- I watched your video about the cloud, the X-Cloud on PC. It was, it was really cool. Um, thank you. But you mentioned, or at least, uh, we've talked about how right now the xCloud only does 720p. And while it doesn't really, on a phone, you really don't notice it, but, like, on a computer monitor, you do, right? Um, yeah, and I know they're laying the groundwork for all that stuff. Um, but when do you expect to be, like, so when they start putting the next-gen server blades in there, are they starting with Series S? So 1080p, no. 1440p, or are they going straight to Series X, like, 4K. They're right? going straight to Series X. So they're going straight the, uh, to Series X. Yeah. Which uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, the availability problems also has something to do with using a lot of that silicon to upgrade the servers. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But, yeah, they're going all the way to Series X. That's what I've heard. That's what Tom Warren's heard. And uh, which means that, you know, it's another reason why the Xbox platform supports 1440.